What's that place you've always wanted to try? Well, you're there. Sharing plates with just one bite. Or on second thought, maybe not sharing. It's that good. When you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. There's something scary hiding in the back of your closet. Your bathing suits and summer clothes thing you're pretty sure don't fit anymore. What if there was a way to get into summer shape in one visit? Here's Dr. Brian Strand for Sonobello to explain. It really is quite remarkable. Sonobello doctors use a technology called microlaser fat removal, and the results are amazing. We customize your procedure to accomplish your goals. Just share with us the problem areas where you'd like the fat in inches removed. And in one visit, they're gone, permanently. I can't tell you how often I hear clients say how many years they've been trying to diet and exercise those inches away. And we did it in one comfortable visit. It's time to get your summer on. Visit any of our Sonobella locations across the U.S. And right now, you can save $250. Visit sonobello.com slash save. sonobello.com slash save. That's sonobello.com slash save. Never speak to me like that again. Better be wearing a cup. Baby steps. Welcome to Dave and Dave Unchained, a Van Halen podcast. I'm Dave. And I'm Dave. And we are at episode 59, Dave. We are 10 away from you revealing all. I know that's your favorite number of all time. Oh, yeah. Well, you promised. You made a big promise when we started this podcast that we got to 69. You were going to let us uh, all behind the iron I curtain. I have no recollection. Oh, yeah. Now you got no, yeah, you're like somebody else I know. No recollection. <laughs> <laughs> Before we start, it should be noted that Dave and I will do a full breakdown of Wolfgang Van Halen's week-long whirlwind press tour and a special segment. There was just too much to put into the news, so that will come after Mailbag. All right, well, we're going to get right into some Van Halen news. Van Halen news. Well, Dave, we have massive amounts of Van Halen news. we got to get through this. It is massive since Eddie passed. As you well know, there's so much stuff coming out. But let's get right to the tippy top, the Sunset Sound Studios podcast. Oh, my God. Well, there is a man by the name of Brian Kihu. Is that how you say it, Dave? Kihu? You know, I think so, but I, I can't swear. I'm going to spell it. It's K-E-H-E-W. And he is a recording engineer, and he is the man who went into the Warner Brothers vault. And he's the guy who worked on that box set from Van Halen that was shelved. He's the guy that Eddie Chunk spoke to back in the day when Eddie told us all about what happened. He's the guy who has been inside 
the Warner Brothers archives. So I want to talk about this. So Sunset Sound Studios, which is an incredible, legendary studio. Now, Van Halen recorded at Sunset Sound for the first five albums. So Van Halen won all the way through Diver Down, and everybody knows 1984 and everything since then was recorded at 5150. So this is a legendary Van Halen spot. The gentleman... I forgot their names, all three of them, who were working there from Sunset Sound, were put together pockets they were talking about since Ed passed, all the just different Van Halen stuff. They brought Brian Kehu on, and I hope I'm saying his name right, Kehu or Kehu, or it's K-E-H-E-W. He came on as a guest. Now, he described the vault that Warner Brothers has of unreleased audio of Van Halen. He said it's like a house in the valley. He said it's almost Indiana Jones-style place. He's an independent contractor that was hired to handle unreleased demos, live shows, recordings, everything that's in the vault there. He said that he's been a fan since day one. He's a hardcore Van Halen fan, so he really knows what he's talking about. And he has studied the stuff to crazy depth, he said. Now, he said one thing about Van Halen is very overlooked. Is, you know, obviously, incredible band. Eddie's a you know guitar genius, but he said the songwriting is what really made these guys extra special because the songwriting was better than most people realized. And he said the Warner Brothers project came from the earliest tapes from Sunset Sound. They cut over 20 songs in April of 1977, and they had a uh, full repertoire of what was going on there. He said that Bring On The Girls, a song called Bring On The Girls, which eventually turned into Beautiful Girls. He talked about a lot of these songs were early versions of other songs. Like we talked about many years that Van Halen takes songs, they'll make switch lyrics around, use a part from this, use it on there. They like to do that. House of Pain was on there. Mean Street, which was Voodoo Queen back then, and inspired the opening of Mean Street was used in Voodoo Queen. And he said there was multi-track recordings and he made mixes. He said there are not a lot of outtakes. I think they downplayed it over the years. He said there's an entire tape of Eddie Van Halen doing the intro to Little Guitars. So there's a whole mix just with that. He said there's 13 takes of Cathedral. He said to hear them going through this stuff was, was really, really cool. So he, he was a fan of himself, just really enjoying himself. He said no one thought about outtakes back in the day, that they would literally throw away the rest of the tape that they weren't using, like take one, take four, whatever take they weren't using, they would actually throw it away. Because back then, no one thought about, you know, archive tapes. They were just talking about the actual record. There's an alternate take of Little Dreamer that exists in there. There's demos of Hot for Teacher with different lyrics and has Eddie Van Halen on bass. And he said he actually doubled the intro on the bass, probably because they couldn't play it live, so they didn't keep it on the record. And he said that that idea was then used on the 1986 David Lee Roth album, Eat Him and Smile, which was produced by Ted Templeman on the song Shy Boy, where Steve Vai and Billy Sheehan took the idea and they doubled the guitar and bass tapping octaves. He said there was a couple of um, instrumental bits which sounded more like a song without vocals. He said the world is ready for a disc of Eddie Van Halen guitar tracks. He, he said that this is definitely where it should be going. He said eruption is really one take. And he actually went through another mic'd recording of Eruption, which was like, I guess, a room mic. 
It wasn't the other mic that they do a direct feed, I guess. But it shows you the where it was edited in the middle. I guess there was just sort of a, like a little clink there that they got rid of. Hence the little edit there. But he said he did this digging 15 years ago, which is 2005. And this was all prior to David Lee Roth coming back in the band. And he says, David Lee Roth has an incredible voice. And he has this, he said, this great whiskey rough tone to it. He also noted that David Lee Roth took vocal lessons with a guy by the name of Seth Riggs prior to the first record to really improve on his voice. And Brian also said he thinks there's four CDs usable of releasable material. That's unbelievable to know. He said Happy Trails is on the demo in four-part harmony. He said at some point when they were doing... The last Van Halen album, A Different Kind of Truth, that Eddie was looking for the original demos and says apparently this four CD box set went to Alex. He has a copy of it, but who knows where it is. He says everything that they did from 1984 onward is all at 5150. So there's nothing in the Warner Brothers archives from 1984 onward that that exists in that library that we talked about that Eddie showed on that MTV clip that we talked about in our October episode. If you haven't seen that, definitely go check that out. That is so worth checking out. They also said that Van Halen recorded part of Women and Children First at Amigos Studios. The interesting part is that Ted really captured them as a live group. And he said that's why they really never recorded a live album, because they recorded the studio live. He called them a ferocious animal that could knock people out. That's how he described Van Halen. Interesting take. One of his all-time favorite Van Halen songs is You're No Good. If you can believe that, he said it's his favorite track of all time because it's stunning how they did that song. I thought he was referring to the Linda Ronstadt version. No, 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 no. He was referring to Van Halen's version. He was saying how dark it was and how they took it to a whole new place. And Yeah, I thought he said his favorite of all time, though, was the Linda Ronstadt version. But perhaps I misunderstood. No, I think that's what he said because he was praising the hell out of... The performance on there, like he was talking about the guitar and Alex and Dave with the high pitch stuff. And he talked about the Linda Ronstadt version, meaning like that was the real pop hit. That was like she really turned that song into like a real hit song. But he thought Van Halen took it in a really cool and dark and different direction. Regarding the 5150 fall, he says, he goes, that's their studio, that's their thing, and it's their job to go through it. There could be some really cool stuff there. Who knows what went on up there at night? He says, I'd like to just hear the brothers jamming. And then he said when he handed in this box set, Sammy was in the group. So I guess maybe it was like more like 2004. He said 15 years ago, but he said it was a bad time to do anything with Dave, meaning like, you know, recordings with Dave on. He says, then when Dave came back, he says they needed a new album. They wanted to do a live record and it wasn't time to promote the past and the old stuff. And he says down the road somewhere, he hopes it'll be time that there's not tons and tons, but there's a lot going on there and absolutely top quality material. This is directly from Brian, who has seen and heard the tapes. He credited Don Landy heavily as the engineer. He said he was an unbelievable engineer and Ted was an incredible producer. And he prefers the Sunset Sound studio stuff over 5150. He feels the sound at Sunset Sound was way better. He also praised Michael Anthony, saying they would not be as great had it not been Michael Anthony. His voice made Van Halen have that sound, and he called them a four-headed monster, 
And he also praised Alex as an absolute ferocious player. He said that Warner Brothers spent a lot of money on Van Halen when it came to promotion because they had something special. They said they were very quick in the studio. And the guy from Sunset Sound, excuse me for not knowing his name, he went through all the invoices. And they would go in there for like two, three days or this and that to record. And he said they did it really quick. He said, Pretty Woman, they did in one weekend, and they released it like the next week, the radio, which is incredible. The first album, though, they spent more time. He said they spent 33 days working on that album in the studio, so there was a lot of time spent on that one. As we all know, that Ted really wanted to make sure that that album was right on the money because Montrose's album, which was a fantastic debut, didn't hit the way he, he wanted it to, so he wanted to make sure Van Halen had that. So, And then they talked about the... Famous live videos from 1981. He says, is this show filmed? Where's the rest? He says, well, filming can be expensive. If you were running five or six cameras and the film costs a lot and there was only enough to go for a few songs and they were only going to use them on Midnight Special or Don Kirshner's rock concert. He says, I don't know where the film is. He says, possibly it could resurface or not. But he says, there's a reel or two of tape. In there, he's not really sure what's on there, but he says if they did a live album from the first few albums, it would sound really more like the record. So he didn't find anything, I guess, live in there. He says they really weren't focused on live recordings. He said he saw Van Halen for the first time at the US Festival in 1983, so they were always great. He says, I would really like to hear the Van Halen's White Album. And then one of the guys who was there said, I think Van Halen 3 is Van Halen's White Album, you know? And he says that... There is stuff out there with Mammoth playing with Eddie singing in a supermarket parking lot. It's not in the Warner Brothers vault. He says this would be something that maybe Eddie has, but he says that is out there. He also talked about Dave really taking on Jim Dandy Mangrum's whole style and approach with the long blonde hair and the open chest and stuff like that. He said very often Dave would even be found going to Jim Dandy shows filming them. He says Right. I, Jim Dandy said that himself. Yeah, absolutely. So that, that corroborates that evidence. And when they were talking about Van Halen 3, I really think they were talking about women and children first. Really? Yes, because right after they say Van Halen 3, all they talk about for the next five minutes or so are women and children first songs. So I really think they got the album title wrong. I don't know. They were, really, they were really talking about women and children okay. first. Okay. Brian said, I think there's lost films out there. Some things are surfacing soon, I hope. What was the past is suddenly more important now. And he says that he can't see the band going on without Eddie, obviously. He said, I can't see them getting a guy to play guitar and go out as Van Halen. That would just be way too weird. But he says possibly some radio shows could come out and some films, and people will study it more seriously and appreciate the well-crafted songwriting that Van Halen had. He says there's an influence that you can hear from all the different styles of music that Eddie and Alex grew up with, mixed with all the music that Dave listened to. He says they brought it all together in this weird mishmash that is distinctly Van Halen. He also said that he really thinks they need a documentary on Van Halen. And he says not somebody portraying Eddie like they did with Freddie Mercury, like an actual documentary. And he went over Eruption and even played a recording of Eruption on a different mic. He's called it a room mic, an alternate room mic, 
which was overhead, and you can hear that's a little less echoey, and you can hear the middle part that they sort of edited out, where there was sort of like a little creak or something you could hear. I guess they just cleaned it up. And there's also a longer fade at the end. He says they never found more outtakes. He said that there wasn't, you know, multiple takes of Eruption. Very often the band was all together. There was less isolation. Now listen to this, Dave. This scared the hell out of me. So we all know that Eddie died on October 6, 2020. On October 4th, 1977, he recorded Eruption. And on October 4th, 2015, Van Halen played their last show. And on October 6th, Eddie Van Halen died in 2020. Interesting. And on October 6th, 1995 is when Van Halen got their Walk what's of it Fame. Called? Their, Walk of their Fame. Star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Isn't that weird? Unbelievable. Right? Unbelievable. Yeah. Wow. So now he also talked about Jamie's crying and he played a recording of Jamie's crying, not the whole thing, but he played the ending. The ending was different, had sort of an extra segment that got edited out, which is sort of interesting to hear. It, it, was, it didn't fade out at the end. No, it didn't it fade was, out, right. right. It played like a little more of a traditional ending. Now, they also looked up some of the invoices. He says they booked 25 songs, and they're trying to figure out what were those 25 songs. Listen, you know, some stuff gets lost in the shuffle. It's hard to figure out. And he says it could be different takes, take one, take two. But very often, they didn't have a lot of takes, he said. He said it was a rare case. But he said, apparently, they came into the studio at Sunset Sound and for three days in April of 77 and laid down everything they had for Ted to hear everything they had. And then they ended up working on it over the summer and all the way up into December of 77. He said they used to work during the day, believe it or not, which were the less preferred hours. And I guess they were a band that, you know, obviously didn't have prominence. So, for example, if Cher was coming in in the evening, they said, well, Van Halen, you're working noon to six. And you got to be out by six because Cher's coming in at seven. So they would do stuff like that. Right, but I think that was also preferred by Van Halen because they probably had gigs in the evening. Yes, he did say that, that very often they'd have gigs in the evening after working in the studio all day. He also said there were three mixes of Ain't Talking About Love that were finished all the way up until December 30th, 1977. He said there's one or two takes of Intruder with different guitar tracks. And it says David Lee Roth was on keyboards there in a very simple keyboard part, nothing special. So this is love they talked about being put together in multiple pieces that the solo was kind of pieced together. He said that the strongest sounding album is hands down Fair Warning. He also said that he looked for the recording of the Mini Moog song, the song that Eddie was going to make out of the Dancing in the Streets part that he ended up adding on to the cover, the one that caused a big riff with him and Ted. But no one can find that. And he also said that there's no demo tape without the main hiss that you find in the original demo tape about Van Halen. He said he's very worried about leaks. Things leaking out. He says, once things leak out, the record company tends to not want to release them. So he's hoping that they possibly get together and do some sort of proper release. The Sunset Sound guys said they're also trying to get Don Landy in for an interview, which would be monumental because the guy has not been around. He also said they're going to speak to Peggy McCreary, who is an assistant engineer. We talked about Alex's sound. 
He said the drum sound changed from the first two albums. He said there was a fatter, warmer sound in the first two albums and it had more of an attack on the snare on later records. He said it was not crackly, but more honk to it, he says. Well, that's interesting because a lot of people say Alex's drum sound. He really didn't have that Alex Van Halen drum sound until, like, Women and Children first. Yes, that, well, this is exactly what he like, said. This is exactly what he yeah. said. He said the first two albums were totally different than the rest of the albums. He also said that Out of Love Again was one of the best Alex Van Halen performances. He said it's almost jazz-like. He said this whole situation is like after the meal, you always look for the scraps. Hopefully he says that there's more out there. It was literally, what, two hours, Dave? It was three parts. Yeah, it was about two hours in total for all three parts, yeah. It was unbelievable. And, um, and you hit all the highlights, fantastic summary. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad the summary didn't take two hours. Okay. Two other tidbits I wanted to mention is right. that Dave's vocal coach, who you talked about before, was a cantor at a temple. Oh, which okay. I found, which mm -hmm. I found interesting. That was the guy who Greg also talked about. Uh, Greg Renoff in his first, well, in his only Van Halen book, but the one before Ted. Mm -hmm. He had mentioned that Dave had gotten vocal lessons before they started recording the first album. Right. Because Dave knew he was the weak link, and he did not want to be the weak link. So he really worked on his voice for that first album. Absolutely. Because he knew Ted was not a fan. <laughs> well, he uh, won him over. You, Right? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And the other thing I want to mention is is that Brian had mentioned that when he was putting this together, he was working with Bill Inglot. Now, Bill Inglot, mm -hmm. I was sold the second he said his name because Bill Inglot worked on the early Monkeys reissues back in the day in the mid-80s when the Monkeys had a resurgence. Okay. And he was the guy who went into the vaults and released albums. Like, the first one was called Missing Links. Right. All songs that had never seen the light of day. And he was really the guy who started all that. And then eventually another guy named Andrew Sandoval took it over. Uh, Andrew speaks very highly of Bill. He learned a lot of things from Bill. And so the fact that Bill was involved was music to my ears because this is what Bill does. The fact he was involved with it with Brian is that's a very good thing because he's a well well-known name in that. I was really super excited to hear that there's four CDs of stuff that he deemed worthy of releasing. And, you know, hopefully Al or whomever will take a listen to it and say, now's the time. Yeah. I mean, it's been 15 years. That's yeah. the thing. Like, they've been sitting on somebody's shelf for 15 years. I know. And I have to say, I mean, listen, if you do not jump on this now, forget it. Because... Listen, everybody's getting older. I mean, this is insane. I mean, what are we going to wait until we're like 65 years old? This is ridiculous. There is so much on the shelf that is done. Just release it. The Balance DVD, the 2007-2008 DVD, the Gary Live album, the old Gary album from Van Halen 4, whatever you want to hell you want to call it. Or the At this point, let the fucking hounds loose. I mean, take the box set out. I mean, just put put out the tracks of David Lee Roth from 2001. I mean, it's unbelievable. There's so much stuff out there. The unreleased Sammy stuff, just put it all together and get it the fuck out. It's ridiculous. I don't know right, what right. anybody's you just, you waiting for. You just have for. to find band members that are, are willing to do that. Well, listen, Sammy doesn't count. Michael doesn't count. I mean, no one counts at this point but Al. 
I mean, let's be honest. I mean, I guess Wolf is, I don't know what the, the, the stipulation is. I don't know if, if Wolf is in control of this or not. He may not even be. I'm sure Al is the guy, but it's crazy. The bottom line is, and it's not even about me or you or wanting this stuff. Guys, think of the timing. If you don't keep this momentum going to keep the legacy alive, what is it going to hurt? It's only going to make Van Halen's legacy deeper and grow even more. Because or else the fan base is going to dissipate. Because there's no music, no live shows, no nothing. you got to keep it going. Listen, just talk to Jimmy Page. He's the curator of the Led Zeppelin legacy. John Paul Jones is not involved. Robert Plant wants nothing to do with it. Bonzo is dead. Jimmy is always digging and shining up stuff from all eras. For Christ's sake, he's done so much that he's now looking at polishing up some Coverdale Page stuff. Do you hear about that? Yes, I did, and I am super excited about that. Oh, my God. I actually talked to Dave Coverdale myself. When I interviewed him and I said, this is back in the 25th anniversary, okay, of the Coverdale Page album. And I said, you do realize it's the anniversary. I said, what are you guys doing? Put out the live shows from Japan. Put out some of the extra checks. He's like, I know, I know I should do that, darling. So (laughs) I find it fantastic that you are so friendly with David Coverdale that you refer to him as Dave Coverdale. Oh, so yes, of course. Yes, that. I call him and, DC myself. Oh, okay. <laughs> you call him DC? Yes, are those are my close? initials as well. Right. <laughs> that's good, that's good. <laughs> and, but, you know, David Coverdale himself mm-hmm. has been on a reissue kick. Oh, yeah. Past, yeah, I don't know, big time. You know, five plus years. Yeah. So yeah. he's... He's also curating his he's, legacy. Yes, he is. He's done a great job with the White Snake stuff. Anyway, yeah. moving on, moving on, we have words from Wolf. Okay, so, all right, guys, this is a really sad one. This is tough to read, but I'm going to read it because it's important. Okay, so this is rough. So now, a month after Ed's passing, Wolf tweeted, and he said, Not a second goes by where you're not on my mind. I miss talking with you. I miss laughing with you. I miss listening to music with you. I miss making music with you. I just miss everything. I love you so much, Pop. It's really hard being here without you. And this beautiful picture of Wolf and Ed, and my God, Valerie must have cried her goddamn eyes out when she read this, but it was such a loving and beautiful tribute that he wrote to his dad. It's unbelievable what a sweet kid this guy is. You know, it's just so sad, and I really feel for him, and I really feel for Al, and I really feel for Janie, I really feel for Val. They're really having a hard time, and obviously, it just seems to be just rough for them, you know? I mean, I don't know what's going to happen from here, but I'm sure... You know, they're going to do something to keep Eddie's legacy going for sure in some capacity with music because, look, that's what Ed did, you know. And I remember Ed saying in interviews, someday when I'm gone, this will all come out. (laughs) That's what he said. And I don't think he had a problem with it, if I remember correctly. Anyway, you know, some people are just absolute malicious bastards out there and they're making all kinds of nasty comments to Wolf, which is just so sick and so gross. Metal Sludge came out with this whole thing talking about only time will tell if Wolf Van Halen, Alex Van Halen, Sammy Hagar, and Mike Lanthley will bring Van Halen to the masses. What you say? And Wolf said, this is just a shitty lie attempting to capitalize on these awful times. Please stop this. Anyone peddling this shit is not only hurting the fans, but hurting me and my family. 
So he was not happy with that. Then he was mad about this shirt that was, I think, on the Internet. They were selling some sort of bootleg Eddie Van Halen memorial shirt, and they photoshopped Al's head on somebody's body holding the shirt up. He was not happy with that. He says, look at this yeah, fucking picture. Yeah, he is picture. not being quiet about Oh, no. And he says, pathetic photo job. He was mad with Us Weekly promoting a cover with Valerie on it, talking about, like, her pain and loss with Ed dying. And he said she did not do an interview for this, you know, obviously. But listen, I know he's angry, but this stuff is going to happen because Val's well-known and so was Ed. And, you know, people are going to write what they're going to write. And, look, they're just trying to sell magazines is what they're doing. But, you know, he's going after people that are making these nasty comments to him. I mean, this one fucking asshole said, uh, hey, dog, you stole Michael Anthony's job. Now stay silent and be a good boy. I mean, it's just, just disgusting. I mean, people, just leave him the fuck alone. I mean, this is just insane. Yeah, was, we shouldn't even be acknowledging whatever. Well, listen, no, I'm that. just acknowledging that it's out there and that he's defending it. And the reason why I'm saying it is because he's defending it. He's actually talking about it. He's just telling people to go fuck themselves. He's not shy about it, which is good. You know, I think it's strong that he's standing up to it. Listen, he shouldn't just sit back and, and take lumps. I, I understand where he's saying. And he says, you know, he has a little fun with it and jokes around. And we'll, we'll have to see what happens from here. What do you make of all that, Dave? Well, you know, it's still raw for him. Mm-hmm. It's only been a month. He's angry. He's he's not like his dad where he like, you oh, know, yeah. whatever is said on the Internet. You know, I, you know, Ed could not have cared less. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, we've spoken about that before. Like, there's a happy medium. But, you know, Wolf, you know, he's got no problem shooting crap down. So I, yeah. I, I give him a lot of a lot of credit for that. It's just, you know, it's a, it's a tough time. I get it. He obviously misses his dad. Yeah. Who's really, really close to yeah, him. So, yeah. you know, it. It takes time. It hurts, man. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of his dad, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame did a tribute to Eddie Van Halen in their recent induction ceremony. Obviously, Eddie's already in the Hall of Fame, but of course, Eddie's passing. And in the in memoriam section, my God, you can't do anything but talk about Ed right at the tip top. So they had a brief, quick sort of at the top of the in memoriam section talking about Eddie where Slash spoke. Tom Morello from Rage Against Machine, as well as Kirk Hammett from Metallica, and they each talked about Eddie and his incredible influence on guitars. All three guys were heavily influenced by him. They played live clips of Ed. What was that black and white live recording of Ed? I don't know. Was that a clip from right here, right now? I don't remember. I'm not sure. I know they had clips from the Us Festival. Yeah, and they had clips from the Unleashed special from MTV, and they had clips from Live Without a Net. I don't know if that's on. I have to remember if Live Right Here Right Now had any of those black and white clips of that or his leftover stuff. I couldn't place that one. Yeah. And interesting enough, Irving Azoff, Van Halen's manager, was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with the Ahmet Erdogan Award. And not a mention of Van Halen. The Eagles, Stevie Nicks, Adam Levine from Maroon 5, Gwen Stefani, Earth, Wind, and Fire all spoke on his behalf. Not even a mention of Van Halen, but he did introduce himself. Hi, I'm Irving Azoff. Don Henley's Satan, because you remember Don Henley's famous line, he's Satan, but he's our Satan. Right, right, So that was interesting. Right, right. It's no mention of Van Halen at all which I thought was strange. What can you say? Anything to say on that? No, if you didn't feel like talking about it, then I don't feel like talking about it. Okay, okay. Well, more Eddie, of course. Rolling Stone did an absolute 
huge Eddie Van Halen tribute issue, though it was a digital exclusive, so it wasn't printed. I hope they do print it, though, because they had a whole bunch of stuff. They have a new article by Brian Hyatt called Chronicling the History of Eddie Van Halen called The Joy and Pain of Rock's Last Guitar Superhero. They had how Eddie Van Halen reshaped rock guitar by Corey Groh, as well as a podcast tribute to Eddie Van Halen, which had Greg Renoff featured in it. They had a tribute from Tony Iommi of Black Sabbath, Tom Morello of Rage Against the Machine, Joe Satriani, Gene Simmons of Kiss, Ted Templeman, the producer, as well as Steve Perry from Journey. And they also had Eddie Goes Deep on his Guitar Heroes, which we talked about in our last episode, which was the 2011 Lost Interview, a reprint of his 1995 Rolling Stone interview for Balance, where he was on the cover, as well as a 1984 story by Debbie Miller called Van Halen's Split Personality. And Dave, that was... A cover story that was never a cover. So who do you think made the cover instead of Van Halen in 1984? In 1984? 1984, they did a whole huge story on Van Halen. Michael Jackson. Now, Bob Dylan, if you can believe that. Wow. Unbelievable, only Rolling Stones. It was a really nice package. I hope they do a print version, like I said. If you want to read it, check it out. It's at rollingstone.com backslash eddie-van-halen-a-special-rolling-stone-tribute backslash. So that is where you can check that out. And also in there is Rolling Stone's Eddie Van Halen Top 20 Greatest Solos. And can you guess what they listed as number one, Dave? Eruption? No, ain't talking about love was number one. Number two was eruption. Number three, I'm the one. Number four, ice cream man. Number five, you're no good. Number six, somebody get me a doctor. Number seven, Spanish fly. Number eight, mean street. Number nine, beat it. Number 10, push comes to shove. Number 11, cathedral. Number 12, Panama. Number 13, drop dead legs. Number 14, hot for teacher. Number 15, jump. Number 16, dreams. Number 17, mine all mine. Number 18, right now. Number 19, Humans being, and do you know what the last one was, Dave? Yes, it was a side project Eddie did with, oh, give me a second. Oh, you're wrong the blo- anyway. The, oh, okay, <laughs> never mind. Then I don't know. It was Chinatown <laughs> off a different kind of truth. Oh, can, okay. That's right. kind of cool. That very wrong. So definitely check that out. Rolling Stone did a great job. Please, please, Rolling Stone print that because that was definitely worth printing also happening with eddie all kinds of tributes and eddie van halen guitar auction is happening on december 5th two eddie van halen guitars will go up for auction via the icons and idols trilogy rock and roll section under julian's auctions they have a 2004 eddie van halen charvel art series as well a customized electric guitar by matt brock they're expected to go for $60,000 to $80,000 each. They're hand-striped by Ed, built to fifty-one fifty. That's all happening. Check that out if you're in the mode for buying a guitar. Dave, you think you could spring for sixty to eighty k? You know, if I played guitar, maybe. <laughs> but there's something way too expensive to hang on my wall. That's right. That's right. Dave thinks twice whether he's going to buy a burrito or not. So I don't think he's going to be springing for a guitar. But I would buy two burritos and a root beer float. Oh, there you go. <laughs> or a bottle of anything and a glazed donut. So, to go. Uh, yeah, to go. Also, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, who did that tribute for Eddie at the Rock Hall, paid tribute to Eddie on his new EP called Comandante. 
The song is called Secretariat. It's an instrumental track that has the Eddie Van Halen flavor. And here's a clip. As you can tell, it's very, very EVH, but it has Tom Morello's kind of edgy, rough style. It's a really nice track, so guys, check that out. It's just a little nod to Eddie. What did you think of this track, Dave? Reminds me a lot of Cathedral. Yes, it does have that vibe, right? Well, a Canadian artist by the name of Paul Archer, who works in the airbrushing industry, created a huge mural on the back of his airbrushing shop in Victoria. It's a 1982 picture of Eddie Van Halen playing as Frankenstrat, wearing his red and white stripe overalls. You guys can check that out online. It was a beautiful job he did. Unbelievable, Paul. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, it's, that was impressive. Isn't that incredible? That was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Oh, my God, Just, yeah. Wow. Unreal. What a beautiful tribute. And I really think something like that should be down at the Sunset Strip. Somebody should do that right down there. They're also going to be an Eddie Van Halen Memorial in Pasadena. The Pasadena City Council planned on an Eddie Van Halen Memorial in his hometown. Apparently, they're either going to name a street after him or have a monument that's still being decided. So hopefully that'll come to pass so we can, you know, obviously pay proper tribute to Eddie because, my God, who's bigger coming out of Pasadena than Eddie Van Halen, right? So David Lee Roth. Remember him, Dave? (laughs) Remember when we saw old Dave back in January of 2020? It seems like it was about 10 years ago at this point. Doesn't it? Yes, it does. Just unbelievable. But what did we get? We got a new song from Dave. He dropped a single. It's called Somewhere Over the Rainbow Bar and Grill. And here's a clip. That's right. And on the cover art, he wrote a dedication to Eddie where he says, Hey, Ed, I'm going to miss you. See you on the other side. The song is from the infamous California Sessions album with John Five. Greg Bissonette is on drums. Brett Tuggles on keys. This guy named Louis Conte does percussion. I don't know, man. Are we getting a David Lee Roth album before this year is over? What is going on? You know, it's funny you say this guy, Louis Conte. Louis, Louis Conte is a well-known percussionist. <laughs> this I, guy. <laughs> I, no, he is. I, it's so funny, like, this guy. And, <laughs> I know him because he played with Michael Nesmith. Oh, okay, okay. All right, here we go. Okay. With Always a but monkey my, reference my, with this guy. <laughs> of course, right. It's interesting because on the album that he played with, Michael decided he didn't need a drummer. He just wanted a percussionist. So, Louis like carries the whole album that way just with percussion and does a phenomenal job but michael nesmith likes to talk about this guy because he said you know louis showed up he had just been on a worldwide tour with madonna oh wow okay and here he is you know playing this stuff with me so so louis is is not a lightweight by any stretch of the imagination okay 
He is not just a percussionist. He is arguably the percussionist. Very good guy. To Mr. Conte and his family, I say, mea culpa, mea culpa. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, great great players on that. Yeah, when is Dave going to come out with the album? Because I he don't did. Know. Are, are we going to talk about the other thing he released? Well, yes, we're going to get into that. I just wanted to say that the song has sort of a, a damn good vibe. Just like John 5 said, it's kind of storytelling with an acoustic playing. It's, it's very catchy, actually, and, and kind of fun. Great lyrics. Not a, a rock song, but that's okay as long as it's good. It's something fresh. I'm down with that. And, of course, David Lee Roth teased this before. Teased this on his Joe Rogan podcast appearance, which is a while ago now, when he was promoting his tattoo, Ink. The original project. Now he's got The Roth Project, which is therothproject.com. He released this art project called The Roth Project. It's a 17-chapter audio comic book novel, which he did in his Sumi art and with animation by Colin Smith. And there's narration, plus there's songs at Alligator Pants, Low Res Sunset, the song we just mentioned. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Barn Grill, as well as Manda Bala. And it's available at therothproject.com. And there's also a tutorial, believe it or not, to help you navigate the site. What did you make of the Roth Project, Dave? <sighs> Here we go. <laughs> right. So, as you know, Dave, yes, I'm I a know. big comic book I know book where fan. you're going. So I was extremely curious as to how this was going to be. Right. So I did sit through it. In fact, I sat through it twice. Wow. Because the first time, well, honestly, I, I couldn't get through it. So, <laughs> But admittedly, like, when Dave does non-musical things, it's not my cup of tea. Right, Like, right, his right. podcast was never my right. thing or anything right. like that. I will say, though, that the construction and the artwork and just the basic concept of an online comic book is phenomenal. It's striking. That Like, a lot of hard work went into this as a piece of art. It's really phenomenal. It's really well done, and it's astounding. Right. My challenge with it was I could not really follow the plot. Yeah, it's hard. I was having trouble yeah. understanding, like, I think I got the plot. You know, it's some futuristic takeover by the machines, by, you know, artificial intelligence. And I was definitely having trouble following the story along because it's like, it's coming out of Dave's head. And, you know, when I was done, Dave, you know what I felt like I needed? You know when you would read a book in high school and you'd be like, I have no idea what this is about. I need the cliff notes. Yeah, the cliff notes. Sure. That's what I needed. Yeah. yeah. I needed the cliff notes yeah. to explain to me who the protagonists were, who the antagonists right, were, right. what was the plot, what was the story, what was the background. Right. I really had a lot of trouble following that. And for me, it affected my enjoyment of it. Sure. Plus, sure. and I was trying to pay really close attention to it. It was interesting because as Dave is telling the story, it's different than what is written down on the screen. So I think he changed his mind as he was writing this or creating this. And they could have used a better spell checker. There were a couple of things there oh, that were geez, spelled really? along oh the way. God. Jamaica, for some reason, stood out to me. Uh. But I will say, like I said, as a piece of art, it really was well done. 
and the artwork was cool, but because I couldn't follow along the story too well, it really lessened my enjoyment a lot. Yeah. But I give him full credit and full kudos for attempting and finishing such a monumental piece of art. Yeah, that's true. It really was. It looked like he took a really long time working on it. So kudos to Dave. It was beautifully done. Uh, definitely hard to understand the plot, but it was definitely worth looking into. The RothProject.com. Check it out. Speaking of Dave, an article came out in the Gazette about the University of Iowa who got a surprise visit from David Lee Roth during halftime. And this is back in September 13, 1986. The article is by Sam Paxton. At the time, David Lee Roth was playing the Hilton Coliseum on the campus of Iowa State in Ames, Iowa. The marching band played Yankee Rose as Roth conducted while leaping around and kicking in the air. And he was rubbing his butt on some girl and grinding up against her. And Iowa won the game 43-7 versus Iowa State. And it's available on thegazette.com. So check that out, Dave. What did you make of that throwback article? You know who is happy as a pig in mud? Greg Renoff. Yep. Because that was one of the things he had read about doing his research. I guess not not for the Van Halen book, but for, for something else, for his research along the way. Oh, okay. You know, he'd been looking for proof of that. Right. For years. Right. And finally, I forget how it happened, but I think the person who wrote the article was like, yeah, I knew somebody who, you know, worked for the press at that time in that city. And he was still there, and he was like, oh, yeah, I still have it, or, you know, and so they finally dug it up. Isn't that crazy? And, yeah, Dave was there and in all his glory. So it's just one of those things that have been not seen and buried forever, and it, it, it finally came out. It really was very interesting, not one of those things you're, you're used to seeing Dave at. That's so that true. Was that's true. Yeah, it's pretty wild quite, to quite watch. Quite the sight, yeah. Absolutely. Now, speaking of one Van Halen lead singer, on to another, Sammy Hagar, Dave. His Access TV show, Rock and Roll Road Trip, has come to the end of the road. Rock and Roll Road Trip has wrapped up after five seasons. 56 episodes for its final episode. Hagar did a compilation of his favorite moments, rare footage, bloopers, reflections on his time in Van Halen, as well as a special performance of a bunch of songs. Over the course of the years, he's interviewed Dave Grohl from Foo Fighters, Adam Levine from Maroon 5, Vince Neil from Motley Crue, Alice Cooper, John Mellencamp, Mick Fleetwood from Fleetwood Mac, Nancy Wilson of Heart, Willie Nelson, James Hetfield of Metallica, Sarah McLaughlin, and John Mayer. So, wow. I, unbelievable. You know how I think you should have ended it, Dave? With wow. an interview with David Lee Roth. Yeah, good luck with that. Oh, well, listen. You want to get a ratings booster? Everybody's got to put on their big boy pants. Yeah, well, those two cannot put on those they big boy pants. They cannot put the those pants on. They are old cranky men who refuse to give up the goat. So, on to Sammy's other appearance. Well, Sammy didn't appear, but he wrote in. So, Eddie Trunk on Trunk Nation, on Sirius XM, okay? On his Sirius XM show, Trunk Nation, he did his top four Sammy Hagar-era Van Halen albums. And his official top four was 5150, number one, number two, fuck, number three, 0812, number four, balance. But he opened up this to all his listeners, and they all called in with all their different lists. It's all great. But Weren't there only four Van Halen studio albums? No, no, it was four albums with Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Top four. Well, how is how is Eddie doing his top four? Because he, all right, well, four he's, albums with well, Sam? He, all right, let me explain. 
What he did was he ranked the, the Van Hagar album. Okay. Yeah, he did a ranking. So now the interesting part about this whole thing is not so much Eddie's whole thing, but Sammy wrote in and ranked his own favorites and made comments on each one. So number four, the bottom of the barrel for Sam was balance. He says, and this is directly from Sam's words, not because it was a bad record. It just has a darkness about it. It was painful to make. I feel it and hear it every time I hear a song from that album. It was completely overproduced, in my opinion. Eddie was changing his guitar sound drastically, and producer Bruce Fairburn kept us separated to finish the record. So this he wrote this in to Eddie Trunk. That's number four. Number three to him was OU812. And he said, we took nothing seriously at this time with the band. We thought we could do no wrong. Everything seemed to work and was accepted. We were having so much fun together, enjoying the success of 5150 album and tour, that we were basically goofing off in the studio and ended up making a pretty damn good record. When it's love and finish what you started have stood the test of time, considering how quickly we put this one together. Interesting insight. Number two. For unlawful carnal knowledge, I think it was quite the giant step for us. We took a long time recording that record, honing in on the writing, and right now was a big step for Van Halen. And number one, 5150. It was the first, and also came so natural. I think we did it in a month. Very raw, very real. What do you make of Sammy's comments, Dave? Interesting. I think he's a little biased and a little jaded too much by putting balance at the bottom yeah. because of all the bad vibes going on there. It's tough when you're in the eye of yeah. the hurricane. Oh, totally. Yeah, he's got personal attachments. No, he does. Well, to all of them. I think it's tough to judge your own music when it's so intertwined with the making of the album. Right. And it affects your outlook. So I wouldn't have quite stacked them the same way he did. How well, would you stack them? I would put OU812 number four. Right. I would put balance number three. Right. And number one and number two, man, they're really tough because I always flip-flop on that. But today, I will say number two is for unlawful carnal knowledge and number one is 5150. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, well, I would say the same exact order except today I would put for unlawful carnal knowledge first and 5152nd. That's where I stand. Now, Sammy Hagar apparently is also working on another project. Guitarist Lenny Cordola is doing a special musical project with kids in Afghanistan called the Miraculous Love Kids. He appeared on the Eddie Trunk Show, and he said that Sammy Hagar will collaborate on a cover of the Steve Miller Band song Fly Like an Eagle with the Miraculous Love Kids, and that should be coming up next year, so we can look out for that. Also coming up... Alex Van Halen. My God, we never have a news item on Alex, so this is a rarity. Modern Drummer is coming out with their special Legends Edition, Volume 2, which will be featured on Alex Van Halen. The piece will include Alex Van Halen's 1983, 1993, 2008 Modern Drummer cover stories, plus transcriptions of classic Van Halen tracks, a survey of the beats and fills, evolutions of his famous live drum kits, a deep dive into his unique snare sound, as well as an exclusive brand new 2020 interview. You guys want this special collector edition? You can buy it at moderndrummer.com. 
What do you think of that, Dave? Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, we really don't hear too much from Alex at all. No, so, so he's the mystery man. That would be cool. I'm sure there's lots of cool stuff to read and see in there. And a, a 2020 interview. I know. What's that going to I, I have? would be curious to read that for sure. For sure. Now, Sirius XM did a pop-up tribute channel to Van Halen when Eddie passed. The channel temporarily took over Sirius XM Deep Tracks on Channel 27. The programming featured Van Halen music as well as remembrances and live cuts. However, it has since ceased. But Van Halen fans are circulating a petition to push Sirius XM to make it permanent. However, like Eddie Trunk noted in his program, Trunk Nation... If this were to be the case, the Van Halen camp would really have to get involved by providing some extra content, B-sides, rarities, live tracks, interviews, because there's only, what, 131 Van Halen songs, and they need more material to make this happen. 132. Excuse me, 132 Van Halen songs. And Michael Anthony, Dave, was rated number one on the 25 underrated band members who deserve more love. Wow, if there is any list that is made for Michael Anthony, isn't this the list? Yard Barker put out this list of the top 25 underrated band members who deserve more love. Michael Anthony was number one. Number two, Roy Bitton from the E Street Band. Number three, Geezer Butler. From Black Sabbath, number four, Mike Campbell. From Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, number five, John Deacon of Queen. And the list went on and on. But my God, if there is one guy who should top that list, it is Michael Anthony. What did you make of that, Dave? Let me tell you, that list was phenomenal. Not only was Mike the first guy listed, but there were a lot of unappreciated people on that list where I was like, that list is spot on. Yep. Well worth reading. of, And quite a few bass players, of course, as you might imagine. But a, a lot of people who, who don't get the credit that they should for being parts of band and contributing what they did to a band. Absolutely. Now, the Detroit Free Press did a story on Valerie Bertinelli's brother, David, who is Eddie Van Halen's former brother-in-law. Now, David Bertinelli, as we all have mentioned prior on this, is a photographer part-time. And he went on tour with Van Halen. He used to take all kinds of photos of Ed and Val through the years. And he has been close to Eddie all through the decades, even after Valerie and Eddie parted ways as a couple. But he knew Eddie was ill, of course, but he didn't expect his death. And he said, it knocked me over. It hit me so hard. Ed was very down to earth. I didn't look at him as a rock star brother-in-law. He was part of our family. Even after he and Val divorced, they went through some ups and downs, but they always remained close and they raised a wonderful son. Now, David Bertinelli, he manages parks and trails for the Charlevoix County. And he's also a photographer in his free time. He took hundreds of photos of Van Halen and Valerie and Ed all through the years on the road in the 80s and the 90s. And David hopes to publish a book and photos with Van Halen, contributing memories to each of the pictures. He's 59 years old at this point, and he is working on that book. We had mentioned that previously in a Van Halen news segment. And he actually looked back at the times in the article about how Valerie got involved with Ed. He said, she borrowed my car one day, and I had an 8-track tape with Van Halen on it, and she thought it was really good. And she said that he's good-looking and plays good music. She had it in her mind. She's got to meet this guy, Eddie Van Halen. So the Bertinelli's made it backstage, and Eddie met Dave and David 
who was nearby with his camera, actually took photos of the moment that Valerie and Ed met. He says, I was there from the very first moment they met. They were backstage, and they were completely zoned in on each other. Van Halen was scheduled to perform the next night in Baton Rouge, so Valerie and her and her brothers drove there so she could spend more time with the rocker. It snowballed from there, and a year later, they were married. The two married in April of 81. They were together until July of 2001. They separated, and they divorced officially in 2000. Seven, but remained close right up to the moment of his death. In fact, Valerie was at his bedside when he died. He said he would go on the road very often with the band, capturing every moment he could. He said, it was a difficult thing because I was a fan and I was taking it all in at the same time, but I got some really unique shots after the show. I talked to Ed about the idea of putting a book together briefly, and he said it was okay. My goal was to get him involved and comment on some of the images, but unfortunately that didn't happen. Bertinelli said he has hundreds of photos through the years and that many which have not been seen publicly. I was able to capture things that other people couldn't, such as backstage, on the road, at home, in Van Halen's 5150 studio in California. He is still pursuing the book. He said it's a labor of love. It has lots of photos with stories behind them. He also noted when he would go to their house in California, Eddie and Val's house, when they were together, he said they'd crash on the couch. And he said sometimes Ed would come into the living room and be up all night. He said he'd work on a riff over and over. And I'd be trying to sleep, but he'd be working all hours of the night just to get it perfect. He says he remembers hearing the riffs of 5150 and Dreams early on. And he says that he knows... Notice Wolfie had natural talent right from the beginning. He said it makes me sad that Ed won't be able to see him go on the road and prosper. He also noted that Ed was incredibly generous and that he donated his guitars for his son's school, St. Mary's School of Charlevoix. For a fundraiser, and it was one of the last signed guitars he ever donated. And he said the proceeds went to the Music and Arts program toward tuition assistance. And he said about his brother-in-law, he was a reluctant star, but he had the God-given talent that many people enjoyed. He wanted to make people happy, and that's what he did with his music, his generosity with donating guitars, and always giving his time. He was just a unique individual. So, obviously, good words from David Bertinelli. I would love to have him on this podcast at some point, maybe when he comes out with his book. What do you make of that, Dave? I'd love to see that book. He must have some great pictures. It's going to be phenomenal. I can't help but think, like, you know, him and his brothers were big Van Halen fans, and Mm. they they pretty much used Val to get backstage. Yeah, well, you know, I guess you use anything you can, right? Well, Val was a hot TV star, a beautiful woman. Well, exactly, and they were like, hey, listen, Van Halen's coming to town. Don't oh, you want yeah. to meet Ed? Exactly, you know, get exactly. Backstage? Yeah, you know. get back it's there. A- <laughs> Unbelievable. So now, Steve Perry of Journey was speaking to Rolling Stone about Eddie Van Halen. He talked to Andy Green, and he said that people think that Eddie is the most amazing guitar player lead-wise, and he is. But no one talks about an incredible rhythm player. He also said that when Van Halen opened up for them and Montrose, he says, I don't think anybody knows about this. He says, when David Lee Roth left Van Halen in 1985, I was living in the Bay Area. Not sure what I was going to do anymore. I don't remember how it went down, but either I called Eddie or Eddie called me. Back in those days, we were both having what would you call late night behaviors on the phone. And all I know is we both ended up on the phone that night having some fun talking trash. Eddie said, I should come down sometime and we should jam and play. I wanted so badly to do that. And we talked about how cool it would be musically. This was all before Sammy Hagar. 
My only problem that I had with it was I don't know if I could be the guy and go out and represent the David Lee Roth years with my voice. I don't know if I want to be that guy. And shortly thereafter, Sammy got the gig, and he was obviously the perfect fit for Van Halen. I don't know what Eddie's intentions were when he called me. He was just saying, let's play together. It wasn't a promise. It was just, why not? Let's see what this sounds like. So, interesting, huh? Can you imagine Steve Perry fronting Van Halen, Dave? That would be interesting because he's got pipes, man. Oh, so, please, yeah. You know, I don't think about what ifs too often, as you know, but that one, that could have been interesting. Unbelievable. Well, think about this, Dave, how interesting this is. Ozzy Osbourne said on his serious XM Ozzy Speaks, Eddie asked me if I wanted to sing in the band. He didn't give a specific timeline as to when this was, but he said it was after Sammy Hagar's tenure. He says, I think I was a bit drunk. We've all done one of those calls at four in the morning. I've got a great idea call. Then he said, in regards to Eddie Van Halen and honoring Eddie, he says, you think I've seen it all. Then out of the blue comes somebody with such a revolutionary way of playing. To watch Eddie play, his hands would turn into a spider. And he always made it look so easy. So obviously, Van Halen opened up for Black Sabbath on their 1978 tour and blew them off the stage. And the final item of Van Halen news, Steve Vai spoke to Patrick Doyle of Rolling Stone, and he said, believe it or not, recalls, the day after I left the David Lee Roth band in 1989, I don't know how, but Edward found out, and he called me. That was the start of our nice relationship and friendship for about six months. We hung out together, and I got to know the guy. I remember he said something very interesting. I thought I was going to dislike you. He said something to that effect. When I joined David Lee Ross Band, it was a great opportunity for me to play such well-constructed rock songs. They were just a dream. To be on stage with Dave playing those songs was quite a hoot. And of course, I could never play them like Eddie. I never tried. Only an idiot competes with Edward Van Halen. He says, I haven't seen him in seven years or so. Last time I saw him was backstage at a Motorhead concert many years ago. He was not looking really good. And he was going through some funk. But his smile was still there. So a little reflection from Steve Vai, a man who filled the Eddie Van Halen role, I guess, in the David Lee Roth band. But what do you make of that, Dave? Yeah, I didn't know they were close friends or anything like that. That was great to hear, that Ed called the guy and reached out to him when he heard he wasn't in Dave's band anymore. I mean, really, who does that, right? Right. I mean, the guy... The guy who replace, who effectively replaces you, right? And right. you're calling him like, wow, that's amazing. Unbelievable. That's amazing. Really, for Van yeah. Halen fans, that's a dream. That's incredible. That conversation between Steve Vai and Eddie Van Halen. Can you imagine how Steve must have felt the day after, like, to get a call from Eddie Van Halen? It's incredible. It's so cool, though. It would have been fun if Ed's like, well, now you know what it feels like, so why don't we come over and compare notes? Oh, yeah. Can you imagine the trash talk? <laughs> I would have loved to have heard those two guys jam together. Oh, please. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that wraps up Van Halen News. And that's the way it is. Good night. And we have an ongoing mess of stuff to talk about. We have so much going on. So, 
Coming up, what did we learn from Wolf? Dave and I's full discussion about Wolfgang Van Halen's week-long whirlwind press tour, where he was on the Howard Stern Show, the Today Show, he was in Forbes Magazine, Spin Magazine, Rolling Stone Magazine, along with various radio stations and Entertainment Tonight, followed by our interview with Sass Jordan. Oh my God. She is a live wire, this woman. She talks about her time in 1996. Four months that she spent in the studio with Ed and Al Van Halen, if you can believe that. But before we get to all that, Dave, we have mailbag to get through. And let me tell you something, Dave's extra cranky on this one. He gets all revved up right from the start, and he starts getting all kinds of tied into knots. So it's always fun to watch him squirm. Well, I'm just trying to plow through the mail efficiently. <laughs> That's right. We cracks the whip along the way, and my ass is well, chased. Well, someone's got to keep you on target. Obviously, my wife says the same thing. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that is the second time during this podcast you have compared me to her. I know. It's, it's a shocking comparison. It's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all coming up next. Take a listen. We really don't train for this kind of a thing. I'm, I like sports. I like some kinds of athletics and things, but I'm no good at any of them. I don't have the discipline for it. You know, I was raised on a heavy diet of television and radio, and uh, I need a commercial every 10 minutes in my life. So I've never really kept after any one thing. Most of the moves and the things that I do on stage are taken right off of television or from comic books or something where you just look at it and you go, Hey, I can do that. If you need a dose of VH, get a taste of the closest thing. Romeo Delight, the ultimate Van Halen tribute band. Playing all the hits from the David Lee Roth era. First classic six albums plus deep cuts. Some of which have never been played live before by the band. They even throw in popular tracks from the Sammy Hagar era and solo hits. The most viewed Van Halen tribute band on YouTube. Romeo Delight. Doing customized recreations of staging instruments and costumes from the classic Van Halen era. They even perform entire Van Halen albums in sequence. Romeo Delight plays theaters, casinos, summer indoor and outdoor festivals, and special events. They're also available for private parties. To contact them, call Bud Blanche at 215-704-5144. That's 215-704-5144. Or via email at sonicparade1 at yahoo.com. Romeo Delight, the ultimate Van Halen tribute band. Hi, this is Derek Sherinian. You're listening to Dave and Dave Unchained. Pick up the new coffee table-sized book, The Decade That Rocked, by legendary rock photographer Mark Weissguy Weiss. This 376-page book has hundreds and hundreds of full-color photos that Weiss shot through the 80s for magazines like Circus, Faces, and Hit Parader, featuring bands like Van Halen, Motley Crue, Twisted Sister, Bon Jovi, Skid Row, Guns N' Roses, Ozzy Osbourne, and more. There's even behind-the-scenes stories to go with these colorful, eye-popping pictures. The Decade That Rocked, a new book by rock photographer Mark Weiss, is available for purchase now. Go to thedecadethatrocked.com, where there are exclusive bundles available with extra prints, t-shirts, and even patches. 
Inquire about the Van Halen bundle, especially made for Dave and Dave Unchained listeners. Order today. The decade that rocked. It'll rock your world. I always knew what I wanted to do. When I was nine years old, I got my first radio from Uncle Dave. And I put it on, and it was Ray Charles singing Crying Time Again. And I just knew I had to be on the radio. I listened to the radio constantly. But there's no one specific band or artist who I just, yeah, I want to be like him. You can innovate. You know, it's better to steal. And people say, well, you can't steal. That's, that's no good. That's no way to make art. Nonsense, man. Inspiration doesn't come from nowhere. You don't lay in a dark black room and suddenly a burst of light in the hand of the Lord comes out and says, here, have a song. It doesn't happen like that. You have to steal it from somebody. And you change this, you change that, you change that. If it was good enough for Beethoven, it's good enough for me. All right, Dave, you know what time it is. But a Dave, he don't want me around. He says he's tired of watching me let him down. He just wants a good mail back. He wants only the best. But he hates disappointment better than all the rest. And he says that he thinks that I'm headed for a whole lot of trouble. Well, he thinks that I'm headed for a whole lot of trouble. Well, he thinks that I'm headed for a whole lot of trouble if I don't nail the mailbag in trolls. That's right, it's mailbag time again. And oh, Dave, we got a nice sack of mail here, and let me tell you something. The first one's going to knock your socks off, just to start with, okay? All right, Santa will be jealous at all the mail we're getting. That's right. You can't believe the amount of mail we're getting these days, and obviously, you know, many has to do with Ed's passing and our listeners' reflections upon that, but uh, we got some interesting things, so let's get right to it with Ryan Clark with letter number one. He said he wants to thank us for honoring Eddie's passing. We with the mid-month uh, short episode last month, and he, he says he has a question for us that's uh, hypothetical. So he says, I apologize to Quiet Dave, because this might go into what-if territory. Oh, man, the first letter. Well, you know what? You got to pinch your nose and take your medicine, because we are going to be heading into what-if. He says, if there was to be an Eddie Van Halen tribute concert similar to the one after Freddie Mercury's death, featuring prominent contemporaries of Eddie to pay tribute to his music, who are the people you'd want to see involved in that performance? And what kind of set list would you like to see? Keep in mind, the point of the show would be to, to appreciate Eddie's musical contributions, not necessarily for strict entertainment value. And he says, your friend and now college graduate listener, Ryan Clark. Well, I want to thank you, Ryan. Congrats on your graduation. I feel Yes, we, congratulations yes, on your achievement. I feel we had a heavy hand in helping raise you to become a fine, upstanding young man that you are. So we are now going to go forth and we're going to go right into what if territory. Now it's time for What If with Dave and Dave. Shit, what if? What if? Dave Marconi's favorite segment, What If? What if, motherfucker? I don't do what ifs. 
and there's nothing like pissing off old Quiet Dave with a first crack of the bat being a what if. <laughs> of course. All right, let's do it. All right, well, we'll see if Dave did his homework, because I, I want you to know, Mr. Ryan, that I worked very hard on this. Uh, you put me to work over here. So in the dream world, okay, in the what-if scenario, we would have a tribute concert to Eddie when concerts resume back in, you know, 2025. We're going to have Al on drums, Michael Anthony on bass, David Lee Roth on vocals, and Sammy Hagar on vocals. And we'd have a host of guitarists on a variety of tracks. Now, here's my set list with said guests, okay? We're going to start off, of course, with Unchained, with guest guitarist Dweezil Zappa. Then we're going to go move into Running with the Devil, guest guitarist Zach Wilde, right into Pound Cake with Vic Johnson on guitar. Now, keep in mind, obviously, the singers are going to be the singers for the song, so... Two for oh, Dave, you, you two are for gonna Sam. You're going to get so much hate mail for that one. going to get so much hate mail. I can feel people writing now saying, how could you have the butcher do pound cake? The butcher <laughs> do pound cake? That's what they call him. People who are not fans of his Van Halen cover work refer to him as the butcher. Really? Yes, yes. There are quite a few people out there who are not a fan of Vic's interpretation of Van Halen songs. And Pound Cake is one of those songs where they're like, ah, you should not be doing that song. So, now I don't happen to share that. I know he's not an Ed clone and he does his own thing and I think he's a perfect match for Sam. But that's, it's an interesting choice you make. All right, well, now you're making me feel all insecure, but i got to change my, my thing in now. Well, you know, it's the first letter, and you threw down a what if, so, you know, I'm coming out fighting now. Well, then what happens? I, I remove Vic, and then people are going to start calling me a racist? No, it's Dave. It's your ideal concert. All right, you do whatever all right, fine. You want. All right, all right. Now, you, you ruined my flow. I'm all upset. I was all proud of this thing. I worked on it for hours. Well, keep going. Dave, right. you did a lot more work than I did, so I'm keep sorry. going, man. I know. Okay. All right. So, number three, Pound Cake with Vic Johnson. And number four, Best of Both Worlds with Steve Lukather. Number five, I'm the One with Steve Vai. Number six, Panama with Tom Morello. Number seven, Summer Nights with Nancy Wilson. Number eight, Seven Seal with Nuno Betancourt. Number nine, AFU with Ingve Malmsteen. Then we have a guitar solo section with 316, Spanish Fly Cathedral and Eruption, and the Beat It solo thrown in there, done by Wolfgang Van Halen. Number 11, Light Up the Sky with Joe Satriani. Number 12, Romeo Delight with Kirk Hammett. Number 13, Hot for Teacher with Billy Gibbons. Number 14, Right Now with Brian May. And number 15, Ain't Talking About Love with Slash on Guitar and Dave and Sam have to put on their big boy pants and co-lead on that song. <laughs> I like your Billy Gibbons choice with Hot for You like that, right? Excellent call. All right, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. After, after, I'm a little worried about me... Slash, though, because ever since the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I... Well, I figured he knows the song. <laughs> well... No, 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 no. I, I think Slash would really do a good job. Listen, that night had nothing to do with Slash. That was all a mishmash because of 
Velvet Revolver was not in a great place for themselves with Scott not being well, Ed not being there. It was kind of a, a hodgepodge. No, I know, but uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. When I think of guitarists that are influenced by Van Halen, mm-hmm. Slash is not one that immediately comes to mind. Really? Who do you think paid tribute to him for the Rock Hall? Oh, no, I saw that. Yeah. I saw that. I saw that, and I give him full kudos to it. I'm just talking musically. And they were friends. I'm not taking that away from him. I'm just saying it's not as obvious as, say, Steve I or Joe Satchel. Well, that's obvious, but listen, this is what you get, Ryan, when you start with a what if. Dave's cranky right off the bat. He's all irritated. So, All right, so now do you have a list, young man? No, I don't. I'm not nearly oh, as prepared as wow. you are. I was just going to, I was actually going to suggest the same thing you were conceptually, which is to have the band do what Queen did, which is play the songs, bring up a different guitarist. Yeah, that was beautiful. Song. Yeah. Dave and Sam come up, you know, maybe Gary if they're feeling charitable. Oh, listen to you. I, you know what? After the, the butchering I got, for putting in Vic Johnson, I purposely left Gary out because I didn't want to hear your whole soliloquy about how dare you bring Gary Sharon next to Ron. Well, as long as I don't do how many say I. And you know I'm a big fan of Without You. So when I read that letter and they said, you know, I'm thinking, well, I don't know any contemporary musicians. All my musicians have been around that I like have been around for 20 years. No, no, Dave, 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 he means Ed's contemporaries. Oh, okay. Well, that, yeah. well, that's something different. But and and it's it's also interesting that it says not for entertainment value because if it was for entertainment value, then you would have a whole bunch of people on that stage. I certainly would not know because they have to bring in current people so the youngins will watch. Well, what I was going to suggest stuff. is at the end, everybody puts their arms around each other and sings. How many say I? You, you could have almost like a, a Frankenstein, you know, guitar kind of rise up you know, on a string right above everybody. It would be kind of cool, but, you know, listen. Well, I know I cut all of that out just to please you. And by the way, folks, we started this conversation prior to going on the air with Dave going, we are cutting the letters. That's right. That is very true. <laughs> he doesn't want to do his homework. He doesn't, He wants to cut the letters. He's got an appointment tonight. I think he's got a massage appointment or something. You, you know what? Just because you can doesn't mean you should. All right. That's all I'm saying. All right. All saying. Yeah, good point. But excellent, but really great question. And a, a lot of people have asked about that, like, what should they do for a tribute concert? Right. And a lot of people suggest, Dave, what you have suggested. And really, that is the ideal way to go. Will it happen? Well, first of all, there's COVID, right? That's number one. Right. But even without COVID, would it happen? You know, I, I, I don't know. I really don't know if Al is really keen on doing anything like that. And, and Dave and Sam getting them to put egos aside. I mean, good luck with that. So, yeah, well, great listen, idea. Well, again, it's a what if. No, it is a what if. Yeah. I get that. But, like, Queen was able to do it, right? You know, because they, they put on their big boy pants. Yeah. And they were able to do it. And they raised a, a ton of money mm-hmm. for charity. Right, right. And it was one of the more memorable concerts of the 90s. And who uh, was the star of the show? Gary Sharon. That's right. Let's not and forget it. Him and, I know him and Extreme stole the show. Kill it. With, Kill uh, with it. The, with the Queen medley. Yep. And I think Gary did Hammer to Fall, right? 
Well, he did a, a whole medley of songs. Yeah, I'm trying to. Did he do Hammer? I, I think he did. Yeah. I think he did Hammer to yeah, Fall yeah, yeah. with Queen, right? Yeah, yeah. I think. I think he did. It was it was an amazing show. It really was. It was. It was. I, I also love the um, second letter here now. Can yeah, we do that? Oh, okay. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, you know what? Ever since you know, let's be honest. Ever since I did the Hail to the Chief theme before you read your letter on the last episode, you got a little bit of an ego boost. That so, was a beautiful touch. Actually. Thank you for doing that. But <laughs> right. we got to keep things All right, moving. I'm moving, I'm moving. That's all, folks. Letter number two from Jeff Shrewsbury. He says, hi, Dave and Dave. I read years ago that Ed's middle name is pronounced... Hang on, I got to get it out here. <laughs> I knew this was going to happen. I have to frenetically put it out. It's tricky, this thing. It I, is tricky. It's Lodavike. 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 Okay, yeah, I'm... In my horrible New York accent, I think I called him Lodgerwick. I mean, it's just, I mean, and I apologize. That's that's, that's a tough name to pronounce. I I apologize to all parties involved in the family. So, Lodovike, just a brother helping a brother. I am still devastated by Eddie's death, as many are. May God bless his family. Have a good day. and Thanks for doing the job you do. Long live the King Jeff Shrewsbury. Well, Jeff, thank you for clearing that up. By the way, I believe in the last episode, the letter that I said was EVH, I think was Jeff. Uh, Jeff, I apologize for that. I don't think you signed off on it, but I should have recognized your email, so I apologize. That was definitely him. I think it was, at least. Anything to say on that, Dave, about uh, the pronunciation of... Lodovike. Lodovike. Nope, now we know how to pronounce it. Yep, well, you learn something new every day. On to letter number three, because Dave's got a fire on my ass. Okay, guys. (laughs) And this comes from Eric Torbeck, one of our friends who writes all the time. And he says, hey, guys, don't know the state of the podcast, but I hope it continues. I've been listening since the beginning, and I love it. I thought I'd like to share my thoughts on the episode. No question, just memories. I know this is a little bit long, but as Ed says, screw the rules. If it sounds right, then it is. Well, unfortunately, Ed and Dave have different philosophies, so we are going to have to skip through some of this here and get to the right thing. But he says, I don't know what to term, but you guys, because of this podcast, no one else is going to be understand how I'm saddened by a death from a guy I met once for two minutes. Well, we all know how much more than that he was to all of us. Unlike like most, my introduction was an eruption. It was Jump in Panama, and he was 11 when he got 1984. Unfortunately, his, the tour had already made it through his area, and he wasn't able to see them. However, he kind of read all the magazines that we did, like Cream and Circus and Kerrang! and Rip and all those magazines that he used to read about Van Halen. He says even his wedding had Van Halen themes in it, where they were introduced from top of the world, which was really kind of cool. And he also said that basically every song from the first 11 studio albums has a personal memory for me. And I dove back into the catalog this week and enjoyed all the memories that have come and all the joy that the band has brought me over the years. I think I can best sum it up in two ways. I don't play guitar, but it's easy to understand a guitar player idolizing him. But somehow Ed spoke to a non-player like me, and I loved his work just as much. As great as the studio stuff is, every song is better live. That's what kept me coming back. There's a huge part of my childhood that died, and it's a double kick in the gut knowing the band is officially over. 
Don't be sad Ed's gone. Be glad he was here. Ed Torbick from New Jersey. Well, we totally understand, Eric, but know this. Ed is being celebrated all over the world like never before. His music is here to stay and forever, and I would never want him basically to be here in pain, uncomfortable and happy. That's for sure. I feel for Wolf, Al, Val, and Janie on a personal level. As for us, you know, he gave us so much, it's hard to ask for more. Of course, we're all whores, so we do ask for more, but it's because we're all fans and we want every drop. But it's all just love. What can we say? We all miss him. We feel the same. And you shouldn't feel bad that you, you feel such a connection, even though you don't know him. And even though you're not a guitar player, Dave and I are not guitar players, although Dave's been known to handle an instrument quite often, but it's not a guitar. Anyway, Well, so, I know you have trouble finding yours. Uh, well, touche, sir. Touche. So uh, we're going to move on. Dave, you have any comments for Eric? No, the only thing I have is it touched a lot of people, and it's just really interesting how, yes, yeah, somebody you've never met affects you so deeply. And there's a lot of people out there who feel that way, mm-hmm. especially with a musician that has been so integral as part of your life because you grew up with that music and it affected you so much. It's very so true. We're, you know, we're only human, so of course you'll feel that way. Absolutely. Letter number four comes from Shannon the Dude. He says, man, everyone got over Eddie fast. Sam is off promoting stuff on Twitter. Dave is on TV painting. And I have to assume this was recorded weeks ago. Well, Shannon, I, I think you got to take a chill pill because Sam and Dave were not trying to be insensitive. These are their own projects. You can't fault them for having them. They love Ed. They miss Ed, I'm sure. But those things really were not a slight to Eddie's passing. In fact, they were all done and planned earlier before his passing. Obviously, Sammy ended up filming his special, like, right at the cusp of Ed's passing. And that was unfortunate. But I think he did a nice job tributing Ed. And as you heard from the news, Dave even incorporated tributes to Ed in his artwork. So, you know, they're all thinking of Ed. It's impossible for them not to. So I think stuff will happen going forward where they'll honor him even more. But I don't think you should give them shit. So what do you think, Dave? You don't stop living. You don't stop living. That is true. And these letters don't stop either. So we got to move on to letter number five coming from Tim O'Brien from Brooklyn. And he says, early this summer I came upon your podcast and was feeling... Eddie's situation was not likely good. I was in the seventh grade when Van Halen hit the charts, and it changed my taste in music and started my long love of the genius of Eddie Van Halen. And then he said he wasn't really into the uh, Sammy era, but he was more of a Dave-era guy. He also said that in his adult years, he was amazed how exceptional a different kind of truth was, and that he went to go see them at Madison Square Garden, and he loved that show as well. But he says, life goes on, and I'm aware Eddie's health issues in these past few years. And this summer, we're a need to celebrate and revisit his Van Halen catalog. And he says, our podcast was part of that. I heard about Ed's passing that week, and I was crushed. Though I was prepared for it, the news hit me hard. Unlike Dave, Eddie stood back and talked very little. We never got enough of him. And his work product was select and relatively rare, although it was extremely good. Now, he says, and I want you to listen up tight on this one, and I'm not shortening this paragraph because I'm taking a stand. I am writing to say that I've never listened to Van Halen 3 until Eddie died. Hearing it fresh, knowing he was gone, 
and he wanted to make those songs was quite moving. Some of those songs coming from a guy who went through a lot, whose marriage failed, and his music was losing its audience struck me. The music was unexpected and even sad in places. Hearing Ed sing the last song was a shock and kind of beautiful too. Artists evolve and sometimes move away from their popular style towards what they are feeling, even if it's not as acceptable or popular. And I think that's where he was at the time, wanting to be known for more than what he was. In that way, I found the album more rich than I know it was received. I did listen to your review of it, and yes, you were pretty accurate, and you went through it track by track. Still, when one hears music is really important as a lifelong Van Halen fan, hearing that last Eddie album in October of 2020 was a revelation. Keep at it. And now we all need to nudge Wolf and Alex to release some music and shelved products. Thanks for your form. Tim O'Brien from Brooklyn. Okay, so, Dave, take one up the keister on that one. Yes, I think Van Halen 3 <laughs> needs to be reexamined. I also, I want to tell Tim, start digging into the Hagar years because there's some great stuff in there that you have missed. If you want, I'll send you a Spotify playlist if you want to get you going. And how many say I is growing on me because I think it holds some extra weight now. And I'd like to hear from the other man they call Dave. So go ahead, Dave. What, what do you have to say for this whole soliloquy? Uh, my opinion on how many say I hasn't changed, nor has Van Halen 3. Although I do like the perspective that this last letter has on the album and where Ed's head was at the time. So very valid points, but does not change my opinion of the album. It has some good points. But somebody really needed to push back on Ed to help him make an even better album. You won't give it another pass? I do listen to some songs every once in a while. But, you know, like I was listening to Ballad or the Bullet more than once these past few weeks because I think it, you know, it has relevance. But right. like I said, there's some good points in the album, but it needed some help smoothing it out and reining things in. So... That's just where I feel about it. So what can, what can I tell you? And to that I say, Cranky man, he just wants not, to get through not, the letter it's, short. It's, he music, <laughs> music is not, music is not absolute. It's art. All right, it's art. art this is art, right. and so are these letters. So we're on to letter number six, and it comes from Johnny Booth from Fredericksburg, Virginia. Hello, Dave and Dave. First, I'd like to thank you for carrying the Van Halen flag. What you do really matters, and perhaps it has a renewed importance to all of us. Like so many others, Edward's passing has had a profound effect on me. The day he passed, I was on my front porch arranging my Halloween decorations when I got a text from my friend sharing the news. My heart sank, and I literally went numb, and I sat there for a while, and I decided to pour myself a Jack Daniels and make my way to the back deck. His wife checked on him, and she said, what are you listening to? And he said, Van Halen. He spent the evening listening to Right Here, Right Now, the live album from 1993. And he decided to go to bed. And then he knew he'd wake up in a world without Edward Van Halen. I know many musicians took to social media recording tributes to Eddie on guitars, keyboards. But for some reason, I couldn't bring myself to do it over the week. But I know that this is odd and it seems like the most Ed thing to do. When I saw a video of Zach Wilde posted on Instagram of Edward basically saying, keep playing, don't ever stop. 
and I suddenly again felt the fire, like the first time I heard Van Halen. And of course I played. My wife made a great point that she liked to share with everyone. She told me that even if I didn't personally know Ed, I was blessed to have someone that I respected and loved so much, and whose influence literally changed the course of my life. Not everyone has someone like that, and knowing this has brought me comfort and helped me to be more grateful than sad for myself, my fellow fans, and the people who actually did know Edward. Finally, the day after Edward passed, my wife and I had a meeting at our local animal shelter to meet a puppy that we were interested in adopting. The puppy jumped into my arms, and of course we took him home with us. We named him Halen. Johnny Booth from Fredericksburg, Virginia. All right, Johnny, so listen... You are killing me, bro, that's for sure, because I have a weak spot for dogs, that's for sure. You'll get a kick out of this, Dave. So I'm not a big alcohol guy, but I have been drinking mad amounts of whiskey. <laughs> you know, really? Not, not like out of control or anything, but like, you know, here and there I've been having it. So the other night my wife yelled at me. She said she was standing up at the top of the stairs and she yelled out, David, you've been hitting the bottle hard. Because I had like empty uh, recyclables upstairs. <laughs> so oh, I don't know no. what it is about Van Halen and whiskey, <laughs> but it's true. Van Halen is definitely tied to whiskey. Love the whisk, although I'm not a, really a JD guy. I like the the bullet more than JD because I'm a little bougie when it comes to my whiskey. <laughs> but listen, the puppy, man, dogs are my weakness. I, I love puppies, and my, my puppy died uh, two years ago. My puppy was named Sam, so another name within the Van Halen family. So I know, but puppies bring out great joy and, and energy, and so you should definitely take care of Halen and enjoy him. And as for Ed, it's easy to endear yourself to Eddie Van Halen. I think he's such a lovable guy, and his, his playing is something to marvel at, and he inspires you in, in all different ways from a creative standpoint. So that will always be there. That's not going away. You have anything to say to Mr. Booth, Dave? I think that's a nice tribute that he had, that he went out and got a a dog the mm -hmm. next day and named it Halen. You know, Ed's memory continues on in all sorts of ways. Yep. So yep. I think that's great. Absolutely. Dave, on the other hand, got an alpaca and named it Roth. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a brick. All right. So <laughs> you know what? I know a guy around here who actually has an alpaca. <laughs> Do you really? Believe it or not. <laughs> yes. Yes. A relative of a, of a well, of a former relative. He had an alpaca farm and he raises, he, when he retired from his regular day job, he bought alpacas and now he has an alpaca farm. So yes. Is he named Gary? And let me tell you, they are, their hair or their fur or whatever you call it. Yeah. Oh, so soft. Yeah. So soft. I got a pair of alpaca socks from them. The I, best ever. You have alpaca socks? I, I, well, I did. I did. I don't have them anymore. Oh, I wore boy. them out. But, yes, I had socks made from the alpaca. Well, maybe if you wore them instead of wearing them out. <laughs> they would have lasted. Yeah. <laughs> boom. Hey, listen, you went a little hard in the hole. They're so soft, so I had to go there. <laughs> All right, that's true. That's true. All right. But, anyway, I, 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 recommend I recommend I'll pack it to anybody. Anyway, what's the next letter? You were packing those socks. 
All right, enough with your bad puns. Move on. I can't help it. Letter number seven comes from Devon Miller in Iowa, and he says, Hey, Dave and Dave, I know you're grieving as much as I am over the news that Eddie Van Halen is gone, and one of the most innovative and influential guitar players that ever lived, definitely amongst the Mount Rushmore guitar greats. You've been hard-pressed to find a guitarist that lived through the 80s that wasn't influenced by EVH. Attaches a link to my humble tribute. Of all his guitar solos from the albums played on my home Frankenstrat. Hope you enjoy it. And here's a clip. Okay, Devon, well, nice job, man. Very cool, and thanks for sharing that. We appreciate it, but I'd like to hear an Elton John cover from you, Devon. Uh, you know, come on. I've been uh, singing your song for how long? How many letters here? What do you think, Dave? I have to say he did a very nice job on the tribute, and I think he said that there was a custom guitar. He made that, Franken? I think he did. Uh, Frankenstein, right? And yeah. That was impressive. i got to tell you, because the paint job alone on that was incredible. Absolutely. And so... So hats off to you, Devon. I did listen to it. Very nice job. Very nice tribute. And great shirt, by the way. Oh, I have like the that. same one oh. in navy blue. Wow. Nice. Very nice. Letter number eight comes from Joe Libro from Fort Lauderdale. He says, I have a few comments. Thank you for all you do in waving the Van Halen flag. We greatly appreciate it. Thank you for sharing the Decade That Rocked book. I bought it. It's awesome. But the black and white Van Halen pick should have been a fold-out like some of the others. Best pick in the whole book. And I am still reeling from the news of Eddie. I've followed them for almost 40 years, and it's like my brother passed. We invested so much in our favorite bands, plus social media and stuff. We all know so much about them, even though Van Halen was quiet. We love Wolf, Janie, and Val and the whole Van Halen camp. I included an article about the top eight Van Halen tribute bands I've heard the most. But I never heard you guys talk about Van Halen. Derek, who plays Eddie, and the boys are spot on. From the look to the stage to especially the sound, they do a great job and deserve more recognition. Take a look and listen. Thanks again for all you guys do. Joe Libro from Fort Lauderdale. Well, Joe, I got some news for you. Go listen to the September 2016 episode, which is number six, one of our early ones, where Derek Fuller, the guitarist of Van Halen, was our special guest. So how dare you, Joe? From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more, wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. You may not know it, but support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through the friendly people at Church's Care. At Church's Care, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. 
That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churches Care helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit ChurchesCare.com today. That's ChurchesCare.com. C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. Get more for your money when you shop Meyer. This week, shoes for the family are buy one, get one for a dollar. And Father's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget the card. Or grab him Falls Creek men's polos for just $9.99. Plus, find low Meyer prices on Tostitos tortilla chips for $2.99. And new Emperx members get $10 off their total purchase of $30 or more through June 25th. Get more for your money with the same low Meyer prices in-store or online. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. How dare you? Any other questions, Dave? <laughs> no, I was just going to say the same thing. We, we've interviewed him. Yes. And, I mean, he's not on the same coast, so we don't see them play. We'd love to. Yes. But any Van Halen tribute band, you know, we'll, we'll wave that flag high. Yes. Obviously, we're partial to Romeo Delight. That's right, but some buddies. But anybody, but anybody, you know, now more than ever, any anybody playing Van Halen. That's right. I mean, put it out there. Put it out there. We're, we're not going to have the opportunity to see the band anymore. So That's it's right. Up, up to the rest of us now. That's right. That's what Dave did to the Alpaca. He put it out there. So, okay, oh, letter number oh, nine. Man, listen. <laughs> All right, we're going to put a stop to this right now because we're not going to do the whole rest of the episode. All right, relax. That's my last one. That's my last one. No, I know. I have to cut you off now because, you you know, you can't let it go. Well, I just want to say thank you, Ryan. This is what happens when we start with a what if. Okay. Letter number nine. (laughs) Letter number nine comes from Matthew Booz. And he says, I haven't finished listening to your top Eddie Van Halen musical moments, but I know this wasn't added as it never made it to an album. But the opening 32 seconds of It's About Time is unreal. It conveys a feeling of warmth, happiness, and joy. I can picture Ed just completely in a good place with a nod to Al who comes in with a distinctive snare drum sound and just two brothers sharing a moment. This intro tore me up since Ed's passing. The bond between those two is incredible and it saddens me that Al won't look up from behind his drum kit and see Eddie smiling back at him. I hope that Al can sit down at the drum kit again and when he looks up he sees Wolfie smiling back at him and Al can get some peace knowing that Eddie is still here with him. Matthew Booz. Well, Matthew, yes. You know, I'm going to play this little clip here of the intro for It's About Time, right here. song is very underrated. I love that song. Dave, I know you're a fan of this song, right? Not like you are. Oh, really? I think it's okay. Yeah, no, because we talked about this once, and then we also talked about the Gary Sharon equivalent, right? Wait a minute. I think, no, wait a minute. You're getting confused. The lead single off of Best of Both Worlds. Okay. It's, it's about time, not it's the right time. Oh, okay, you're man. getting confused of the confused. Mitch Malloy right. song. All right, Dave's officially old. Yes. He's officially uh, old. Well, no, I was officially old in February. I know, <laughs> I know. Look what happened to the world. What, what happened to the world? No, okay, okay. Now now I get it. Yes, that intro is 
is unlike any other Van Halen intro. Yeah. I remember when I first heard that song, I thought I had the wrong radio station. I really thought I was listening to something else. Right. So that's somewhat unique. And yeah, I am a fan of that song. It's like the perfect reunion song. Yeah. Really rocking and one of the better reunion songs Van Halen reunited with anybody. So yeah, absolutely. And so anyway, as for Al, I think I can only imagine he must have felt like half of him is cut off. I hope that he can add some drums to some of the stuff that Eddie left behind. I mean, I think that would maybe be a cool way to go if there was some sort of stuff like that where they had, you know, Eddie's material and maybe not make even like a whole song, but even if like, you know, Wolf came in on bass and had, you know, if they kind of filled it out. You know what I mean? And make it like a jam, like they're jamming with Ed. That would be kind of a cool thing. Yeah, you know what? I can see that. More than anything else. That would, yeah, more than anything else. Yeah. That would be the only thing Al would do. This is actually leading into our next letter, which is a similar subject, but I can't really see them start getting Sam and Dave involved. Like, I just don't see that. I I think that's just way too much. I don't think they they can handle that. I think it would be cool... If you had stuff that had Ed's riffs on it and Al and Wolf could work around it and turn it into like a jam and, you know, it could be like, you know, Baloch Ethereum or something like that. You could almost make it like an Eddie Van Halen solo album that we always wanted. You know what I mean? And you could almost sell it like that and let it be like a solo album that, that everybody always wanted and they kind of just help put it together. I think that would make sense. You also got to get a strong producer on that, so someone who really knows what they're doing when it comes to that stuff. So that could be very oh yeah, because you gotta you gotta do some mixing, you gotta oh, yeah. do some editing. Yeah, you, you need gotta, some hardcore yeah. people know what they're doing. Exactly. Letter number ten comes from Air Force Jay in Half Moon Bay, and he says, "Wow, talk about no love. I just rewatched the 1987 episode of SNL with Valerie Ned in it, and as the show closes, she thanks Sammy, Alex, and Ed. Come on, can." Someone throw Mike a bone here. I know it was a small moment, but can he get a quick mention? Okay, well, the real reason for this letter is to touch on what seems to be a hot topic amongst the letter readers in the October mailbag, The Music Ed Left Behind. All your thoughts and speculations on how the music may come out. I love all your thoughts and speculation on how the music may come out. However, I want to hear your thoughts on this, even though it may never happen. What are your thoughts on someone giving Van Halen's unreleased music the Biggie Smalls treatment? Here's what I mean. After Notorious B.I.G. passed away, there was a few albums released where the songs were produced by with his remaining vocals that were paired with artists he actually associated with when he was alive. I think this move made it easier for fans to digest his remaining work. So what are your thoughts on the idea of passing off to singers in Van Halen history? I think this is an interesting topic, Jay, for sure. First of all, let me start by saying yikes on the Mikey thing. I don't know what the hell everybody has against Mike. That's kind of horrible. But, yeah, this is an interesting prospect. I think the question is, you know, you need quality recordings of Ed. But I think it can't be just his compositions. I think it needs to have it balanced out. If you start writing songs, like full, full songs to it, I mean, I'm sure you could probably do it with a few but it, it always sounds forced. I, I don't know what it is. Like, I, I, I've seen it done with other artists, not just Biggie Smalls. Biggie Smalls is a little different because he's just rapping. 
that's different. You can put all kinds of cool beats to it and stuff like that. It's not the same thing as making like an actual song. Not that rapping is not songs, but I mean like, you know, it's just a little, it has a different flow. Like he had just a cool flow and, you know, DJs can work around with beats and stuff like that. But with Sam and Dave and they work so differently, I mean, I could just see that being a disaster. But I really think, like we said earlier, it would be an instrumental album with Wolf and Al. Dave, what are your thoughts? I agree. It would really sound forced. It, you're right. It always does. It, it never doesn't works. flow naturally. No, and you always want it to, but it just never really quite clicks. Yeah, so I think you just got to see what's there, Yeah. what songs are finished, yeah. how far along the demo process they are. Right. Do you just release them as is? Do you clean them up a little bit? Do you add some instrumentation? Because then it really starts getting, like after Jimi Hendrix died. Yeah. You know, he was, he had, he had a lot of songs he was in the, the middle of and they would add new instrumentation to them and it just, you know, it, eh, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't. You really gotta find somebody who's, who's doing it the right way. Right. And not just doing it for the quick buck. Of course. So it's tricky. It's, it's a slippery slope. Right. So That's we'll, true. We'll see. Uh, and I don't know. I mean, the other thing is, I don't know what kind of carte blanche the record company has now that Ed has passed away. Because it yeah. always seemed like Warner Brothers or whomever could never just release anything on their own. Or they would have already. But here's my question, Dave. First of yeah. all, I don't think they own anything going forward. Let me explain. I think they own what they released. I don't think all of Eddie's personal recordings at his own studio... I don't think Warner Brothers has their hand in that till. I don't think so because no, I don't think so. And either. the other thing is, if you don't release it as Van Halen, which I'm sure they won't, you know, they're going to release it as a Van Halen album because it's not going to have. I mean, if they do it like we said, it's not going to have vocals on. Like, you know, everybody thinks that Wolf is going to spend his days combing his father's house. This guy's got his own career. He's been sitting on his album. He wants to release this album. He wants to start his own career. Understandable. And don't get me wrong, I don't think he'll blow off his responsibility as Ed's guy, but I don't know. Maybe that'll be Alex's thing because Alex has got more time on his hands. Alex knows he was there for every drop of it. So I'm sure, and I think Matt Brock, who is Ed's main tech guy, at 5150, I'm sure he'll have a hand in it. I don't, you know, like, I don't think Michael Anthony, David Lee Roth, or Sammy Hagar are going to be anywhere near this stuff. Anywhere near it. I, I don't agree. think, I don't I think agree. any of it. Any yep. of it. If, and let me tell you something. If you're going to get any vocals, I wouldn't be surprised if it was from Gary before those two guys. It'll be something already recorded in the studio. They won't be recording anything new. Yeah, well, whatever. But I mean, like, I just right. don't, I don't see that happening. But anyway, right. letter number 11 comes from your buddy, Dave, Matthew Krill. If you remember, you're, this is the gentleman that you read his letter from uh, cover to cover on the last episode. He says, hey, guys, I just want to thank you for taking the time to read and share my tribute letter to Eddie Van Halen. I know it was really long, and I really just wanted to share it with the two of you guys, but who knew Quiet Dave would read the whole thing? Love your podcast, and I'm ready for November's podcast since it's only October 30th. I'll wait. 5150, Matthew Krill. Well, Matthew... What you don't realize is you may have written a beautiful letter, and it was a lot of work, and you did a great job, and that is all to be commended. But what you don't realize is that something even more incredible happened, which is Dave's always wanting to shorten these letters. 
And that is his goal. However, for him to not only insist the whole thing be read, but to step up like the mensch that he is and pull it off, what you don't realize is you've witnessed an incredible triumph that was more impressive than when Quiet Dave picks up a check. That's an even rarer occurrence. You know what? I'm, I'm going to have some whiskey. You let me know. When you're <laughs> you have a little whiskey and celebrate your triumph. I think you and Matthew should go out and go bowling together. He did it with beautiful poise. He sounded like a syrupy Morgan Freeman as he dug into the narration of the Shawshank Redemption right there. It was beautiful. You done? Yeah. Let me know when you're done. Okay. I've never been so thank impressed. Thank you for the compliment. By and, a mailbag letter submitted thank, by thank my friend Matthew Crimm. Uh, that you know that was put into writing that that tribute to Ed. I thought it was really nice and and worth reading. So thank you again. Yes. Okay. Letter number twelve comes from a man by the name of Greg Chaffee from Anaheim, California, and he says thanks for reading my letter on the last podcast regarding Jack Black. I guess my timing for sending in these mailbags couldn't be worse. I was at work and one of my employees walked up to me and told me that Ed had passed away. And I immediately got goosebumps because I had no idea what to say. I just walked into my office and sat in silence for quite some time but he says Ed's legacy will continue to impact all of us for generations to come in high school my friends used to call each other by our dad's names and I have no idea why my dad was Bill so when Big Bad Bill came out on Diver Down you can believe I took crap but I still get that shit at reunions luckily my best friend's name is Jim and Top Jimmy came out in 1984. Although it wasn't his dad's name, we still called him Top Jimmy. And he says, G from OC, Greg Chaffee from Anaheim, California. Well, I want to tell you, Greg, you'd be lucky to be called Big Bad Bill, that's for sure, because I had the worst fucking nickname in, in high school because of my last name, Crible, which is spelled C-R-I-B-L-E-Z. They used to call me Crab Legs, which is hysterical. Because it's also it doesn't a lot make, of thought put into that. A lot of thought put in that, which is funny because crab legs are kind of like long and thin, which neither one of my legs are, which is hysterical. And now are you ready for this? So I get through that whole fucking nightmare. Then I go to my office, and guess what they call me in my office? Cribby. Crab legs? Crabby? Crabby. Crabby, Crabby is you. <laughs> Cribby. <laughs> C-R-I-B-B-Y. That's what they call me in my own. Cribby. Cribby. You've got all sorts of nicknames. Oh, my God. There's other ones I won't even say on the air, but the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, but, yeah, so, so yeah, I don't, I'm not crazy about either one of those, so I think you should stick with Big Bad Bill. What do you say to this gentleman, Mr. Chaffee, Dave? Interestingly, my last name, I was known as Macaroni, so there always seems to oh, be a yeah, yeah. mo okay. motif. But I, I think that's awesome that he was such a big Van Halen fan that other people in his life were, were referencing Big Bad Bill and Top Jimmy and all that good stuff. Yeah. So that that's awesome. By the way, the Van Halen brothers have David Lee Roth to thank for having their father on Big Bad Bill. No. Yes, no indeed. Knows. And for indeed. naming the band Van Halen, so let's, uh, you know. Indeed. Respect, mm -hmm. respect. So letter number 13 comes from Steve O. Now, the reason I say it like that is because when I was growing up, there was a wrestler in the WWF called Barry O. The guy would make an O with his hands above his head, which I always thought was funny. That's right. Do you That's... remember that? <laughs> Barry. Barry O. Oh! <laughs> and the guy would... The guy would create an O with his arms above his head. I do, I do remember Barry. Do you, do you remember o. this? Do you remember Special Delivery Jones? SD Jones. <laughs> did he 
Did he ever win a match? That no, guy? no. But let me tell you something. The funny thing about SD Jones, and I forget his first name. I forget his first name. Special. No, no. Well, obviously, special delivery. But I forget. But like, he would come out, and do you remember his little thing that he would do? Everybody had a thing. I don't remember. Okay. His thing, he yeah. used to do finger guns. Okay. Finger guns, okay. like, you know, Joe Biden does. So, like, you know, like, this is finger guns. And he'd be like, ladies and gentlemen, Special Delivery Jones. And he'd come out. And the funny thing about Special Delivery Jones, and this is why I love him so much, he came out onto that stage like he just got up off his couch in his living room. I mean, like, he wasn't cut. You know what I mean? Like, he was sort of just a big, like, hulking guy. You know what I mean? Like, he just got right, up like, right. like oh, it's time to go wrestling. So, the, um... So anyway, so time to lose, time to lose, lose again. Some pick where my paycheck at. <laughs> so Steve-O from Grand Rapids, Michigan. He says, I'm a lifelong musician who was blessed with a great ear and a musical memory. I'd like to share what I think are a few interesting and mostly unknown tidbits about Eruption. Number one, did you know that the intro to Eruption was based on an intro of a song from 1970 by called Let Me Swim by the hard rock band called Cactus? Both songs start off with drums going through three quick fill hits followed by a nice A chord crash and the lead guitar breaking off into a short solo. Then the band plays three hits together on A, G, and finally landing on D crash, and the lead guitar continues to the D chord, and he goes on and on with that. So uh, so we're going to play right here the first 15 seconds of Let Me Swim by Cactus. Now here's the first 15 seconds of eruption. Now, the solos are different, of course, he says, but Van Halen tuned down half a step and nearly to an A-flat, providing a slightly darker color to the music than the standard key of A in which Cactus was tuned. And he also said the musical passage and eruption between 30 seconds and 34 seconds is from a solo classical violin piece called Etude Number no. 2 by Roldalfi Krutner, written in 1796. Oh, my God. And here's a clip of that. And here's the clip of Eruption. And then he gets into stuff, Dave. I don't know what he's talking about here, but that's all we're giving to Steve-O. Because <laughs> we have to shorten things for Dave. I think there's some samples that are, the intro is sort of similar in the way they approach it, but I don't think the music is the same. Do you, Dave? The music is not, but the intro. Yeah, yeah. To Let Me Swim. Yes, very similar. definitely lifted. Right. For eruption. In fact, Van Halen covered Let Me Swim. Oh, boy. Back in the day in the club days. And what's interesting is, they chopped off the intro when they covered the song. And then when Ed would do his solo, that's when they would put it back in. 
Wow. So I'm pretty sure they knew that they had lifted that intro for the solo. Oh, boy. That's not the only influence from Cactus okay. that Van Halen has had, especially if you talk to the drummer of Cactus, who was... Carmine Apiece. Oh, Carmine Apiece. Yeah, Carmine, right. Yeah. Carmine will tell you. Yeah. You, you talk to Carmine. I'm going to talk to... I, I have Carmine in my cell phone. I talk to Carmine often. Dave, you want to get him going? Ask him that question. Really? Because it was that. What else was it? Okay, so they did... A, they're probably their best-known song was a cover of Parchment Farm. Okay. Which definitely influenced songs like Hot for Teacher. Oh, boy. And all those boogie kind of songs. Yeah. And also, okay, I can't remember the songs right now, but there's a Cactus song where there's a solo in one of the songs, and it was also the intro to the solo in, I think it was Amsterdam. Oh, my so, God. Yeah. Now, that one, they do sound alike, but really it's, I think it's one of those things where any guitarist who's doing an ascending scale on the guitar will right. be doing the same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it does sound alike. It may be kind of a stretch. But the bottom line is there was no doubt, no doubt at all, that Cactus was an influential band on Van Halen and on Ed. The guitarist's name was, he was the guitarist for, what was it? Oh, man. His last name was McCarty. And he was originally the guitarist for the Detroit Wheels. Mitch Ryder um, and the Detroit Wheels. Mitch Ryder and the Detroit Wheels. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Mr. McCarty, whose first name is Casey right now, he was the guitarist for that band. And if you listen to Cactus, they were really rough and raw. And you should go seek them out listen to them. Great early 70s rock band. They were rocking. Definitely worth checking out. Wow. Okay, cool. Maybe I'll see if Carmine will come on the podcast with us and talk about it. Oh, my God. He, Dave, he, we totally could talk about Cactus and their influence on Van Halen. Yeah. In addition to being an incredible drummer, he is a really super, super guy and also a wonderful storyteller. He's an interesting character. He's really cool. Yeah, I don't have to tell you, he played with King Cobra, one of my favorite bands from the late 80s, Blue Murder. Oh, my God, I love that band. And then also he was in, of course, Vanilla Fudge of, of all bands. His home uh, base is Vanilla Fudge. Just a tremendous drummer and, and a tremendous... And Rod Stewart. Oh, we know, of course, Rod Stewart. Yeah, he, he played yeah. Rod Stewart. He yeah. co-wrote Do You Think I'm Sexy? That's right. That's right. Pays the bills. So, That's yeah, he's played with everybody that guy so he must have stored oh yeah no yeah absolutely absolutely letter number 14 comes from Stephen Halmerick and he says hi Dave and Dave greetings from Sydney it's hard to believe it's been a month since Ed's passing and it still really hurts I was reflecting on the discussion you had in your last podcast on various lists out there or Van Halen places and it got me to thinking that about the best guitarists I've seen live since going to major concerts in the 80s. So here's my list in order of 20 best guitarists I've seen played live. Interested in your thoughts. Number one, of course, is Van Halen. Two, Tony Iommi from Black Sabbath. Three, Jimmy Page from Page and Plant. That obviously led Zeppelin. Number four, Richie Blackmore from Deep Purple. Number five, Stevie Ray Vaughan. Number six, Angus Young of ACDC. Number seven, Slash from Guns N' Roses. Number eight, Brian May from Queen. Number nine, Carlos Santana from Santana. Number 10, Steve Vai of the David Lee Roth solo band. Number 11 is Joe Satriani. Number 12 is Mark Knopfler from Dire Straits. Number 13, Lindsey Buckingham from Fleetwood Mac. Number 14, Snowy White, who is the guitarist for Roger Waters. 
Number 15, Joe Walsh of the Eagles. Number 16, Steve Lukather of Toto. Number 17, Kirk Hammett of Metallica. Number 18, Martin Barre of Jethro Tull. Number 19, Steve Morse of Deep Purple. And number 20, Peter Northcote, which is a local Australian player and session musician. And he says, cheers from down under, Steve Halmarek. Well, Steve, it's a solid list. My only exception is Snowy White. I think David Gilmore should be in that spot, but obviously these are people you saw live. I don't know if you saw David Gilmore live, but David Gilmore is one of my all-time favorite guitarists. Obviously not as prominent as Ed to me. Of course, I've been listening to a lot of Pink Floyd lately because I just did a story on Pink Floyd, and oh my God, is that guy amazing. So any questions or thoughts about his list, Dave? Interesting list. Very interesting. And Snowy White, I think he played with Thin Lizzy too. Did he really? He's the guitarist that... A lot of Thin Lizzy fans, they're like, yeah, he did, uh, next. You know, they weren't. Right, right. Yeah, a lot uh, of people he, have been he, through he Thin Lizzy. He was not a fan favorite in Thin Lizzy. Let me put that's it. right. That's right. Absolutely. Number 15 comes from a guy by the name of Marcus Brixa. And he says, when I wrote you the first time a few months ago, you guys referred to me as Florida Marcus. So I'm running with it. It's been a crazy two weeks since we first heard of the passing of King Edward. And I'm still pretty taken back and sad, but my gratitude runs deep. I was blessed to have been there in a true fan since 1982. A hundred years from now, they will still be speaking about Eddie's amazing talent. I was a young 12-year-old guitar nerd listening to Diver Down, which was a Christmas gift for my aunt. It changed my entire life. And he's been my biggest influence. And he also said that he says, I'm glad you guys did the short tribute podcast after Eddie passed. I think it helped all of us fans mourn together. And he says that he lives in a hip town of Winter Haven, Florida, right in the middle of the state. And last Friday, we hosted an outdoor concert with the Van Halen Tribute Band completely unchained. It was an amazing performance, and I give the guys much credit for bringing a top-shelf tribute show that really respected the band's classic era with excitement and class and badass style. They played great, sang great, looked great, and they were just fucking great. And he went into all the different songs that he played. He says, anyway, thanks for all you do. Stay frosty, Florida. Marcus Brixa from Winter Haven, Florida. Okay, great. Well, listen, Mr. Marcus, Mr. Florida Marcus. It's kind of like Miami Steve from the East Street Band, Florida Marcus. I just saw Completely Unchained. And here's the set list from my night. He did You Really Got Me into Ain't Talk About Love with Running With The Devil. Cradle Will Rock, Little Dreamer, Where Have All The Good Times Gone, Into Bottoms Up, Somebody Get Me A Doctor, Jamie's Crying, Mean Street, Drop Dead Legs, Unchained, So This Is Love, Ice Cream Man, Everybody Wants Some, Eruption, Mixed With Spanish Fly, and 316, Panama, Jump, Dance The Night Away, Feel Your Love Tonight, Pretty Woman, and Hot For Teacher. These guys played on Long Island, and let me tell you something, what an incredible job. They have the sound, the attitude, the look, the whole Van Halen show right down to every little dotted I and cross T. And Jake C. Miller is unbelievable. He really takes on Ed, and that's a big job, and he does a great, incredible tribute to him. And they really bring the Van Halen vibe, and they played well. And uh, Gene, the lead singer, my God, the shape that that guy is in. He looks like an action figure, this guy. I don't know how he does it. And he's significantly older than you and I, Dave, so I don't know what. We, we're slacking over here, so I don't know. Is he really? Oh, wow. It, oh, I want to know what his secret is. I, uh, please. I don't know what. It's called Good Jeans, hence his name, Gene. What do you have to say to uh, Mr. Florida Marcus, Dave? I'm glad they went down there and he got to see them. You know, you sent me videos of the show you saw, and those guys definitely put on. I mean, they look like Van Halen. Oh, yeah, they really get Espe into it. Especially the guitarist. 
list. He's like, it's, it's spooky. It, it, yeah. Almost. It, yeah, it is. So, I mean, great, great set list you saw. And yeah. like I said before, all these Van Halen tribute bands out there, keep it going, man. Keep yeah. it going. And let me tell you something, man. They added in Where Have All the Good Times Gone, Bottoms Up. So yeah, this is love. Are, I was like, wow. Drop Dead good. Legs. I mean, this is ridiculous. Mean Street, it was incredible. Incredible. Nice. nice. Love it. That's why they're called Completely Unchained. So Dave and I are just unchained. These guys are completely unchained. So, <laughs> Right. So, we're only men's of men's unchained. We're, exactly. We're, we're, men's, we're Dave and Dave. Welcome to Dave and Dave, men's of men's unchained. I think we should <laughs> <laughs> rename the podcast. That's going to be the new title of the podcast. Exactly. Welcome to Dave and Dave, men's of men's unchained. I'm Dave. <laughs> and I'm men's of men's. So and, I am all, men's and I am Here also men's ready? of men's. You ready? Here you go. This is it. You're men's amends, Dave, and I'm Mensch Dave. Oh, you're Mensch Dave. <laughs> All right, so letter number 16 comes from Alex Kirschenbaum. And he says, hey, Dave and Dave, I love your podcast. So excited to hear that you guys are keep waving the Van Halen flag, even though we lost Ed. I live in L.A., and probably the most favorite thing about that is the Van Halen history I can experience here. And the night Ed died, I drove to Pasadena College to walk around the campus where Ed and Al first met Dave. And it's been like losing a lifelong friend, and I'm still bummed about it. The question I have about the curatorial future of Van Halen is their manager, Irving Azov, spoke with Polestar this week and said that Wolf and Al will head up to 5150 and look through Eddie's archives, which apparently are totally uncatalogued now. Do you think there's a universe where Wolfgang could string together a lot of Eddie's song ideas and prep a fresh recording, similar to the way Angus Young pieced together song ideas he had cooked up with Malcolm Young from 2014 for Rock or Bust? Well, actually, that's what he did with the upcoming ACDC album, which is actually coming out on Friday. Powered up. Malcolm Young, I believe, was on Rocker Bust. I think so. I think he was on there. Well, either way, his writing was on there, sure. It would be close uh, to impossible to happening with getting an album where Wolfgang plays guitar on these old, unused Eddie parts with Al on drums and Michael Anthony on bass. They rotate singers like it's a Kiss album. Five to songs with Dave, five songs with Sam, and they'll even throw Gary Sharon a song. It seems more likely than the original demos being released as is in some fashion, but a guy can only dream. And then he also says it would be awesome if the full album of Eddie's score from the Wildlife 1985's Cameron Crowe film would somehow get properly remastered and released in accordance with the movie. So... It's nice to have some of the clips out there, but we also like to hear a re-release of the Starfleet Project with Brian May. And how about that Oakland 1981 Fair Warning Era concert on Blu-ray? Wow, he's asking for the world, this guy. Alex in L.A. by way of Chicago. Oh, Alex is going for broke. Uh, he wants it all. As, uh, yeah, you know, the say. Oakland show, the big question is, yeah. was the whole thing recorded? Or did they just record the three songs? Based on our comments in the news and from what I gathered from what Brian Kihu said on that podcast from Sunset Sound, that the reason that they only shot three of those videos is because tape was expensive. And if they're running tape on five cameras... To do that for an entire concert is hard. You know what I mean? It really is. So I, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to see that. But this is what I have to say to Mr. Alex. So I think they will release 
some stuff with Ed and possibly enhance it with Wolf and Al. But I think, like I said before, I think Wolf has his solo career to focus on first. The Wildlife soundtrack is out there and available. I own the whole goddamn thing. You can certainly get it on bootleg for sure. The Oakland 81, I don't know if that whole thing exists. But I tell you, there's all kinds of video leakage going on. And apparently I'm hearing rumors and rumblings of more forthcoming. So I think if we're going to get anything, it's going to come out by way of YouTube. Starfleet, Dave, is Starfleet, like, readily available? I have it, of course, but I have it in a weird, weird way. I have the Starfleet project by getting two European maxi CD singles of Brian May's solo work, and he put half of it on one and half of it on another, and that's how I have it. But does the album actually, like, exist? On CD? You know, I don't know because I have it the same exact. Yeah, yeah, way. yeah. I know. I That's, remember that. And that was a long time oh ago. Oh God, that was. Th- those were like bonus tracks for a Brian. Like I think it was like his first solo yeah. album or something. Yeah, like that. we got it. It was the nineteen ninety three day. We were twenty three years old. Okay. All right. So I don't know if it's ever legitimately been released on disc after that because yeah. I have it on that, and that's all I. I really need, but that would be interesting, yeah. especially if Brian May yeah. had tape of them jamming oh, other yeah. things, oh, right? Yeah. I mean, that would be sweet. Oh, yeah. That would be great. That would be right. a real gem. Yeah, that would be cool. And the wildlife stuff, oh, know, yeah. uh-huh. the Van Halen News Desk, they were releasing some songs from that a yeah. few years ago. Yep, yep. I think there was supposed to be some more coming out, but it never, I don't think it ever did. So I don't know whatever happened with that. Yeah, you but can again, get these, that, these though. Are all, the these whole are thing all about, great yeah. ideas yeah, yeah. for a box set. But I think the reality of what's coming out is going to be whatever they have in the can already. Yeah. Which is the Van Halen 1 right. set that Eddie Trunk was talking right. about. Yeah. And also what Brian was talking about on the sunset. Yep. Well, uh, that's the same thing. Oh, is it the same? Oh, well, I thought it was something. Well, I no, didn't what, know if it was the same thing or something different. Well, I think what Brian was saying in his conversation was they have about four CDs worth of outtakes. But I think it would be sort of like an overall outtakes box set, not just from the first album, but in general. Like if you were to oh, put together okay. like an uh, outtakes well, box set. Yeah. Well, see, that would be awesome. So they've got yeah. something from the. So I think. There's a lot of so's in my sentence because I really don't know which yeah, direction they're going to go in. It's I crazy. just want them to release some. Right, right. Letter number 17 comes from Janice Francis, and she says, There's been a TV commercial running in my demographic in Maui. Every time I see it, I'm getting angry all over again. I come here where I know people generally care about Edward Van Halen. The ad is an attorney firm claiming that if you or a loved one suffered or died from any of the following smoking-related diseases, lung, bladder, voice box, tongue or oral cavity or throat cancer, you may be eligible to fly a claim against a tobacco 
tobacco companies. So I ask, why the hell not? Because of his personal fame and fortune, he couldn't have been here more than 10 or 11 years old when he became addicted to nicotine. It killed him. He should have lived another 25 years. Is there anyone else reading this who would love to see his son Wolfgang sue the pants off of R.J. Reynolds? I can't possibly be the only one. Can I get an amen? <laughs> All right, so this guy apparently is, I guess, spinning off of Eddie's death and, and trying to make some sort of like one of those crazy lawyer commercials. I heard about this. It's sort of sick greed. You have to kind of ignore it and, and just write it off as a schmuck trying to capitalize on Eddie Van Halen's death. And it's sad, but that's part of our society. I I mean, it's just you got to walk away from it. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, I know. It's like, you know, come on now. And we come to letter number 18 from Nicholas Caruso. And he says, I just found your podcast. I really hope you guys are safe. And like everyone, I'm still devastated that Eddie is no longer with us. And I was lucky to take my son to all the shows in Chicago from 2007, 2008, 2012, and 2015. Were any shows from those tours professionally filmed? I'm sure they have audio of everything, but we always hope that someday there would be a DVD of the live show from the Dave Reunion. I plan to keep listening. Thanks so much, Nicholas Caruso. Nicholas, thanks so much for joining aboard. Really appreciate to have you. And the 2007-2008 tour was pro shot and shelved. Perhaps that can come out because those shows are available. Although a lot of those tours that you're looking for are available on YouTube in quality form, so there's no need to really wait for an official release. What do you think, Dave? About an official release? Uh, of a DVD of one of the reunion shows with Dave. Do you think there's any probability of that? Well, I thought one was recorded. Yeah, it was. Uh, right? Wasn't there one and ready to be put out? Yep, and, and it got reason, shelved it, it, like everything was, else. Right, it got shelved. So. Yeah. I mean, that's another easy one. That's Let me, there's so many, look, dog. there was a live album with Gary Sharon, ready to go, shelved. There was a greatest right. hits, all of David Lee Roth, era Van Halen, shelved. There was a 2007-2008 tour DVD shelf. There was a 1995 Sammy Live from Canada, Balance era DVD shelf. The other Van Halen box set shelf. There's so many... I mean, these things are done. I right. mean, they're just sitting so, there. Those are like easy slams. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So hopefully this stuff will come out. Then we get right. to the last letter of the night, Dave's favorite part, Juan Valverde. And he says, hi, Dave, just want to thank you for the podcast. I'm a Van Halen hardcore from Buenos Aires. Argentina. And he says that Van Halen played here in 1983 and your content is really interesting and entertaining. And I have released some podcasts dedicated to Eddie Van Halen and the band too. And they're always something new to talk about. Keep it up. So Juan's podcast is called Casa Disco del Pior El Major. And it is all in Spanish. So if you speak Spanish, this is the podcast for you. You can get it at Jedbangers, J-E-D-B-A-N-G-E-R-S dot com. And it's called Van Halen Casa Disco del Pior El Major, which means every album from worst to best. That's El Mejor. Oh, listen to this guy. All hey, right. Are you sure it's not Headbangers? Because J is pronounced like an H in Spanish. All right. Headbangers. All right. Well, listen, any of your... No, 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 Spanish... no. Not Yiddish. Not Headbangers. <laughs> headbangers. Says the mensch. Okay. Uh, well, who would know? All right, sir. Well... That wraps up the mailbag. Coming up next, what did we learn from Wolf? 
Dave and I's full breakdown of Wolfgang Van Halen's week-long whirlwind press tour, where he talked to Howard Stern, Entertainment Tonight, The Today Show, Forbes Magazine, Rolling Stone Magazine, Spin Magazine, along with various radio stations. Dave and I break down all the information Wolf gave us about Van Halen and his solo band, Mammoth, WVH. Followed by our incredible interview with Sass Jordan, and she is a live wire, this woman. Right, Dave? Oh, my God. She is aptly named. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What an incredible conversation we have with Sass. She is such a piece of work, and oh, my God, is she funny. She's so crazy. She was super funny, super nice, told great stories. Oh, she was awesome. She's she was just awesome. great. She's just great. And that is all coming up next. Take a listen. It's show business, classic, traditional show biz. It's the same thing as pulling up the horse cart and opening up the back, and you make the music, and you make some show. Same thing as Broadway, same thing as tap dance, same thing as Vegas and television variety. All of that's mixed in. You call it rock and roll, that's pretty big sweep now. It goes from Springsteen to heavy metal and, you know, all the old classic, the Beatle tunes mixed in the middle there, and that's just the first song. Are you a guitar enthusiast? Want to learn all the tricks and licks of the trade? Searching for that Eddie Van Halen sound and speed? Want to play in the style of Alex Lifeson of Rush, Mick Mars of Motley Crue, or Brian May of Queen? Then sign up for Zoom lessons from the best. Lance Turner, the guitarist for the number one Van Halen tribute band, the Atomic Punks. Lance will take you on as his personal student in the comfort of your own home on Zoom. To sign up, contact Lance via email at lancetlessons at gmail.com. Lessons are at an affordable rate of $40 an hour. Email Lance today at lancetlessons at gmail.com. That's L-A-N-C-E-T-L-E-S-S-O-N-S at gmail.com. And learn how to jam like a star. Hi, this is Brian Young, formerly of the David Lee Roth Band, and you're listening to Dave and Dave Unchained. If you would like to send us a letter asking a question or making a statement or whatever you'd like to say, you can send it to ddunchainedpodcast at gmail.com. I never imagined anything else. That was always my philosophy. I'm going to do exactly as I please, exactly as I want. And the same thing for the rest of the band. So it's been a steady continuum. It builds and it builds. And we never, it's not a goal-oriented kind of thing. Van Halen has no goals. There's no pot of gold for us at the end of the rainbow. We're just here to ride the rainbow. And you're invited, but it's like, you know, it's my rainbow, baby. And we're just going to ride it and ride it until we're out of gas, and then we'll leave it. We'll come back a week later. Maybe somebody's living in the car. Well, Dave, the time has come. We've waited for this for a while, and it is finally here. Sort of. Wolf Van Halen finally released some music, although... He did not release his album. He only released a single. Technically, I, I guess he sort of released two songs, or he sneak-peeked one. One's released, one's not. The single, Distance, is a tribute to his father, Eddie Van Halen, which was debuted earlier this week. And here's a clip. No matter what.
drop a single, but he released a video, a very personal video, which is a compilation of all his home videos with Ed and Val. And it's incredibly heartwarming. On top of that, the song really has an intensity to it. We'll get into all of that. But he also did a whirlwind week-long press, which is rare for Wolf. I mean, he went from doing no press to press nonstop, right? It's rare for anybody named Van Halen. That's right. It was unbelievable, which is incredible, but... Holy cow, he was doing radio, he was doing print, he was doing television. Somebody made the joke that Wolf did more press during that week than Eddie did during his entire career. I think he's right. Whoever said that. I think he's he's at least close, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's be honest. I mean, back in the day, Sam did a lot of press, Dave did a lot of press, even Al did more press than Eddie. But whole, uh, yeah, I think he did as well. If you include Guitar Magazine, well, no, 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 no. You don't remember back in the day. Back in oh, the day. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know where you're going. Radio yes. show. Yes, you are correct. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yes, because Al would team up with Dave or Mike I, and do right. radio okay. shows. Right. Ed was not yes. exactly press savvy. So getting to the single. Okay, the song is called Distance. It is. I guess you'd call it more on the like the pop rock kind of vibe, right? It's not pop rock's probably not a good term. I don't know what would you call it, Dave? More like not alternative rock, but like you referred to it as similar to Daughtry, right? Yeah, I thought it definitely had a Daughtry vibe. Right. And other people were saying like a lighthouse vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like that kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't know if I call it a ballad, but No, I wouldn't I call mean, it a ballad. Well, look, I'm not an expert on today's music by any sense. Right, that's the problem. Saying pop today is a totally different thing than pop from years ago. No, I know, and it's not not like pop today. Right, no, no. it's definitely, I mean, it's definitely not, you know, like I'm stuck in 1985, right? right? I mean, but this is probably something more akin from like the 2000s. Early 2000s, Maybe the late 90s -hmm. or something like that. Right, right. Like, yeah, that kind of vibe. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, a great song. I personally loved it, and the video is unbelievable. They did a tremendous job with this video, which had home movies of Val and Ed with Wolf as a little kid. I mean, it's impossible not to be warmed by it. It's incredibly adorable. Just really shows Eddie and his endearing personal side as opposed to his wild man rock guy on the guitar. So what did you make of the video, Dave? I tell you, I thought it was brilliant that the song was released with the video. Yeah, yeah. Like you couldn't hear the song first. And then watch the video right. later. Like it was all done in one shot. Yeah, all done in one shot. Which, mm-hmm. Right? So, which was brilliant because it, now it's like really hard to separate. Yes. Thinking about the song. It's impossible. Without yeah. thinking about the video and without thinking about Ed and Wolf. Videos have been around a long time and, and videos don't always have to do with the lyrics of the song. But in this case, like, it really ties it together. It's really well done. It tugs the heartstrings. Totally, yeah. I mean, if you haven't seen it yet, go see it. Because, I mean, the ending, if that doesn't, like, grab you emotionally, right? then I, I don't know what will. 
I almost felt like they put it together pretty quick. They did. Because if they decided, hey, listen, we're going to put out Distance as a tribute to Ed. Right. I mean, that song only came out like a month, a month and a half after he passed away. Yes, but he says in the interviews that he's been writing that song. I mean, let's be honest. Oh, no, I know the song's been around. The song has been around a while. Right. I know we'll probably get this a little later. But my impression was, you know, like they cleaned it up, they finished it, whatever. And maybe they had an idea for the video. Mm-hmm. But still, to put it together and have it out there. I mean, the video is really, really effective. And let me tell you and, something. Uh, you don't even have to know who they are to be affected by it. That's what's no, incredible. No, yeah. you're, you're absolutely yeah. right. Yeah. Good call, Dave. That's what's, call. that's what's so amazing yeah. about it. You don't even If you just showed it to someone who didn't even know who Eddie Van Halen was or know who Wolf was and just listened to that song and watched that video, it is astounding. It really is a, a beautiful piece. And it is, like you said, the song is good too. You know, it's not like some throwaway crapola. Like we said, it does remind us of a few other bands and that kind of style of music. Right. But still, it is well done, mm-hmm. well executed. Oh, yeah. I don't want to say it's like this catchy pop song, but it's very accessible. It hooks it's you like, right in. I don't want to say it's like a hooky song, but no. yes, it hooks you. It's, yes. It hooks you right it, it in. Ju- it draws you in. It draws you in. And interesting, like you said the word ballad earlier. I think where people are getting that from, it's not ballad musically. It's ballad emotionally, I would yeah, say. Lyrically yeah, lyrically and emotionally. Yeah. It's yeah. like typical. Right ballad material but it's smart but, it's not yeah. it's not syrupy it's smart no no it, yeah. it's it's not and really i mean he can sing yeah oh totally like, that's the other thing i wanted to get to yeah is this kid has pipes so not only is he a songwriter right? he's a I player mean, he's playing everything on the song he's playing drums he's playing bass he's playing guitar he's singing i mean that is pretty damn incredible so i have to say well, i'm going to start by apologizing to wolf for, for badgering him uh, for for not putting out the album uh, we we are not wolf haters by any means we've always been supportive of him but we were just looking for the album looking for the album once you hear from him you know why the album was delayed. right he very much explains and that's totally understandable one thing that came across in these interviews is he really is a very sharp centered, older than his years, matured young man. Well, yeah, he's very level-headed. Yes. Very grounded. Very grounded. I mean, gets full credit to his mom. Oh, yes. For Mm -hmm. trying to give him, you know, as normal life Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. as they could. Yep, yep. You know, being the child of two very famous people, that's obviously not easy. But, yeah, you can tell that this guy is, you know, he's not out there or yeah. or anything like that. He described himself as an introvert. He also described himself as being sort of, he's, he's a quieter guy, even when speaking. He's very sort of low-key and quiet, and he's very calm, you know, which is interesting, yeah. you know. Yeah. So that's that's nice. So anyway, he started his whole week-long whirlwind at the Howard Stern Show. So, I mean, who did better to do the interview than Howard? Howard is a huge Van Halen fan. He knows Eddie. He's interviewed Eddie multiple times. No, I think it was only once he interviewed Eddie. No, well, he has no multiple times. Through the years, he interviewed Ed in 98 when he did the whole Van Halen 3 when he came in oh, the studio. Oh, right, but Ed would call it. Ed right. would no. call it. Oh, no, was that Howard or was that somebody else? No, that was, would, no that was somebody else as well, but also Howard. He would call in, and oh, okay. Howard noted he'd have private conversations with Ed, meaning like oh, Ed okay. would call okay. him and he would okay. talk to him when he was going through his cancer treatments and stuff. So he was involved 
with Ed, and he was such a fan. Look, Howard's amazing. Howard has a way of making people feel comfortable and opening up in these interviews. So just to start off, okay, so what we're going to do is he went on the Howard Stern show. He also went on the Eddie Trunk show, two very different interviews, and I think they were both excellent but in different ways. What Dave and I are going to do here is he did so many interviews, we can't just go over like every single thing from every interview, but we've sort of culminated the highlights of what we learned from Wolf. Basically, from these interviews, what have we taken away from this whole thing? So when he went on the Stern Show, just to start off, you know, Howard, being the sensitive guy that he is, said, you know, how are you feeling? <laughs> you know, it makes me laugh. He is, though. He's very fun. sensitive now. I I know. In his older yeah. years. It's hard to believe, but he is. So he, he just said, how are you doing? What's going on? And he said, he basically came out and just said, I'm awful. I'm terrible. And he said, some days are better than others. The pain is always there. You just have to figure out a way to carry it better as time goes on. And it's so clear that he was so close with his dad. He called them best friends. He said that he really was best friends with his dad. And he said that because he's so close, it, it's sort of a gift and a curse. But there's humor here. There's sensitivity here. He said that his dad was the worst guitar teacher, which I thought was kind of funny because you figure, Eddie, oh, my God, he's the most amazing guitarist. He said he would show him a thing. He goes, well, just do this. And he's like, well, fuck you. You're Eddie Van Halen. How the hell do I do that? You know, he was talking about stuff like that, right. which is kind great of, player, not a great teacher. Right, exactly, which is funny. But his father wanted to make sure that his son could keep a beat. And he uses magazines on a table to show him, like, I guess the beat for Highway to hell by ACDC and he was all excited that the kid was musical and obviously Wolf is incredibly musical so he got that from his dad for sure. In terms of the criticism, Howard asked him about the criticism he faced over the years meaning obviously replacing Michael Anthony in a long-standing rock and roll band he says it was never what I focused on when I joined the band I was there for dad because he wouldn't have been there any other way if I wasn't there to keep him going. So it was very clear and we have always said this, that Wolf was very key in the whole Van Halen reunion from 2007 onward, for sure. That was very, very highlighted throughout all of these interviews. And he basically said that his support system is his Uncle Patrick, which is his mom's brother, his mom and his girlfriend Andrea. Him and his girlfriend met through Instagram online, and they are together five years. Her name is Andrea. I think she works in, like, tech software or something like that. So he's very close to them. One thing that frustrated Howard was, you know, obviously Eddie was a big smoker, right? We all know that. So, But the fact that Eddie, remember you kept talking about that tongue cancer with the, the metal pick and the whole thing. Surprisingly, Wolf said, for the tongue cancer he got, it is certainly feasible because he used to hold his pick in the same spot that he got the exact area he got cut out of his tongue. And it's way more possible than, than I can certainly believe, if you can believe it or not. He also talked about being on the road with Van Halen in 2007. He was in 11th grade. And he said in between sets and sound checks and stuff like that, before and after, he would have to do tutoring work. If you can believe that, which is sort of interesting. And then he did go back to school for his senior year after the Van Halen reunion tour 2007-2008. He says, I at least have to get my high school education. I guess that was something that his mom wanted for him to have, you know, for sure. You know what I mean? Right, right. And, and the other interesting thing that he had said about the tongue cancer thing is that 
it hadn't been reported as tongue cancer. Right. I, right. I think he said it had been reported as like throat cancer. Or right. Right. Like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so people always be like, well, how did you get like throat cancer from a pick? And it wasn't like at that time. Right. It wasn't throat cancer. Right. It was. So I see where Wolf is going, where it's, it might be more directly related to the pick than anyone sure, might know. Sure. He didn't discount it at all as like, yeah, no, my, my dad was just flat out wrong and crazy. So. Right. That was interesting. Interesting. Also, he talked about how he was ready to go with his album and his band at the end of 2018, but because of his father's failing health, he decided to hold off. And he says, do I want to go on tour for an 18-month cycle or be with my dad? And he says, I think I made the right choice. He told Rolling Stone, I feel like it couldn't have gone any more smoothly, meaning the ending situation, he says, although as horrible as it was, I was able to spend every single second with him. I was holding his hand the entire time for such a shitty worst moment of my entire life. It was very peaceful. So I guess when Eddie passed, he, he passed in a very peaceful manner, which is, I mean, I guess comforting in some way, obviously, but he did talk about the intensity that his father went through health-wise, which was just unbelievable and beyond what we even knew. It really was intense, some of his health situations that Howard got into, all kinds of stuff here. He said things started getting really bad after his birthday in 2019. And he said that he got into a motorcycle accident and they found out he had a brain tumor and that he had a gamma knife radiation procedure. But he says as time went on, things started to stack up. He said he was diagnosed with stage four lung cancer and the doctors told him he had six weeks to live. But then he went to Germany and got some sort of miraculous treatment, which actually gave him three more years, which he was thankful for. Lots of stuff we didn't know about there. Just to show you how private this family was. It was just unbelievably intense. And he talked about, you know, Howard had that letter that Sammy wrote on the show when he talked about reconciling with Eddie. Throughout this whole press tour process, he was very quiet about Hagar. He didn't say much about Hagar. You notice that, Dave? Yeah, but he didn't say much about Dave either. Or yeah, it was interesting. Well, he did talk he about didn't, Dave. He didn't say much about. I mean, I mean, he was pretty emphatic. That like, you know, the music is his. He's doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. Like, he really didn't dwell too much on Van Halen, other than to say, you know, the band is done. Well, no, he got into a whole bunch of stuff. I'll get into it. But he said that they were talking and texting the last couple months, which was nice, and he was happy to see that. He said his mom did a fantastic job giving me a grounded childhood and that the fame of his parents were never in the forefront of his mind, which is interesting. I mean, his parents are super famous, but, you know, for some reason, he was able to maintain that regular guyness. You know what I'm saying? He told Rolling Stone that his mom is the reason I am the person I am today. She really did everything. He got into the whole thing about his dad and him used to really jam out to ACDC. They were big fans of the album Powerage, which is fantastic. It's my, my favorite ACDC album. I love that album because that was their band. They loved ACDC so much. When he talked about his song distance, he said that 
it was a song about loss overall, and that writing music is a great way of, of getting those emotions out so they don't sit in your head forever. It's nice to get those feelings realized. When they asked him if he played the song for Head, he said he played it for him, and he said they just cried together. It was hard to sing through and play through, but it really did connect with him. But he didn't know it was about him, but he loved the song anyway, and that his father would always say is the best album he's ever heard. He was very proud of his son, obviously. And Howard got into going back to when he first got into the band. So he talked about joining the band, and he says the first thing they did was play the song On Fire which is kind of interesting. Of all things, he decided to, to start with that one. Toll Rolling Stone, he says, it felt right to be playing with Al and Dad. The three of us just kind of melded together musically in a way I'll never experience for the rest of my life. Obviously, there's an instant connection there. He said they jammed for months with no goal in mind. And then it reached a point where it was like, this could actually go somewhere. He says, then I brought up the idea of calling Roth. And he actually said that at age 14, he picked up the phone and called David Lee Ross' manager. What do you make of that? So it's true. Yep. That's crazy. Yep. I think it's because, honestly, nobody else in the band wanted to talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) And I think Ed was just like, you want him in the band? You call him. So Wolf was like, all right. I wonder oh, if I will. I wonder. You know, and, uh, I wonder if Eddie even thought he'd do it. That, yeah, he was the guy. This fourteen-year-old kid is reforming Van Halen. It's right? unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing. And so, he did it. Yep, he did it. And let me tell you something. This kid did a lot. The, all these interviews prove that everything we got over the past thirteen years is all because of him. The set lists, the albums, the tours. It's all because of him, really. And then he says that Roth came in in December of 2005. It was that long before. I mean, the tour started in 2007, but they actually got together in December of 2005. And they, he says they played on fire. And he says it was really, really good. While he was on tour with them, he said most of the time he was either tutoring or playing video games on the bus. When Howard asked him about Al, he was kind of tight-lipped about Al. He didn't have a lot to say, but he says that they do check in with each other every day just to say, hey, love you, if you need anything, call. But he hasn't spoken to Sam, and he hasn't spoken to Dave, but Gary has reached out. When Howard asked him about Michael Anthony, he asked if there was any reconciliation with Michael Anthony because of the rift between him and Ed. He says, not directly, but it was kind of in the process. He says, if Dad was still here, it would have been happening. And he said when when he first joined the band, he couldn't blame anybody for having a cynical response. What the fuck are they doing? That kid, are you serious? And he says, people never believed I was playing or singing. It was the ultimate compliment. And then he told Rolling Stone that he was ready to retire from Van Halen pretty much because he was talking about this kitchen sink tour. He had suggested bringing Mike back into the band for the 2019 reunion that we all heard about this stadium tour him and his dad called it the kitchen sink tour this was all wolf's idea the whole damn thing was wolf's idea which is unbelievable so what he said was he actually sold his father on this idea which is unbelievable to me if you ask it he said dad just hear me out and he says what if we got everybody together and went on tour meaning like we'll bring mike back in the band you'll have dave and sam to play with we'll even bring gary and then i'll open for the show 
initially, you know, Ed kept saying, well, you have to be there, too. You have to be there, too. And he says, I'll come on for a few songs from a different kind of truth. But he says, as time went on, he warmed up to the idea. He got excited about it. We were joking at calling the Kitchen Sink Tour. He says, after he was okay with that arrangement, he said, let's get Dave and Hagar and Sharon and do a giant awesome thing. We talked to Irving Azoff about how cool it would be. And Irving then went out and reached out to Mike before I had the chance to. We wanted me to do that, but by that time, Dad wasn't able to. So I guess he wanted to sort of mend that fence by extending that offer to Mike himself. And then Irving jumped the gun and went and reached out to Mike before that even happened. Most likely, he was trying to book dates and get things going. Irving, once he smells money. Oh, forget it. Can't wait. He can't. He can't wait. He can't cannot. Wait. He cannot Although, wait. really, I can't blame him because with this group, you want to get going while the fire is hot. Yeah. with this band, they could change their mind tomorrow. Right. But when Rolling Stone asked him if he ever had a personal conversation with Mike, he says, I've never had too much of an opportunity. That's kind of what the whole tour was supposed to be. And then it never panned out. And I'm looking forward to speaking with him. And it hasn't happened yet. But I'm looking forward to the opportunity that I have in the future to speak with him. So he's planning on reaching out to Mike despite of what happened. And then Rolling Stone asked him if there's any hard feelings. Is I mean, I don't think there are. I've seen things he said and he's always been an amazing guy so but he also said playing with his father was the best thing and his favorite thing he ever did but obviously things weren't going to happen because ed wasn't well and that whole kind of tour fell to pieces and howard went all over the place and he was talking about all kinds of stuff so he said in terms of playlist he says when they initially got together with just the three of them al and ed and wolf they were playing both Hagar and Roth era songs. And what Wolf had done was made a big chalkboard of all the different songs they were doing. And when Dave finally showed up, he said, Dave looked up at the playlist and says, what's Get Up? And he said, whoops. <laughs> so I guess he forgot to erase the Hagar songs. Right. Roth was like, don't know that one. Right, exactly. So he also talked about his father's alcoholism, where he was saying he was the most anxious person, who, and that's why he drank, because he would use the alcohol to hide his anxiety. But when he was sober, it took me to focus him and harness his anxious energy. But he also says that he does not smoke weed or drink or do any of that stuff. He says that his mom did a really good job of hiding all the bad shit from me. It wasn't until I was in the band that everything was very real. And then I realized, oh, yeah, this is an issue. So obviously that was, you know, pretty good. And he says he was the one who got Eddie into rehab. He said that Eddie went willing and said, yeah, okay, that he was okay with going. And he told Rolling Stone, he says he was like, fuck yeah, whatever we got to do. Wolf said that I had to mature very quickly in order to handle everything that was being thrown at me early on in my life. So obviously once he joined the band, he really had a rude awakening of what was happening. He also got into the music fault. Now, this is what everybody wants to talk about. So he says there's a shit ton of tapes that will take a very long time to grow through, but it's not a priority now. He says he can't put a timeline on it, but not in the immediate future. But now when he heard the the Irving Azoff story, he didn't mention Irving's name, but when they were like, oh, Wolf's up there looking through the tapes, and he says, where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> 
which I thought was interesting considering the situation. He says that if he took his time and spent his time going through his father's tapes, he says, my dad would be pissed off at me. He says, go do your shit. Don't go through my old shit. Go do your new shit. But he says, mark my words, there will be a time when we go through it. Just not right now and not in the foreseeable future. When he spoke to Spin, Dave, this comment is going to knock your socks off. Wait till you hear this comment. I almost died. <laughs> What he, what he said this is unbelievable. Oh, my God. So he said, uh, talking about the vault, he says, this might hurt Van Halen fans, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was a decade until we dive into the vaults because it's going to be a long process. Yeah, that's that's tough to hear. That's really tough. So good yeah, like, night, like nurse. He's not diving, like, if he's not going to dive in no. until a decade from now. Yeah, yeah, good night. And that means at least another couple of years before something comes out. I mean... Everybody's gone. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's almost too late. Like, where's your audience? Well, that's the thing is that... Like, come on, man. You can't... Like, I get you don't want to dive into it right No, no, no. I don't think he should. I think the bottom line is... Listen, not telling the guy what to do. I understand it's emotional. He doesn't want to deal with it. I think what has to happen is Alex really has to take the reins and maybe, you know, hire some people to work on a team or something. In the Eddie Trunk interview, this is what he says on Eddie Trunk. He got very specific about the vaults on Eddie Trunk. He got crazy. So he went into all kinds of stuff here. He says it's going to take... An unbelievable amount of time to go through it, and it's not a priority. He says they're going to need a special oven to bake the tapes to remove the audio off of it and digitize it. He says to go through everything in there, it would take a solid year of working five days a week. We will go through the vault at some point, but don't hold your breath. He says there's infinite amount of tapes that will take infinite amount of time to go through, and we want to do it right. And I'd have to have Al there with me to ask, do you remember what this was called? It just says song number two. It's going to take a really long time. And he also said, listen, I'm sure it's good, but there's a reason it's still in there. All the good shit came out. Of course, knowing my dad, there has to be amazing shit in there. But he recorded what he wanted for a reason. So he talked about his band. And he said that he has a band. And the band consists of drummer Garrett Wetlock from Tremonti, guitarist Frank Sidoris from Slash's conspirators and bassist Ronnie Ficaro from Falling in Reverse and I Am Ghost. He says that they've been rehearsing since late 2018 and Ed saw them play and really loved the band. Now one of the tracks that he leaked to Howard was a song called You're to Blame and here's a clip. So this song is way more rock attack oriented. So this sounds fantastic. I happen to love both songs, but wow, talk about the song variants on on the two tracks, Dave. What did you make of that? That song was rocking. Yeah. Really, again, well done, well executed. The singing, phenomenal. You know, background vocals on both songs used really well. And uh, to me, it almost had a little bit of a Tony Iommi vibe mm. going on with yep. the riff there. Oh, totally. But again, like really well done, well executed. And I mean, the whole album is like that. I'm oh, more wow. curious 
than ever. Oh, yeah. No, that, that song was incredibly promising. Distance was great. Now, apparently, according to his interview with Elvis in the morning, okay, he addressed that Distance is not on the album. This is a separate song. He says it wasn't even supposed to be on the first album. This is an idea he was holding for later, was considering it. It's sort of a separate outlier from the album. The album is going to be released, although he wouldn't give a name of the album. He is going to be releasing it, he said, spring-ish. Eddie Trunk started saying, whoa, I heard February, and he says, eh, like, he says, you know, like later than that, more like probably like April or May or early June, somewhere in that vicinity, he's going to be releasing it. So we'll have to see. But what he's doing with the single of Distance is he's giving all the proceeds that he makes from it to the Mr. Holland's Opus Foundation, which is an organization that helps underprivileged children get musical instruments. It was a relationship that Eddie started. He used to give them guitars and help them out. And so he wants to foster and continue that organization. So, Right. I think it helps give kids instruments so they can play music in school. Yes, right? in schools. Yes, of course. So underprivileged kids, instruments are expensive, and Mr. Holland's office helps out with that. He had said that, and he wants to continue with that going forward. And he, Now, he also said that distance is the closest thing that the public is going to get as a farewell to Eddie because it's not going to be some sort of official funeral. He And he was very cagey about what the details were. He says that the family has gathered, but yet to have an official event. He also said he basically can't make it through the video without crying, that it's very overwhelming for him and that it's hard for him to get through, and that Ed's favorite song on the album was Think It Over, which is a more poppier tune. That, But Ed has heard the whole album and has been listening to it since he finished it. He was obviously very pleased. and he, So he had seen the band. He had heard the album. So Ed was very much in the know. He was very excited about that. He also noted that he will be moving forward with EVH gear, and he will be partnering with Matt Brock, which was Eddie's tech, and they are going to run it together. When they asked him what he'd like to put out, he was thinking about putting out his Wolfgang bass and, and calling it the Ed, because Ed always named his gear after Wolfgang, which is kind of funny. He also addressed the situation about him replacing his father in Van Halen, and he was not happy about that whole rumor he says that's fucking stupid you can't have van halen without eddie van halen i'm not my dad i'm not going to replace him i've spent my life making sure i'm not like him i'm my own person he says fans want to see the music continue but some things just suck and this is one of those things he he didn't rule out a tribute show or archival releases he says that'll all happen somewhere down the line but he says as for van halen it's done you can't have it without him. I don't have a dad anymore, and I'm coming to terms with that. And I think the fans can figure out how to deal with the fact that they are not going to have Van Halen anymore. The music will live on forever, but you can't continue without Eddie Van Halen. And then the interesting thing was he named his band Mammoth WVH. Now, I think he did that because his name is Van Halen, and I think he wanted to get away from the Van Halen part. And Mammoth still kind of ties him because obviously Mammoth, everybody knows who listens to this podcast, is Mammoth was the former name of Van Halen before they had to change it because there was another band by the name of Mammoth at that time. But he's calling it Mammoth WVH. And in fact, 
he actually went to his father and requested permission to use that name, if you can believe that. So his father even knew about that. He told Elliot in the morning, he says, I was a little nervous to ask him, but I wanted his permission. He said, absolutely, that was awesome. And he was super stoked about that whole idea. In terms of the rest of the Stern interview, he talked about playing B-Sides live. So he was the one who kept pushing all the different B-Sides into the live set, like Women in Love or Drop Dead Legs or Dirty Movies. He kept telling his dad, you've played all these other so let's bring out some fun stuff. So he really kept pushing his dad to bring out all those album tracks. And he says he was going wild by the time they did the 2015 tour. And if you look at those set lists, they really had some great stuff in there. And that was all due to Wolf, believe it or not. Man, thank goodness for that. It's nice to have a fan in the band. Exactly. What exactly. People want to hear. Totally. And now he talks about his father's legacy. He says, between Hendrix and my dad, I don't think there can be or will be anybody ever again who will have the impact that either of those players had on the scene. There's no one like him. He says, well, granted, I'm biased. And he also said that he had a love for the guitar, but I'm sure my mom would tell you it didn't compare with the love he had for me, which was very sweet. One thing that came across in every interview, in all of them, was the warmth warmth that he had between his dad. He was obviously very, very tight with his father. Now, when he went on Trunk, Trunk came out and he was very detailed about asking different questions from Howard. So he talked about how Van Halen was very, very clamshelled. They didn't talk to the media. And he says that when he asked Wolf why, Wolf said they only talked when they had to or when it mattered, like when they were going on tour, releasing an album. His dad was a very private person, and so was Al. So when it came to PR stuff, dad was never one in control. He just wanted to play music. And it was, let's only talk when we need to. And he says that they weren't into social media, but they like to keep things private. But in terms of his illness, when Eddie asked him about the illness, like, why wouldn't you kind of clue fans in on what was going on? He says, it wasn't a thought in his dad's mind. It was all about living in the moment. He was very private. All that mattered to him was family and trying to fight through this. So now, obviously, you know, here we are as fans, like, wanting all this stuff. And this guy was obviously struggling. He he really called it like 10 years of struggling, which is just brutal to hear. I mean, obviously, Eddie was going through so much and more than he ever let on. And he said here, this quote was unbelievable from Wolf. He says, I know people are desperate for content, but when you look back on it, considering everything that was going on, the fact that Van Halen, since 2007, toured three times, put out an album of original material and a live album, is pretty fucking incredible. He's obviously saying that considering the situation and Ed's health. So that was very grounding to hear that. That was really, really intense. Yeah. Really yeah. intense. And you talked about going to the Tool concert and like that guy having Ed take that photo of him instead of getting a photo with Ed, which is kind of funny. And he, he got a real kick out of that. And he said Ed went to the Tool concert and he, he got really blown away by Justin Chancellor, who was the bass player for Tool. He says, fuck, that bass player was the shit. He thought it was amazing. But he did say he nodded out a little bit during some of the concert because he usually goes to bed early. And he said that he really wasn't into a lot of new music. So that whole joke he said about... Peter Gabriel's So was the last new album he bought. He says that wasn't a joke. Like, he said he really loved that album and that it was definitely, you know, one that was his favorite. And, in fact, he noted when he talked to Forbes about the Peter Gabriel album, he addressed it. He says, 
One song I can't listen to right now is Red Rain by Peter Gabriel. It reminds me so much of my father that it just makes me think of him. I don't really listen to that album solo by Peter Gabriel because it just hurts too much because it reminds him of his dad because his dad loved that album so much, which is interesting to hear. That wasn't a PR line that Eddie gave out, I guess. He says the only new music he was really stoked on was my music. He says he would listen to it and cry out of being so proud and happy. He said, that's my favorite album of all time. So when he was little... He says his mom would take him to go see his dad, and when his dad would do a solo, this is probably around figure like the balance tour, okay? He said he would see his dad alone on stage, and he would fight his mom and fight free and run out onto the stage to see his dad. And then he said he would turn and see all the people, and he would be like, who are all these people? He says that's when he realized that a lot of people are there to see his dad, and obviously he's pretty good at what he's doing. Kind of like that's when he realized his dad was famous. He also recorded his album at three different studios. He recorded it at 5150, NRG Studios in Burbank, and Elvis Basquette Studios. That's Elvis Basquette's his producer of his album. He says he has 28 songs, but they're not all finished, but the album is finished. So that's ready to go. Didn't he also do some recording in his home studio? Yeah, I think he did. He might have done some like drum tracks or something like that. Yeah, he did. Something. I thought he did like like some vocals. Oh, or maybe he did like some vocals. That. Yeah, in the home studio. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Eddie asked him if he used his father's gear, and he says it's important for me not to emulate his sound and to find my own. He said some fans can get really excited about possibilities, but also not think about how that would work and how we would feel about it. I understand how much they love the Van Halen music, but sometimes that's kind of a dumb idea. Meaning like him going and redoing. Van Halen. And he says when he was in VH that he did his best to sing his ass off because Mike was amazing and he had to cover that shit. He said it was like going to the school of hard knocks because he took a lot of work to pull that off. When he was in Tremonti, he said that was sort of an accident that he went into Tremonti. He was on two Tremonti albums and he did some tours. He said he, he happened to be in New Jersey. He was hanging out with Morgan from Seven Dust and he had his gear with him and they needed a bass player and they called him up and he went down there and in 24 hours he had to learn the set and they had a gig in Rhode Island. He says, I was terrified, but I was learning how to play it as I was going and it was a blast. He said it was fun to feel all that energy. Now, Trunk asked him if when he goes in concert, if he'll do any Van Halen songs and he said, absolutely not. He says, I want to be different. I, I wouldn't just come out and play Talk About Love. He goes, if I did anything, I'd do like a cool acoustic version of Little Guitars or something different, but I refuse to tread the same ground as my dad. I need to forge my own path. I'm not going to put out a Van Halen cover album or anything, but I do have happened to do something to be under those contexts. So he said his set will consist of all original songs live. When Ed asked him why there was so little music coming out over the years, he says, as you get older you start to care about different things. The spark wasn't there as much until we got together and did a different kind of truth. Sometimes the fire gets a little dark and you need to throw a log on there. And maybe I was that log for him. And he was dialed down a little, but he never stopped creating. And music was always important for him. But health things became a big deal over the past 10 years. He dealt with cancer, diverticulitis. He had surgery on his colon. He had back issues. I mean, this guy was really in trouble. So he had a lot of stuff that he hid from all the fans. He says stuff started to pile up, and that creative flow was impacted so many times. So that was really, really intense, for sure. 
And then when Ed started getting into a different kind of truth a little bit, he says the way that whole thing started was they started working on some old songs. So when he talked about, you know, going back into the vaults and stuff like that, he says, really, in a way, that's kind of what you got with a different kind of truth. He says, we did pop in and look in the vault and see what are some old songs that never became fully realized. He goes, that's why a bunch of them stem from older ideas. I wanted to put uh, everybody in the headspace of where they were doing back then. He says, Dad was writing music differently than he was back then. He says Van Halen 3 was very different from everything else. Fans are always like, we've got to have another one from the six-pack. Come on, we need the classic stuff. But that wasn't his brain space anymore. You can't force that train of thought out there, but you're not going to get that. He says you're going to get where he is now. And that's what I thought it was important to go back and take a look at what was in there. So he was trying to, I guess, help facilitate the band sort of get into that mode again. You know, Eddie said that he felt like the album was very underrated. He came out and said, I would have done things differently with that album. I think She's the Woman should have been the single, he says, but I was not in charge. When asked about his favorite Van Halen albums, he says, in the Roth era, it's Fair Warning in 1984, and in the Hagar era, it's For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge and Balance. But he says he loves them all. Now, getting into, you know, really small details, Eddie asked him about videos in the vault. He says, I have no idea. I know a big thing for the fans is that Oakland 1981 show. I did ask my dad about it. What he told me was this. What was out there was recorded. It wasn't a full show. It was just those songs for a promo. That's what he said. I don't know how you can argue with that. He says, I hope to dig in and find some old video footage. That would be amazing. But from what I've seen, it's just all old tape. But maybe there's a separate vault that I never heard of. And I think that's kind of what Brian Kehu was talking about. But he didn't see any videotape either, Dave. So I don't know. But it seems to be that that Oakland show is really just those three promos. Yeah, and I, I seem to have read somewhere, too, that somewhere along the line, like, Mike got interviewed in the past and said the same thing. Oh, really? Yeah, so unless the band is mistaken, it sounds like, at least like the video for the Oakland show was just those three. Somebody had asked the question, well, that doesn't mean the audio wasn't recorded. It's like, okay, well, maybe that's true. But I don't think they were separately recording the audio for the show and video for just those three videos. So I think, unless we're all completely wrong, it, it sounds like we're not going to see Oakland 81, the complete show. Yeah, sadly, I, don't, I don't. Unfortunately. I don't think so. I don't think so. Also, he talked about a different kind of truth. He says the first tracks they did were Bullethead, She's the Woman, and a song called Let's Get Rockin', which will eventually become Out of Space. He told Rolling Stone this. It was never very easy to get anything done in the Van Halen camp. Everybody's very particular. So I was really happy that we actually made the album. So he's telling you right there, like, you get what you get and you don't get upset. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, pretty much. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad that Wolf was able to get Ed and Al and Dave in, in that headspace, in that oh, totally. Van Halen mm -hmm. headspace. Because I got to imagine it's kind of tough to get the band to go back to that kind of vibe. Oh, totally. When they're... Right? When they're not there now. Yeah. So the fact that he was able to do that, again, speaks volumes for Wolf that the band was listening to him, was taking him seriously. Right. And was able to put out, like you and I say, like a really decent album. It's oh, their yeah. last album and a really good one to say goodbye to the band with. 
Yeah. Certainly better than Van Halen 3. Oh, yeah. Know, at well, least, or the three new songs from the Best of Both Worlds compilation. Right. So at least we got something at the least that was worthwhile. Totally. And at the most is very underrated. I got to be honest with you. I mean, that whole thing is beyond me. I do not understand how, if you're a fan of Van Halen, how you're not all over that album. I don't understand that at all. I think it's right in the vein of what fans would want. But, you know, like everything in life is timing. And he talked about the release of A Different Kind of Truth. He, so he said that they would have had a number one album, but he says it was very important for Dave to play Madison Square Garden, which is his favorite place, and it caused us to push back or push forward the album's release date. A Different Kind of Truth was released at the same time as Adele's album, and therefore we ended up with a number two with numbers that would have made us number one had it not been Grammy week. Which I thought that was kind of interesting, right? I mean, I don't know. But, like, to me, though, what's the difference? The album goes number one, number two. I mean, like, it doesn't really matter. Well, it's well, it's bragging rights. You get to say it's a number one album. Yeah, I know. And it's kind of like, yeah, we would have had a number one album, but, you know, Dave had to play the garden, so we had to push the album. Yeah, so. I mean, whatever. <laughs> whatever. When I heard that, I was like, well, that doesn't surprise me at all. But, you know, there's lots of ego in that band. You know, you got you to gotta balance everything. Oh, totally. Now, Trunk asked him about Alex Van Halen, and he said, do you think your Uncle Al will ever play drums again? And he said, he'll always be playing drums. I'm not sure in what capacity, because I can't speak for him. He's doing as well as he could. We talk every day, like I said before, morning and night. But he said he's even more private than my dad. He says, if anything, he'd be the custodian of the vaults and stuff, and I'd be the junior custodian, because Dad felt it was important that both of us carry on the legacy and that everything goes as smoothly as possible. And when Trunk asked him, was your father's wishes made very clear? Like, you know, did he kind of make a decision? He says, yes, it was. And he also said, I guess, that he has his father's whole arsenal of guitars. But one thing he didn't talk about was... He didn't talk about Janie at all, and he didn't talk about, like, 5150. Like, what happens to the studio? Like, does he own 5150 now? I can't imagine they're giving that up, especially if they're going to be doing EVH gear and Matt Brock and all that stuff. And Yeah, but I know Janie has not been, like, brought up much. I know a lot of the, the you know, the press focus has been on Val because right. he's better known. Right, right. But, you know, then again, I guess, it sounds like Janie's pretty private, too. And really, when you're grieving, do you really want the press looking at you anyway? So the fact she's not brought up much is, is not necessarily a bad thing. Different people grieve differently. It's tough. You know, people have either lost a husband, a brother, a father, a friend. It, you know, it was cancer. It's a horrible thing to watch somebody go through. So, you know, you just got to give everybody their own space and, and, and have them figure it out their own way. He also talked about, on the Today Show, about the single coming out so soon, you know, like after his father's death. He says, and are people going to think that he's taking advantage of the moment? He says, this is an honest tribute to my father. And he talked about obviously not making any money and this and that, but he really did this for Ed. And he says, well, Van Halen is my last name. I'm not trying to be my dad. And that it, he says that his dad would want him to keep moving forward because he knows that was his wishes. So for sure. 
he said that his album will be diverse. It won't be haphazard, he says, but it'll have incredible diversity, something for everyone. And he says that it does feel right. He says the clips for the video came from his mom and his uncle Patrick. They, they kind of put it together and they gave it to an editor and, and he put it all together for them. He said he walked in with the video and his mom, he didn't even show it to his mom and she started crying. And when they asked him what his favorite clips were from the video, he said that it was the one where his dad and him were playing with his childhood dog Sherman the Dalmatian and also when his dad kind of like put him in his sweatshirt and he had his head and he was like walking on his feet so it was just kind of cute little moments there and obviously the voicemail at the end he addressed that if anybody has heard that voicemail at the end of Ed is, is unbelievable you can hear obviously Ed is not in great shape and he's calling and talking to his son and telling him he loves him and he just wants to hear his voice to call him back and he said it when everything happened I went through all my voicemails. I had 30 voicemails from him on my phone and people asked me, was it a special occasion for him to be talking to you like that? There was no special occasion. He was just a loving and caring dad. I knew how proud he was of me and how much he loved me. So that was very sweet for sure. So out of all of this, you wonder about like, where's David Lee Roth and all this? So he, a few people asked him about Roth and there were some interesting answers here that I wanted to string together here just right at the end. So Kid Chris asked him, do you ever want to just tell Dave to shut up? He said, not really. That's a question that everybody wants yeah, exactly. answered. <laughs> exactly. He says, not really. I just let him talk. It's part of his charm, and he is hilarious. That's what he told Kid Chris. Now, when he spoke to Rolling Stone, when they asked him, how much of an ongoing relationship do you have with David Lee Roth? He says, not much. We're cordial, but it was very business-related. You know, oh, we're always cool, but we really only ever saw each other on stage. That's really telling, if you ask me. You know, that's for sure. Well, that doesn't surprise me, because I think that was the business relationship with the rest of the band as well. I mean, Dave had a separate dressing room that was on the other side of the building from the Van Halen brand. I know. So what does that tell you, I right? Know. I think that's Irving's doings to keep things going. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. with, with that in mind, I guess I'm not really surprised that, like, you know, Dave wasn't involved, though, invited over for dinner on Thursday <laughs> night. Right, right, right. Exactly. Now, also interesting is apparently on the last show that Van Halen ever played, which is that Hollywood Bowl show on the 4th of October 2015, this was crazy. So apparently one of Dave's pet peeves in concert were beach balls, right? It's so silly. You know how they bounce around a beach ball at a concert, right? So apparently this used to drive him crazy. And what he would do is at every show, he'd ask for the beach ball, bring it on stage and pop it. Like almost like he was like, you know, I guess the beach ball Nazi. He was just sort of killing all the fun that people were having with the beach ball. So in order to break his balls, what the tour manager did, this is a story that Wolf told Spin. He said the tour manager came up to his dad and him and says, we have a surprise for you guys at the end of the show. At the end, when they play Jump, they release 50 beach balls into the crowd to piss Dave off. And he says Dave was just short-circuiting. He couldn't understand what was happening and he couldn't handle it, but we all laughed it off. And he says it's exactly what my dad would have wanted. <laughs> that... It's funny. Is that a step? It is. It's the last show of the tour. Like, what are you going to do? Last right? show ever. So, last show ever. You know? It's just surprising. Like, that's the thing that gets to him, though. Beach balls. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it's a, it's such a common thing, right? Right. Like, you wonder, like, why? 
Yeah, and I, this is another thing, so I'm just going to end with this, is when they asked him about all the Internet trolls, right, he says, I know specifically where to look for the real shit about me, like the super dedicated diehard Van Halen message boards and stuff. And this is what he told <laughs> Forbes magazine. And he says, I even just popped on to look in there, and they're being nice to me. I can't believe it. Even the mean shit is nice to me now, which is kind of funny, I thought, because I know a lot of people. It's, it's true. <laughs> is that true? It's so funny, right? It's true. Well, it's listen, true. good is good, right? I mean, when you put out right. quality yes. and uh, yes. cream of the crop rises to the top, and, and look, he delivered. He put out an incredible video. He put out an incredible song. The sneak preview to his other track, You're to Blame, is insane. Insane. That song is unbelievable. I wonder if that is going to be his lead single. That riff grabs you right away, and it's really slamming. So, and you know, what? I, and I got to tell you, I am just really amazed and shocked at how well Distance is doing. It's a, it was at the I mean, top not of the charts, not because of the quality of the song, right? But I'm just really surprised. You know, it was number one on iTunes. Yep. Overall, days in a overall, row. yeah. On YouTube, it's got more than two and a half million views. I mean, if you had told me that it was going to do this well, oh my god, I would have laughed and would have bet any amount of money. Yep, that you'd be wrong. Yep, and I am so happy for Wolf that I was completely wrong. Oh, <laughs> totally. Of expectations yeah. of popularity, unbelievable, right? But the guy is knocking it out of the park. I mean, good for him. Wow. I'm surprised at how well it's catching on. Kudos to Wolf for making a really good song, making a really good video. Kudos to his record company and his PR oh my God. for maximizing everything that they've done in yeah. terms of exposure yeah. and pulling it all together, but not making it like this cheese fest. Oh, let me tell you, like, this oh, could have well, gone you know, south Ed very easy. Yet, and we're releasing new music for Wolf. But it's not coming across that way. Well, because it's not that way. Wolf released a tribute to his dad. He wanted everyone to know he's giving all the money to charity. The song wasn't even going to be on his first album and why he's doing it this way. This is Wolf's way of grieving. This is Wolf's tribute to his dad. Now, uh, the record company isn't dumb. They're obviously going to say, okay, well, that's great but let's make sure people know who it's by and who you are and that you have an album coming out and let's talk about this with as many people as we can during the week. Yeah. So it wasn't just like, it, it, you know, Wolf could have just like slipped it out, not said a thing, and that would have been that. But they really brought it home and, I mean, started with Howard, hit a lot of major markets for radio sure. and for print and TV. Uh, for, for press, I was going to say written for internet. Yeah. Got Eddie Trunk too. And like you said, like the Stern interview was one kind of interview. The Eddie Trunk interview was a different kind of interview. A lot of the radio and press interviews were kind of similar to one of those two. Right. Like if you heard the Howard one, you probably heard like two thirds to three quarters of whatever else Wolf was going to say. Correct, correct. But really, everything was well done and well orchestrated. I'm happy for Wolf in, in terms of the song. I mean, obviously, he's had a really tough year, more than oh, a year. Yeah. I mean, it's been a tough year for everybody with COVID. And oh, yeah, but this is like beyond, And with his dad's yeah. help, you know, now, now we understand 
why the album mm-hmm. was getting delayed because you know, and it's just a reminder of you just don't know what's going on in other people's oh, lives. Oh, you just don't so know. You, you just can't just assume know. that like Wolf is you know yeah. sitting there twiddling his thumbs like oh to go to go no right? no so, yeah. so you know shame on us mea culpa because we just <laughs> we didn't, didn't realize that's right that but uh, it's been uh, but we were never Wolf but, haters we would never never no have, no no I'm not saying we were yeah. Wolf haters no, no, no. but but we were certainly like where's the album? when is yeah. this coming out right, you know? right. I mean, oh yeah, yeah yeah we weren't trashing the guy but we were kind of uh-huh. like dude what are you waiting for all uh-huh, right yeah and now we know what he was waiting for right. like you said it was either promote my album or spend time with my dad right or spend time with his dad right so who right. the hell's gonna fault him for that of course not certainly not nobody with no. a heart no to wrap this up he has a quote here when howard said what is the game plan for the album so and now there's no title for the album either i personally think they're just gonna have a self-title that's a guess that's just a guess but he said here and there's a quote from wolf i've got some ideas up my sleeve i have a unique way i plan on releasing the album and i don't want to spoil it but I think it will be a cool way to stave off the COVID shit until we can all get back together again. So let me tell you, if he had this plan and this executed so well, I'm betting on him for this other plan because this one was a dead bullseye. (laughs) So he nailed this one and my God, within days he nailed it. It was beyond, I've never, I've never seen anything like that especially coming from an unknown entity. And let me tell you something, Dave. ACDC released a brand new album, their first in six years of a reunited, and they got outshined by Mammoth WVH. I mean, everybody's talking about Wolf. It's almost like ACDC is in the background. Which is hysterical because he loves ACDC, but that's not the slight ACDC. They put out a great album, but that's not the point. The point is, is that he really grabbed that spotlight and ran with it, which is incredible. To be honest with you, that video and that song is a public memorial for Eddie Van Halen. Interesting oh, enough, it totally is. It totally, it totally is. is. And you know what? Yeah. It's better than a funeral, and it's better than a tribute show, and it's better than all of that because it's Eddie's son tributing his father while also showing a whole other side to his father, which we didn't know about. Not only that, but he gave us all that, and so he's giving us quality music, and he's giving us a peek into his father's personal life, and he's explaining to us what this fucking man went through all of this time, I mean, I didn't know that he got into a motorcycle accident. I didn't know he had diverticulitis. I didn't know he had all these tumors. This is insane. You had back issues. This is on top of the cancer. I mean, my And I find God. it amazing. They were actually able to keep all this Un- Unbelievable. It's marveling, especially in today's world. I mean, you're talking about high-end stuff that gets right on the Internet instantaneously. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think the government should be working with the Van Halen camp because <laughs> they're actually doing a big job. I know, job. right? I think <laughs> Right, yes. Unbelievable. Well, this was incredible. This was a long time coming. Dave and I interrupted our regular flow of what we had planned for this episode, but when we obviously won wanted to address Wolf and congratulations to him. We can't wait for the album. Oh my God, that song You're to Blame is so damn good. It's going to be such an incredible album. We're looking forward to that this coming spring. Maybe he'll do a live virtual stream show or something like that and we'll get something. Maybe he'll go live from 5150. We mentioned that before, but that, that could be a possibility. You never know. But 
We have more to come on this episode, believe it or not. We still have our interview with Sash Jordan. And oh my God, does Sash lay it all out there? She went online and started talking about all these different times she had with Ed and Al back in 1996. She spends four months with them and we interview with her all about it. And that is all coming up next. Take a listen. I think they're going to sum up Van Halen, by the way. I'm going to put my gravestone up, and it's going to say, Here, folks, have one on me. I told you I didn't feel well. Author Greg Renoff is back with a new book, Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life and music. The new biography of the record producer Ted Templeman, who went on to produce Van Halen, the Doobie Brothers, Van Morrison, Aerosmith, Sammy Hagar, and more. The book, which runs 1995... And it's currently available at Amazon.com. From the man who brought you Van Halen Rising comes Ted Templeman, a platinum producer's life and music. Written by Templeman, as told to Greg Renoff. Available for only $19.95 at Amazon.com. Order it today. Need a laugh? Check out the Funny How Comedy Podcast, which focuses on upbeat conversations with legendary comedians. It's free on Spreaker and iTunes. Check us out on Facebook at Funny How Comedy Podcast, on Twitter at Funny How Podcast, on Instagram at Funny How Comedy Podcast, or email us at Funny How Comedy Podcast at gmail.com. Hey, this is John Five, and you're listening to Dave and Dave Unchained. Check out the new podcast, The Rock Quarry, your place to hear in-depth interviews with some of Rock's most colorful characters, with your host, entertainment journalist, David J. Criblay. The Rock Quarry is available for free on Spreaker and iTunes. You can check us out on Facebook at The Rock Quarry Podcast, on Twitter at Rock Quarry Pod, on Instagram at The Rock Quarry Podcast, or email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Van Halen, to a small degree, and myself to a large degree, uh, are primarily motivated by fear and revenge. When we discuss how we felt when Van Halen 1984 went number one, when Jump went number one, and this kind of thing, it was a feeling of satisfaction. Van Halen has always come down to the beach with a sword in one hand and a torch in the other. And we always knew that we were going to get up there someday. And we, and we took the worst possible avenue of getting there. We said, we won't try and accomplish it at all. We'll just lay back. And if God wants it to happen, then it will. We'll make records, we'll tour, we'll dress ourselves up, we'll play for our own satisfaction. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we have an incredible guest today. You know her as the incredible blues singer, blues rock singer, I should say, Sash Jordan, who's got a new album called Rebel Moon Blues, which is a fantastic record. Sash, thank you so much for coming on today. My pleasure, Dave and Dave. (laughs) All right. My name is Dave Sass. Okay, great. Just for today, we'll go with Dave Sass, just for today. And as you can tell, she is full of sass, which is great, and she's always an incredible spirit. So Sass recently posted five different installments on her Facebook page about her work with the Van Halen brothers in 1996. Saz, I wanted to start off by asking you, how did you first hear about Eddie's passing and how did you react? Oh, man, I I was uh, out in the backyard and I got a text message from my friend Michael Devon 
uh, the bass player, Michael Devon, and he said, did you see this? And I was like, are you sure this is true? Are you sure this is real? Because you know that feeling. Of course, we have the same feeling, yep. Oh, the worst. And then I started, you know, so then I, of course, I said, let me check on Twitter, (laughs) you know. The source of all truth. Sure. Ah, not. <laughs> however, however, I but it was just like it was everywhere. And then I saw the thing from Wolfie, and it was like, yeah, okay. It really, really kind of freaked me out, guys. And I haven't seen Ed in years and years. I mean, since like I think it was 2005 or something around there. Right. You know what I mean? It's not like we've been talking to each other either. You know what I mean? It's like it was just very strange. The weirdest thing for me was. Just the thought of Al, because, I mean, they right. they were more like twins than right. like brothers. Yeah. Before. Yeah. I just, I can't even imagine. I just, ugh. Anyways. Yeah. So, it's yeah, a- he's gone, and we have to get over it, just like we have to get over everything else. And right. So we, and it just kind of makes sense in this year, doesn't it? It's like, yeah. I like Ed. Ed's like, yeah, I'm out. See ya. I can understand. I'm like, I fully yeah. agree, my brother. I fully agree. Yeah. Like, Although, at the same time, I think that what's what we're going into, I mean, this is not what we're here to talk about, but I just I just want to say, underneath all the horror and the freaking out and all the partisan and everybody hates everybody and all that shit, yeah. there's a really good vibe. Something big and good is happening. Okay. And I think Ed went to the other side so that he could be part of the, you know, the heavenly band that marches this stuff in, because I'm telling you, there's a... There's some, there's a light at the end of the tunnel, and I don't think it's a train. Okay, <laughs> okay, let's hope not. It's, it sounds great. I think a lot of good music is going to come out from this dark time. I know a lot yeah. of artists yeah. are creating and creating and creating. So, so there's that. That's good to look forward to. So now, what made you write the installments about the Van Halen brothers? You did uh, five different installments on your Facebook page, all incredibly interesting. What brought you to do that? Well, because I was sitting there, I think it was the second night, or it was either the first or the second night after I heard, and I was just, I started having all these memories, you know, I it was, it was intense, and the only way I know how to process stuff like that is to write, either music or, you know, just stories and stuff like that, and I just started writing and then I thought you know what I bet there's somebody out there who'd be curious to hear this so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna throw it up on my Facebook page and holy shit yeah the reaction was unbelievable like over 350,000 people unbelievable it was just I was like, Jesus I should you know I should drop names more often (laughs) (laughs) You started off by you received a mysterious call in 1996. And tell us, where were you when you received that call? And what time of 96 was this? I think it was like February. It was either January or February. It was definitely not after that. Okay. And I was at home. I was at my house in Studio City in the Valley, uh, the San Fernando Valley. And the phone rang. like (laughs) I And there was this really weird character on the other end. And normally, you know, like I thought, I was just hang up because I was like, who, who the F is this? Like, who are you? But they seemed, they knew too much. They were saying stuff that it was like, I must know this person. You know, but why aren't they saying who they are? Like, who are, who, why were they talking like this? 
I don't know. I just, I, I which is so enlightening because normally I just hang up. I right. really would. Right. But for some reason, I just stayed. I kept talking. Also, they were amusing. Right. Because you know, it was just like what the fuck? they were kind of playful, but uh-huh. you know what I mean. They just would not tell me who the hell they were, and I was. I'm. It started to become a game. I'm like, so who are you? <laughs> and they wouldn't answer. <laughs> No, it's classic Al. Classic Al. Of course, came to find out, you know, over the next couple of months. That right. It was just so him. Sure. And if, sure. I, if I'd known him at that time, I would have. Yeah. But anyways, but as soon as I hung up, the phone rang again, and it was Ray Daniels' office saying, did you just get a call from Al? Like, I, I think I say this in the, in the story, but yeah. yeah. And I, I'm like, who the fuck is Al? And why are you guys calling me? <laughs> right. Anyways, yeah, this is histoire. Did you know Ray, and did you know the band? Did you ever meet yeah. Ed or Al? No, God, no, 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 no. I had never met them ever, and I, but Ray, I definitely knew from you know Canada. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay. So you knew Ray, and so when you heard it was Al Van Halen, like, what was your reaction to that? Intensely freaked out. I was like, Are you fucking telling me? Fucking. Get more for your money when you shop Meyer. This week, shoes for the family are buy one, get one for a dollar. And Father's Day is this Sunday. Don't forget the card. Or grab him Falls Creek men's polos for just $9.99. Plus, find low Meyer prices on Tostitos tortilla chips for $2.99. And new Emperx members get $10 off their total purchase of $30 or more through June 25th. Get more for your money with the same low Meyer prices in-store or online. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Join Planet Fitness now through June 15th and get the PF Blackheart for zero enrollment in $24.99 a month. You'll enjoy an upgraded experience with tons of perks. Like access to more than 2,000 locations worldwide? Yep. Super soothing hydro massage chairs? Yes. Can I bring a friend every time? Sure. Can my friend be a horse? Mm, nay. Uh, sorry. Get the PF Black Card and feel fit-tacular. Zero enrollment, $24.99 a month. Deal ends June 15th. See club for details. Eddie Van Halen has heard of me. <laughs> so, so at that point, did, were they asking you to come to 5150 Studios? Yes, but they didn't tell me why. Well, they, he said, you know, we just need somebody to... We just need, like, to get somebody to sing on some tracks of God. We just, that's how they put it. That's how Al put it? Yeah, that's how Al put it, yeah, because it was Al. It wasn't Ed. Al was the talker. Al was the guy that went and got everything, you know, together. In my experience of them, don't forget, this is just my experience. Right. Right? I have no idea what anyone else's was. And there was no one else around, like I I think I say this in the story, but there was no one else around. It was Scotty, Ed's tech at the time, Al, Ed, and Sass. Right. That's it. Scotty that's Ross, their road everyone. manager. There was never yeah. anybody else. What kind of music was it that they wanted you to work on? Do you remember what well, it was? This is the, the most amazing part of the whole thing, is that they, they had a couple of bits and pieces. I have a cassette tape somewhere in my house now that Ed gave me. And they said, can you just like maybe, you know, write a melody and do some lyrics to this? And I listened to it a couple of times. Now, don't forget, I was in my own world. I was very scattered. I had a lot of shit going on. And I wasn't really paying that much attention. Oh, it's so hard to explain. You got to understand. 
you know, it's just, it's just where I was at at the time. And I wasn't paying that much attention. So I listened to it and I was like, man, I don't fucking hear anything here. This is like, it's just a mishmash of shit. It doesn't have any structure and I can't really, I don't know what I, and so I threw, it, I threw it to the side, right? Right. They never bugged me about it. They never said anything about it. And basically, we would listen to other people's music. And most of the time, I would sit and listen to them unload how they were feeling because they were not in a happy space. Okay. Right? And, and they what just were wanted they unloading to listen to them. The whole situation of the, I don't want to say anything rotten here. So, you know, just the whole breakup with Sammy at the time. So now at the time, right. Sam had and broken up with them in June of 1996. So was he, was he, mm, no, it was earlier than that? Yeah. Well, cause that's, I mean, that's what I, all I heard about. <laughs> okay. Okay. So what I get there is that, that it was just not something they were willing to share publicly until they were. Right. Gotcha. You know I mean? Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. But okay, they were, gotcha. oh my goodness, believe me. They were definitely looking for somebody to replace him. Now, do you think that now, they were looking for now, you to replace them? I think they were considering it. I do not know that, you know, but there was no other reason for me to be there, which I found out from the horse's mouth, also known as Ray Daniels. So what happened was one day we were in the studio. I was down on the couch in front of the, the mixing board. They were behind it. And we were listening to, or talking, listening to something. And all of a sudden I get this. It's like the light bulb went on in my head, and I don't know what they said or what happened, because I can't remember that, like, precisely, but something set off the light bulb in my head where I suddenly have this idea. I think thinking of having a female singer in this band. Right. I didn't even say to myself, me, because that was even, that was so far out of my uh, ability to comprehend. It did, I didn't even dare to say to myself, I think he's having me. I just went a female singer wow. in my head. At which point I turned, I look at them, and I said, "Guys, you're not actually thinking of having a female singer in this band, are you?" Excited for a road trip? Started off right with auto coverage from American Family Insurance. JD Power ranked us number one in customer satisfaction with the auto insurance shopping experience among mid-size insurers. Get a quote at AmFam.com. American Family Insurance. For J.D. Power 2021 award information, visit JDPower.com slash awards. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Right? This is exactly Right. And they both, and their eyes went, both of them, their eyes went super wide, and they're looking at me, and they both go like, no. <laughs> Why? <laughs> now, and I'm like, it sounds like they didn't think it was going to be a big deal. But why do yeah. you think it would be a big deal for Van Halen to have a female lead singer? Okay. So I grew up with Van Halen, with David Lee Roth, the ultimate macho man. 
With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $499 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands, like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. Right? Like the manly man of testosterone spewing from every pore of his body, <laughs> you know, and like fucking strutting around and doing his whole thing with his assless chaps and his this and the... You know what I mean? Like, that's Van Halen. To me, Van Halen was this mythical creature that was just, it oozed man. Right. It was this dude. It was full fucking dude. So I had that in my mind, right? Because all I could think of was Hot the Teacher. And I was like, this is, I can't, I can't fucking think of this. is ridiculous. <laughs> I, look, I look like an idiot. <laughs> that's all I'm thinking I'm thinking that. And then at the same time, I'm thinking, and what if I did that? Hurry into Mattress Firm. For a limited time, save up to $500 when you get a king bed for the price of a queen or a queen for a twin. Plus, get a free adjustable base with qualifying Sealy purchases up to a $499 value. Or get up to 60% off America's top-rated brands like Sealy Queen mattresses starting at $279.99 or Sleepies at $169.99. In stock for fast delivery, only at Mattress Firm. Restrictions apply. See store or mattressfirm.com for details. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop? It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. And I was known as the person who ruined Van Halen. (laughs) (laughs) I clearly lacked the balls to do the job. I mean, I was was so afraid of the idea of like, and I'm like a girl, and they're all going to go like, this is the worst shit I ever heard. I was like, that's what was really in my head. I, I was more afraid of that. Isn't that ridiculous? Listen, if it was now, that would not be a consideration of any strength at all. I would, in, I would, in a heartbeat, I'd go, dude, I'm in. Right. Before you could even breathe. Right. I'd be, I'm in. Right. I'll fuck that on. Don't fuck that on over here. But at that time, I was seriously lacking my testicles. You know, I don't know what happened to them. They fell off. Did you ever hear about before Sammy, they were thinking about bringing in Patty Smythe? From Scandal. Yes, I heard that years later. Right. I had no idea. But i got to say, I just 
wow, that would have been weird too. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I so, could see me more than that. Did you ever sing a Van Halen song with them? Nope. We never, ever, ever did anything musical at all. Really? Never. So you were just hanging out at the studio with them? I was Basically just, talking or listening? Yes, and doing the uh, beer and cigarette runs. Yeah, why would they have you do that? It seems demeaning. I mean, you're an artist in and of yourself. At that time, you had put out yeah. Racine and Rats, Honestly, which were two great albums. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, they they didn't see it like they weren't. They were just like, "Who's the fucking least famous person here? You, you, you gotta go. You gotta help us out. You, you gotta go, man." <laughs> oh, jeez, that's that's bizarre. So, when you first got to fifty one fifty, did you ask like why you wanted me here, or like? Why you called me, or? I think it, it was because they said, we just want somebody to sing on some of these tracks so we can hear how these tracks are turning out. But it never happened. Wow. How much time did yeah, you spend I, there? I know. So fucking weird. For, I'd say about four months. Oh, like, my God. But I was going back. <laughs> no, but it was over a period of four months. But I was going back and forth from Canada. I was touring. I just met the guy that was, you know, ended up being my husband. Um, there was all kinds of stuff going on in my personal life. And also, when I look back at how I was in a lot of my life, I don't understand what the fuck I was thinking. You know, I suppose a lot of us would say that. I never questioned shit particularly. I would just sort of go, oh, yeah, okay, okay, cool, all right, all right. Unless something was, you know uncomfortable for me in which case then i would have been like no i ain't fucking doing this but i had fun you know we had so much fun al is just oh my god we had a blast and it was also it was just fascinating to be with these people that had been you know like heroes of mine in a way one of the greatest live bands i ever saw in my life was freaking van halen did you ever tell him that with david lee Roth. Oh, yeah. I said, I, I said, you know, I fucking saw you, but I was in a nosebleed seat. I saw you three nights in a row because we, we drove like Montreal, Ottawa, Toronto, some crap. I don't know. And I just remember the first night watching David Lee Roth and just being in awe of how brilliantly this guy works the crowd and his off the cuff remarks and what, you know, like the stuff he'd say, like, you know, all the lines he had. He had the best lines. And then he, like, he pointed at a girl in the audience. He said something to her. It was just absolutely hilarious. And everybody was crying, laughing. And I was just like, wow, imagine being able to sync shit like that up on the spot. This guy's a genius. I went to see him the next night. said the same fucking thing. I was like, oh, okay. Lesson number one. <laughs> wow. A, a lot of people say, like, Billy Sheehan says the same thing that, David Lee Roth made it look very spontaneous, but it actually was, you know, very oh, rehearsed. They didn't uh, leave. 100%. You know. Did you ever talk to them about your material, your next album? In 96, yes. you were working on yes. an album. So what did you show them? Yeah, of course. Definitely. That's the other thing that was happening that year. I was writing and demoing stuff of my own. Oh, that's just a small aside. To me, it wasn't, you know, it was like a big thing for me. So I, that was also very much in my head. Was like, well, what about me? What am I doing? You know, all the stupid asshole. But anyways, did so you ask them to play on your album? One song? No, I would never do something like that. There's a code. I have a code, which <laughs> is either somebody offers or you keep your mouth shut because if they wanted to do it, they would say it. I'm like really weird like that. 
very weird like that. I get uncomfortable because I think the reason is because I, I feel like if somebody did that to me, uh, it would just be awkward. Awkward is the word. But anyways, I, I, I'm less like that now. I'm more likely to ask now, you know, because I just don't care anymore. <laughs> Aside from that, yeah, and there was one song on that record that Ed, for some reason, just loved. I talk about that in the stories, and I even put the song up because so many people started asking me, what song is it? Which song is it? Think of, uh, the song is called Do What I Can, and it's, you know, it's, a, it's a nice song. It's, it's, I don't know what the hell it is. I don't know why he loved that song so much, but he would ask me to play it over and over and over. It was just like a kid. Wow. You know? That's incredible. He was childlike in summer. That's yeah. wild. So now you describe yeah. them in your installments as super clandestine. Why do you think they were so yeah. secretive? Well, first of all, in Al's case, it's kind of his nature. But the thing is, is they were, they talked about this a lot, dude. They were surrounded by rumors and lies all the time. You know, there was all these people who professed to know what was going on on the inside of the camp and this, and they were like very, very private. Right. In that way, they didn't want anybody to know their business. I don't actually know why they were like that, but it was just their nature. They were very private people. Right. And I think you can tell. I mean, if you're Van Halen fans, you can sort of tell that. Yeah, no, totally. You know? It's amazing. Like you can tell. Especially yeah. in so today's world. I didn't world. know that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, how would you describe Ed and Al and their dynamic together and their different personalities? Ed was a very isolated, from my point of view, what I saw, which, of course, was only four months. Right. You know, of his life. I was, we were not great close friends or anything like that. It was just somebody I saw. Right. daily and who I really liked you know he's this icon and he had to live in that reality which you will never understand if you're not in it or if you're not really close to it and you see it happening like right next to you all the time so it's very difficult to understand that but it's extremely isolating as far as I can see this is just all my opinion I, I don't think he really knew who to trust he didn't trust easily because I guess he'd been burnt a lot in his life. And people will use, I know this even from my, you know, experience in this, but I, he was 10 billion times more famous and, and well-known than I ever was. Right. But I, even I know people will use you for their own game, you know, your name or your likeness or what have you. Right. Um, and safe things and so he didn't have a lot of people he could trust and I don't think he trusted easily you know and rightly so that's from what I could tell right and so he appeared to me to be a, a really gentle soul stuck in a very weird situation he was an artist that's all he gave a shit about it was his was playing was his music sure that's what he cared about he didn't really seem to care about anything else, you know, and I think any drugs, alcohol, all that stuff, I think it was just a way to numb down the interference from the outside, the constant battering and getting, like, can I get at you? He was quite gregarious. He was, you know, like. Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker from our work life to our personal lives and relationships. There's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. But guess what? You're not alone. You may not know it now, but support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help find you a community. 
at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com to explore the possibilities. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more, wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. When you sat with him, he'd talk and giggle and laugh and make jokes. He was sarcastic as fuck. And, you know, but he was also angry. I think when I knew him, he was still, he, they, they were not, you know, they were not happy. Right. When I, when I was hanging out with them, which yeah. doesn't mean they weren't, they weren't fun to be around, but it was, there was an undercurrent, this edginess of they were just fucking angry. Yeah. About stuff that happened that I personally have no idea about. I don't really know much about right. the whole, what happened. I don't really, I don't even remember what they said, but I know <laughs> it wasn't very happy. Right. Right. <laughs> like, what did Ray Daniels tell you? Oh boy, and then they ended up not loving Ray very much either. That's that's another thing. Because their manager before I think his name was Ed Lesmer. Yep, yep, that's it. Who they absolutely adored him. Like they adored him. He was like I think part of their a family vibe. Right. Sure. And so when he passed, they were like bereft because they were almost like they were childlike. You know, this is how they appeared to me again. There was something childlike about them. You know, so, and I think that Ed guy was maybe kind of like a, a dad type person in a way. So it was like losing a family member to them. And Ed had said to them, go to Ray. If, when, if I go, go to my friend Ray, he, he, he'll, he'll uh, sort you out. Sadly, that did not end well, that whole Ray thing. I, I know that for sure because I saw Al later in the 2000s and it had already gone sour. So what happened was that day that I had asked them, are you actually thinking of having a female singer? Because what I said was, are you guys actually thinking of having a female singer? They go, no, why are you up? And I said, because I think that is the worst idea I've ever heard. I can't even imagine how ridiculous it would look to have a female singer in Van Halen. All of that came out of my mouth. Go ahead, right here. <laughs> so when I got home that night, I called Ray and I said, Ray, I swear to God, I swear to God, they were actually for a minute there. I don't know why. I know you're going to think I'm crazy, but I swear to God they were thinking of like having, maybe seeing if I would sing in Van Halen. Can you believe it? And he goes, of course they did. Why the fuck do you think you're up there? But I told them, that's the worst idea you've ever had. Oh, wow. But I know why. When you think about it, who was Ray managing at the time? Extreme and Rush. Extreme. Boom! Yeah. That's right. Were you there? Actually, I was wondering if Ray was managing you at the time. No, 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 no. Never met me. No. Did you know about Gary coming into the fold? 
No, I had no idea. No, he wasn't even being talked about at that point. Or if he was, they weren't talking to me about it. What about Mitch Malloy? Do you know who Mitch Malloy is? I do vaguely. You know, as the years go by, people have said stuff to me, like the Patty Smith. Smith, yeah. They, they, that's how I found out about that. People would talk about, say, hey, but did you know that they, and I'm like, I had no idea. Now I do. And I've heard the name Mitch Malloy, but I know nothing, nothing about that at all. I, I, I have no idea. What about them bringing Dave um, back? Bringing Dave back? Yeah, in 1996, they brought Dave back to, to record two songs with them at 5150. No idea about that. Okay. Zero. Okay. No, I wasn't. At that point, my experience was they were so upset with the other guy. Sammy. I hate saying this because I feel guilty. But they were so upset with Sammy. Right. Right? That anybody looked good at that point. They, they, I think they felt uh, betrayed. To be honest with you, that is exactly the word that they, they felt betrayed. I don't know what the fuck happened. Right. I have no idea. Right. I don't know why they felt betrayed. or I have no idea. I, they told me at the time I've forgotten because I don't like to think about, you know, unpleasant shit and it's gossip and, you know, it's their private business and all of that stuff. But, you know, I, unfortunately, they're icons and that's what happens. People talk about you because people actually care about your dirty laundry. All of that stuff, like Dave coming back and singing two songs, very vague. I mean, the way they talked about him at that time, they, he, he's a fucking pain in the ass is basically what they were. Okay, okay. All right. That was the vibe I got, you know. But sure. I, I, you know, I don't know. You also talk about how that you said you get beer and cigarettes, but you said they were publicly on the wagon, but privately it was a different story. What was that all about? Yeah. Well, that's exactly what it was. That was why they say you go get the beer and cigarettes because we're not supposed to be doing this. Oh, okay. okay. We're not supposed to be drinking. Right. And I'm like, well, then maybe you shouldn't be, ah, fuck, it's fine. I'm only going to have a couple beers. <laughs> <laughs> you talked about going to the store with Eddie one time. And what was that experience yeah. like? It would Tell us about that. Yeah. Well, because it was 2 o'clock in the morning, you know. So I didn't want to go by myself because it's 2 o'clock. I'm like, I don't want to go by. I don't, I don't want to go. And he's like, well, and I said, unless you come with me. Because, you see, what happens is when you're around people a lot, they become actual people as opposed to this huge rock icon that you loved. And, you know, it was actually just a person at that point. I wasn't thinking that. I wasn't really thinking. I'm just like, you got to come with me. I'm not going by myself. Okay, I'll come with you. And so he came. It was, like I said, 2 a.m. in the morning. There was nobody in the supermarket. We go in. Like, he seems visibly relaxed because, you know, there's no one there. I'm like, oh, it's cool. There's nobody here. And we were just hanging out and like looking at stuff and snacks and this and that and the other thing. And then somebody clocked them and they came over and they're like, Hey man, Eddie Van Halen, you know, can I get a picture with you dude? Just wait here. I'm just going to, I'm going to go by because this is, of course, like I'm saying, before cell phones, right? right? So people would have had to have like a disposable camera. Right. And they would sell them at the cash on the way out of the supermarket because you, you could buy like a disposable camera sure the guy goes like i'm, gonna, I'm just gonna run and buy the ca to get the camera by the time he gets back there's another person another person another i swear to god there had to be like 15 people before we got out of there and ed super kind lovely guy signed everybody's shit took everybody's pictures and we finally just like got out just it was insane I would like somebody to tell me, you guys, what is your theory on how in 
fuck's name, 10 people, 15 people materialized out of nowhere at 2 a.m. with no cell phones. How'd they do that? That's hard to believe. What was he wearing? A fucking sweatpants, a sweatshirt, a baseball cap. He looked like a homeless person. Come on. Wow. It was it, it, like a trench coat, you know. It Jeez. was ridiculous. I, that's I hard know. to believe that's, that they would reckon. But I, maybe because. That's amazing. Yeah, that is amazing. Maybe because they know he lives in the area. I don't know. You weren't too far away from the house, right? You know what? That's a very, you know, that's a good that's a really good theory right there. That's the best one I've heard because I I couldn't figure it out to save my life. Yeah. But he said to me, he goes, now you know why I don't go out. Wow. I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, yeah I, I get scary, it. scary, right? 2 a.m. in the morning and all of a sudden 15 people are surrounding you at oh, the yeah. supermarket. Yeah. Right? yeah. Yeah, it was freaky. It was freaky. I mean, everybody was cool and everything, but it was just, yeah, it was weird. That's weird. That, that's weird. weird. So now, did, now, did you play them your music and did they critique it or have any opinions or thoughts on it? Well, the, the one song, I told the one song that Ed right. just loved it. Right. He never said it. He never critiqued it. Right. So, okay. Okay. Per se, I, yeah, and I don't, Al would just, you know, <laughs> he was, uh, he's a crazy dude, old Al. I don't know if he still is, but he was then, and he was just, like, mischievous and full of, like, he'd play your record in the car with the doors open on 11. Wow. In the parking lot of a restaurant and just be like sitting there grinning, drinking beer, smoking a cigarette, looking at you going, ha, 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 ha. You know, he's, just, <laughs> he's, a, he's awesome. Funny. It seemed like you and Al really clicked. Yes. Like he was, he was more my friend. Also, I was less in awe of him than I was of Ed. From world conflicts to falling financial markets, natural disasters, and more. Wish the headlines would just stop. It's not a newsflash that life can feel like a pressure cooker. From managing work to building relationships, it's easy to feel overwhelmed. And for many of us, anxiety and stress are constant companions. But you are not alone. Support is out there, just waiting to meet you. And you can find it through friendly people at churchescare.com. At churchescare.com, we know that finding your community can feel intimidating. That's why we do the heavy lifting for you. Churchescare.com helps connect people like you to churches that can support and serve you. In your new community, you'll find a group of people ready to talk, listen, and help you navigate life through its twists and turns. All you have to do is come as you are. If you're ready to find your community, visit churchescare.com today. That's C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S-Care.com. We look forward to serving you. Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to c-h-u-r-c-h-e-s-care.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. Does that make any sense? Because yeah. I mean, Ed, Eddie was, I mean, I don't need to tell you. Right? He was like a yeah. fucking genius, an absolute 
Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. It was a Beethoven of rock. He's like a mad scientist. He changed everything. Yeah. Yeah. He changed everything. He changed the way everybody played. He was just insane. And I would have moments of the, oh, he's just a guy. And then there'd be moments like, Jesus Christ, this is Eddie Van Halen. Wow. Hello. (laughs) You know what I mean? So there was like that. Whereas with Al, he was easier to just be a person to me. I don't know why. Stupid, weird. Now, did you ever see Michael Anthony when you were there? Sometimes life can feel like a pressure cooker. From our work life to our personal lives and relationships, there's so much to balance. It's easy to feel weighed down when you're experiencing anxiety, stress, or sadness. Guess what? You are not alone. Support is all around you. No matter where you are, all you need to do is ask. Let us help you find a community at churchescare.com. Churches are communities of care. Go to C-H-U-R-C-H-E-S care.com to explore the possibilities. Churchescare.com. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Nope. Nope. I never saw anybody but Ed, Al, and Scotty. Privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out.
The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Texting privacy policy in terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. That's right. Millions of kids in kindergarten through third grade in the United States cannot read at grade level. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days guaranteed. And right now you can get started for just $1. Text the word GRADE to 323232 right now. Hooked on Phonics is highly effective and incredibly fun, and everything can be done right from home and in less than 20 minutes a day. For more than 30 years, Hooked on Phonics has been the proven learn-to-read program that kids love to use. Text GRADE to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text GRADE to 323232 right now and get started for just $1. Text GRADE to 323232 now. Text GRADE to 323232. Did they complain about Michael the way they complained about others? I don't remember. I don't remember. I just remember the Sammy stuff in particular and also the Dave stuff. I guess they were talking more about the singers because I was a singer. Right. I don't know. I just, I remember sitting outside smoking cigarettes and just listening to them go, wow. And then they fight with each other. Yeah. I wanted to ask you, <laughs> they how, get in, what would they fight about? <laughs> Oh Christ! I have I, that I really don't remember. They just get, they get into these like squabbles. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it was intense, and I'd be like afraid because they, they just can hit each other. And I remember once I told you I think I said it in the thing. Scotty goes ah, they'll get over the watch. They'll be and sure enough, ten minutes later they're hugging each other. It's, I'm telling you, it's like little kids, like twin brother kids. Wow! And they actually started roughing each other up. Oh, yeah. I'm like, well, they just, fuck you, fuck you, you idiot. <laughs> but, but you know what's so interesting? I've seen videos, because, of course, I started looking at, at um, old interviews and stuff after Ed passed. It was just, you know, you move on. Your life goes on. You just don't think about other, you know, old stuff that happened. Right. Until there's a reason to. So I'm looking at these videos, and I'm looking. There's, like, these interviews with them, and they're sitting on a couch, and they're squished so close together. It's like one's legs on the other one, you know, just just like you'd be with like your your favorite animal, or you'd be with like with your partner, right. you know what I mean, or right. even with your kid, or your parents. It's it's just the the closeness between them was really really strong, and that's what I'm saying. I cannot even imagine. You also think like for example, Sam and Dave were both sort of take-charge guys. You described in your installments that Ed and Al were more like ethereal and artsy. Do you feel like it was Dave and Sam who were more like cracking the whip, like getting things going? Because 
you know, these guys were more artsy and ethereal? It certainly appeared that way to me. Yeah. Absolutely. They weren't like the business dudes. Right. That wasn't the feeling I got. I can't tell you I was not involved in their business in any way, shape, or form, but that was definitely the impression that they gave me. And you think about it, it's like Sammy Hagar is clearly a businessman. Oh, yeah. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. He's also extremely talented. In, in no way am I under undermining his talent. He's yeah. an amazingly talented guy. Right. But he had both sides of that coin. He was definitely, yeah. he was a businessman, or he is, yeah. and he was going places, and he did. Yeah, absolutely. Whereas I think Al and Ed, it was just Ed's extraordinary, mind-blowing talent. The fact that he was just such a bloody genius, and he happened to be in the right place at the right time, with someone who was way more of a go-getter and was like, I'm, you know, I'm taking this to the top. Right. That would totally be dangerous. Right. He, he's, he's a very, very, he appears to be, I don't know him, I've, I've met him once on a rooftop in New York, way before my Al and Ed experience. Right. But anyways, and I'm, I mean, I just met him, I talked to him for 10 minutes, big fucking deal. But he gives the impression of somebody who's also a businessman, Right. Very disciplined, very organized, knows what the fuck he's doing, what he wants, how to get it. He's one of those guys. Al and Ed were just not like that. That, that was not how they seemed to me. They one of like, Sammy's successful <laughs> businesses was the Cabo Wabo Cantina, which was a source of contention between him and the brothers. Was that one of the things the brothers felt betrayed about? Was the whole how the Cabo Wabo went down? Okay, I, yeah, I have... No idea. I don't remember them ever talking about that. They were just, all they ever talked about with me was not specific things that he had just, that he had badmouthed them and he had said shit about them and, and, and he betrayed them, but he never, they, I don't recall any specific details as to what that would have been. I don't remember anything about Cabo Rubble. Did they say anything about their album Balance or recording that and that they had just finished that tour? No. Okay. Okay. No. Now, and, and that would have all been part of it. The guy's an asshole. The guy's are the sh you know right, blah 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 right. all that stuff. So now, when yeah. you when you went out with Al, Al didn't get stopped and recognized. People would know who he was, but he, they didn't kick up a fuss. It was more like, oh, I know who that is. Wow, really good to meet you, sir. You know that kind of stuff. Right. Right. Whereas Ed, it was like more like hysteria. Wow. Okay. You know, okay. I need a picture. I gotta get a picture. Fucking Eddie Van Halen. You know, I need a picture. I need your stuff. I guess I got. You know, like that kind of shit. The owl stuff was much more um, subdued. But also, we were going to like you know fancy restaurants and stuff. So. Right. Right. What did you do over the course of the four months? How did this go on, and how did it end up ending? I have no idea how four months went by, and nothing really happened. Uh, as far as, like, musically or anything like that, I don't know. But I think it's because I kept going and coming back and going and coming back so that it, it, it wasn't one solid four months in a row. You know what I mean? It, it, it was over a period of t um, probably longer. All added up, it would have been four months. The other thing is, is it's really hard for me to remember other than just impressions. Like, you're asking me some stuff, like, detailed stuff, I can't remember. I don't remember exact 
right. conversations, except for stuff like where that stand out in my mind, like that whole experience in, in the um, supermarket or experiences with Al when he pissed on all the cars. Yeah, tell us about that whole story about the pissing on the cars. You went to go, you were with Al in the car and you went to go pick up a friend. And then you left him in the yeah. car and take it from there. Yeah. Tell us what happened. And he was hammered. He was fucking hammered. I mean, he he he'd already had like you know a fair amount of beer. He was very happy. He was singing and yelling out the window and smoking and fucking like, had his feet up on the dashboard and all that kind of you know you know he's hammered. Wow. And I <laughs> I'm like he stay here. I'm just gonna go get my friend. And and when we came back. <laughs> He was taking a leak on uh, her neighbor's cars. So, yeah, it was very, uh, she wasn't too impressed. And, and what did, uh, was he completely exposed like, when you came back? He? Was no, he... he was just taking a leak. I mean, you know, it was nighttime. Oh, okay. See. Right. Gotcha. I, was, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> he's like all, like a little kid. Oh, oh sorry, man. I, I had to take a leak. I had to take a leak. <laughs> oh, why didn't you aim the other direction, you? <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't know. I just thought I'd write my name. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. How did things end with them? Like, when did you stop seeing them? You would think I would know the answer to that, wouldn't you? But I, it, it just... <laughs> Sorry, not a trick question. I think I went... It seriously is. I'm like... I, I just... I went on tour. I went out on, like, an extended tour in Canada. I remember... Al would call me all the time because he had just met his wife that he married. Sometime in, like, after we we were hanging out, hang on, I gotta think about this. I really don't know why I stopped going up there. I guess it was just, what was the point? The weird thing you know, is, is that, Sass, it was no specific thing. Yeah. It's so yeah. funny because you have Al, who's a drummer. You, who's an incredible singer, Eddie, who plays guitar, bass, and keyboards, and you're all hanging mm-hmm. out in a studio, and no one thinks to jam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just—it's hard to believe. I know he makes no sense. It's just—it's just that he all got the. He played constantly. Ed would always have a guitar. He was always going, doing his shit, always. Right. Yeah, he's always playing. Right. But this is something peculiar to me and it never occurred to me to question it in them either and they're probably just like they were probably just like me which is that you're off duty you're not specifically writing for something right you're not rehearsing you're so the, you're, you're, it's like uh, i'll play when I'm, i gotta play you know what i mean it's ed would sit around and play all day anyway right regardless but me, like I sing, if there's a reason to sing. I know that sounds ridiculous, but I don't walk around singing all day. That's not what I do. I sing when I got to sing, like if I'm writing something or I'm rehearsing or I'm whatever. But I don't just burst into song spontaneously right here. First of all, because I suck when I do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. But you know what I mean? Like it just was, I, don't, I don't do that. And neither did they. You know, they, it was, it's like we're, we're, we're on timeout right now. I do not know. It was a very strange and odd thing. And the worst part, you guys, the worst part is I do not have one fucking photograph. Wow. I do not have one song. Wow. Nothing. And the reason is 
same thing. It was too awkward. I was, there was no way I was going to bug these guys who I was getting to hang out with and ask them for photographs. I just, I couldn't do it. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, if I had a cell phone, if it had, if it was now, right. I'd have taken photographs all the time because it's just normal now. Right, I'd right. Video, I'd fucking, I'd have, I'd filmed them. Yeah. I'd have filmed Ed sitting in front of me if he'd have let me. But, yeah. you know, it wouldn't have been as weird then because it was just, it's so ubiquitous. It's everywhere. Right. They would have had cell phones. Sure, you know? sure. But in that day, in those times, it was, <laughs> it's a long time ago. It was 1996. You know, I would have had to, Bring a camera, ask them to pose. I just, I couldn't, right. I couldn't yeah. do it. And you gotta find that uncool. tape, Sass. You gotta find that tape. I have it. I know, I got, it's a cassette. That's what I mean. You gotta, you gotta transcribe it. I have a cassette player, Sass. I can play it for you. <laughs> okay, well, I have it, but I mean, it's just them playing. It's just the guitar, it just gets, I don't even know if there's bass on it. It's just guitar and drums. It's gold. It's just, we, you know, if you could find you it, we'd be really curious to hear what it was. Yeah. I really should, shouldn't I? You should. Yeah, I really should. It's, it's, I'm not going to be shy, Sass. Yes, you should. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys are real Van Halen fans. Oh, you have no idea, Sass. I love Van Halen. You have no Sass, idea. We, it's the truth. But I have to say, I actually am a huge fan of your music as well. And I love your new album, oh, Rebel Moon cool. Blues. Tell us about the new album. And, and it's the first album of new material in 10 years. It's been a while. Yeah, it's not, it, there's only one original song on it, and the rest is all covers. Okay. But it came out on March the 13th. Oh, my it, God. That was D-Day. 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 Fucking crazy. Yes. It was D-Day, and I was out with a Bowie celebration. That I was on that tour. Oh, wow. And we were in Seattle. We were in Seattle, which was freaking ground zero, wow. man. It was so crazy. And I had to fly home because obviously everything got canceled. So we had to fly home in Seattle. I mean, yeah, there was like 20 people on the flight to Toronto. It was insane. But that's the day the record came out, and it did incredible. It was like number one on the Roots and Blues chart for 20 weeks. Wow. Then it came off. Then it went back to number one. And then it went to top ten. Wow. That's insane. Congrats. I I couldn't believe it. That's awesome. Congratulations. That's amazing. Totally insane. So, yeah, I mean, like, it was super great. Right now, I'm just, I'm going to do another one in the series, another blues record. Mm -hmm. But this one's going to be, again, going to be eight songs, because it just sounds better on vinyl. And what the hell? Who cares? Who buys records anyway? Right. Sure, sure. So, yeah, it's going to be four originals and four covers this time because I, I, there's insane cover stuff, you know what I mean? Like, I love. And, and I'm just going to keep getting done. I'm writing this book now because these, these Van Halen stories were so, such a huge hit, uh-huh. you know? And I, I got so many requests from people saying, you got to write a book, you got to write a book, you got to write a book. I want to hear about all the other people, you know? And I thought... Uh, I'm on the back nine of life here. <laughs> Therefore, I might as well write the goddamn book. Right. Why but not? But it's going to be, the, the whole structure of the book, it's not going to be like chapters, right? You don't have to sit down and read it from one end to the other. Uh-uh. It's going to be exactly like these Van Halen stories are written. So you could put, pick the book up and read a whole self-contained story about an experience that I had with so-and-so or so-and-so and so-and-so or whatever, on one page, put the book back down, 
and not look at it again for another three months until I feel like reading, a, oh, i got to take a crap, I'm going to go read this book. Right, right. <laughs> Have you read David Lee Roth's Crazy from the Heat autobiography? Because it is struck no. very similarly to what you are describing. Are you serious? He's a very stream of consciousness kind of guy. And when you read the book, like, it's chock full of good stuff, but it's not necessarily in, in chronologic order. And you're kind of like, okay, well, what's he going to talk about next? And that's what the experience of reading his book is like. Wow. Yeah, I, if you haven't read it, I would recommend you read it, especially if you're going to structure your own book that way. It's fascinating it reading into fascinating. the mind of David Lee Roth. Absolutely. You know what? Maybe I will. I just I don't really read autobiographies of people in general because they're usually not great. You know what I mean? I mean, that's a, that's a broad and stupid statement. But the thing is, is I just don't. I, that's not the kind of books I read. I read, like, I like sci-fi, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. And basically, no, that's, all, that's awesome. Living. But you, if you're thinking of structuring your book that way, you should definitely read I his autobiography. You know what? I will check that out. It's just, I, you know, I've run into so many people that people know in my life, and I've worked with a lot of them, and, you know, and for some reason, people like the point of view that I bring into it. You know what I mean? So I thought, what the hell, I'll just do it. Somebody wants to buy that book, go for it. Throw that's awesome. That's, that, that's <laughs> awesome. Wait, what was your conversation with Dave like when you spoke to him? Uh, Lee Ross? Yeah. Uh, David Lee Ross. Oh, God, that was in, are you ready for this? That was in the 80s. Oh, wow. That was in the 80s. I was in my 20s. We were on a rooftop in Manhattan. It was one of those bars in the 80s, like, Mm -hmm. were clubs, and they had, like, three floors and the rooftop. Right. Every floor was a different dance, some shit like that. Again, if you want to talk about a foggy memory, that's so long ago. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just remember going, <laughs> well, it was one of those, and so I just went and stood next to him, and he, he was he was he was holding court. Yeah, yeah. I remember that? Yeah. You know, yeah, that's what he does. Bourbon and wine. Oh, does he really? See, yeah. I don't even know this. Oh yeah. You guys know way more than I. Yeah. I'm he, only. He is on all the time. He's a rock on. He's a rock on tour. Yeah. Only three people. I was gonna say that sounds like that was my experience, even though again it was ten minutes or fifteen minutes on a rooftop in Manhattan. And, he's, and he was standing with a semicircle of people around him, wow. and he had a drink in one hand, he had a cigarette in the other, <laughs> and he's, he was his sardonic, humorous, <laughs> wry, sarcastic self, funny as fuck, and all I could think of is, this is, you know who, this is David Lee Roth, and right. he looked like, the, he looked like this massive rock god, even though he's not a very tall person, but none of them are, actually. Right, right. <laughs> I don't think I've ever... The only person I've ever that I can think of that's really tall that I met was the uh, bass player from Yes. He was a Chris Squire guy. Chris oh, Squire. Chris Squire. Thank you, Chris Squire. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Chris Squire. What yeah. about Sebastian Bach? You ever meet Sebastian Bach? No. Well, I tell you, you and no. him should do a duet. He's got the male version of your voice. The two of you would make some pair. He's got Ooh. crazy yeah. pipes like you, wild pipes. <laughs> I know who you're talking about. I definitely know who you're talking about. I'm more interested in, like, Paul Rogers. I gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. That's my kind of guy right there. And he's a fan of me. That's great. (laughs) (laughs) Whoa! How about that variety of video music, man? 
out on Facebook at Dave and Dave Unchained, a Van Halen podcast, on Twitter at DD Unchained, on Instagram at DD Unchained Podcast, and you can email us at DD Unchained Podcast at gmail.com. David. Hello, sir. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. What's going on? Everything good? Uh, yep. Yep. Living the dream. Okay. All right. We will do we, we are reading. We are reading edited mail tonight, correct? Well, I thought we had a new policy where no, we are just going to free That was a one-time oh. one <laughs> exception only. Oh, I see. I do declare, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, declare some more. <laughs> exactly. Oh, my God. Hello, Sass? Speaking. Hey. Hoping I can talk to somebody called Dave. <laughs> you got anyone called Dave over there? <laughs> uh, how are you? How are you? I'm gonna add. I'm gonna add on my partner here. Hold on one sec, okay? All right, all right. Hang on, I'm gonna add him on. Hold on, Dave, you there? I am. Okay, Sass is on the line. Hello, Sass. Dave. You got two Daves. <laughs> yes, very good. Dave much. and Dave. That's right. Listen, I was in a band once with two Dave. Actually, three Daves because the the sound guy was called Dave too. Wow. That's right. As we so like I'm to. Used to the Dave. That's right. All Dave, all night. <laughs> we, we try. We try to make it easy for you, sir. That's right. <laughs> Rightly so, because you know. You can't have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. You can't have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. You can't have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. You can't have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. You can't have Van Halen without Eddie Van Halen. Privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message data rates may apply. Reply stop, out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days guaranteed with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids nightly reading for school. We love it and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year can now read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a monster truck driver to deliver pizza. And the neighbors are going wild. You can hear that engine from a mile away, Fran. And he's foregoing the driveway and heading right up the lawn and over the azaleas. What a power move. But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. With six-foot tires and a roll cage, this pizza guy can quite literally crush the competition. For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today.